Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with... The Mixed Martial Arts Hour back in your life on this Monday, September 15th, 2014. Hello again, everyone. I'm Ariel Halwani inside our New York City studio. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. It was an interesting one in the world of mixed martial arts. You know, we talked about this all week long last week, how there were so many events. UFC, Bellator, RFA, Cage Warriors, Bama. 1FC, World Series of Fighting. It seemed like everyone held an event last weekend. And the thing was, they were all kind of forgettable lineups. They were all kind of missable lineups, if you know what I'm saying. Some interesting names here and there, but nothing to really go out of your way and watch. And just like your missable UFCs always turn out to be great ones, this weekend turned out to be a great one. Some fantastic finishes, some great performances, some shocking upsets. Really, this weekend had it all. A lot of fun. I like weekends like this. Under the radar, not a lot of hype. But if you took the time to watch, you were rewarded. On Friday, Emmanuel Newton defended his Bellator light heavyweight title. Another spinning back fist KO. Liam McGeary is a star, in the making at least. Won the Bellator light heavyweight tournament. Ryan Couture, successful in his Bellator debut. Paul Daly, Juan once again in Bama via knockout. He's headed to Bellator. Marlon Moraes proving once again that he's one of the very best at 135. That World Series fighting card completely went under the radar, but some fun fights there as well. And then how about the UFC event? I mean, one of the least talked about UFC shows in recent memory. People made fun of the main event, and somewhat rightfully so when it was announced. Arlovsky Bigfoot 2. And then Andre Arlovsky does what Mark Hunt couldn't do. Think about this. Think about all the big shots that Mark Hunt landed in their great fight last December, and he couldn't finish Bigfoot in five rounds. Arlovsky, who, I'll be honest, when he was re-signed to the UFC, when it was announced just a few months ago that he'd be fighting Brendan Schaub at UFC 174, I rolled my eyes. I thought it was somewhat of a desperation move. I said that he had done nothing to deserve a spot in the UFC. And the fight against Schaub was forgettable. He just knocked out Bigfoot Silva, who I think was ranked number three. Andre Arlovsky is back. And the beauty of this is that they can sell Andre Arlovsky. All of a sudden, you put Andre Arlovsky in a co-main event, a main event, a heavyweight, a former heavyweight champion that people remember. It doesn't matter if you're a new fan or an old fan. You know who Andre Arlovsky is, and the UFC needs these guys. Huge win. Opens things up at heavyweight for the UFC and some great finishes on that card as well. So uh, a good weekend for MMA and the train rolls along here on the MMA hour on this fine Monday afternoon. All right. What's going down on this particular episode? 
345. We'll take your questions and comments. As always, hit us up, hashtag the MMA hour. Leave a question or comment in the comment section below. 325, we'll go inside the vault. Fun one, a classic one. A classic phrase was uttered in this interview. So you're going to enjoy this, especially the backstory. 305, we'll talk to Tito Ortiz. Of course, November 15th, rapidly approaching grudge match. Stefan Bonner, you know the story. 245, Alistair Overeem. He will reflect on his loss to Ben Rothwell uh, two Fridays ago now in Connecticut. Where does he go from here? 225, UFC's Court McGee stops by to, to, to discuss Hope 361. A, uh, a new venture of his. Uh, 205, Jim Ross will be making his MMA broadcasting debut on October 3rd. He'll stop by to talk about that. Of course, his broadcasting partner on that night for Battlegrounds MMA will be the one and only Chael Sonnen. So Jim Ross, of course, the former WWE play-by-play man. Looking forward to that. 145, the outspoken and all of a sudden very fluent in English, Khabib Nurmagomedov will stop by to talk about his road to recovery, the lightweight division, and much more. And at 125, the aforementioned Liam McGeary will stop by to talk about winning the Bellator light heavyweight tournament and where he goes from here. You would think he would fight Newton next, but who knows in this new Bellator era, still someone to remember Liam McGeary, England's own. But first, let us go to the phone lines and welcome in the man who I call the Brazilian beast, he joins us right now from Rio de Janeiro. He was in attendance in Brasilia on Saturday as Andre Arlovsky shocked the world. In fact, well, I'll tell the story when I welcome him in. Uh, he is, of course, the one and only, the often imitated, never duplicated Guilherme Cruz of MMAfighting.com. Guilherme, how are you? How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, man. Good to have you on the show. You know, I got to say, my pleasure. Um, we, <laughs> you, you were at the event. And fight pass, there's a bit of a delay. So I was looking at Twitter in the middle of that fight, Andre Arlovsky and Bigfoot. And you tweeted maybe like two minutes before the knockout that Arlovsky knocked out Bigfoot. And I was like, he's got to be wrong. I mean, he must have meant Bigfoot knocked out Arlovsky. And so I was waiting for it, waiting for it. And then it happened. I was like, wow, I couldn't believe it. Not that I'm mad. It just, it was a whole different experience um, actually witnessing it after the fact. Um, you were there live. You saw it first, of course. What was the reaction in the arena? Because watching it on the internet or on TV, it felt like the place was completely stunned. Yeah, this, this is a fight pass thing. Uh, I, I, I heard a lot of bad things on, on, on Twitter about it, about this, this delay. Everybody t- t- telling me to, to stop tweeting because I was <laughs> tweeting the, the, the results a lot before the, the, the fight took place. But uh, it, it, was, it was a crazy, it, it, it was a, a good night in Brazil. Better than I than I was expecting. What was, it was a fun night? Yeah, yeah, and and a lot of great finishes. Obviously, Pepe with a great finish and and, and a bunch of fun fights. Uh, that was the UFC's debut in Brasilia. They've been all over the country at this point. How did the uh, the city react to the UFC? Welcome the UFC. How did it compare it to some of the other stops? It was better than than a few other cities, but not the 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 best. No. Was a uh, Rio and São Paulo are the, the the best cities for UFC events, but it was a uh, uh, it, w- it was interesting because uh, the the arena is right next to a big soccer stadium that was used in the in the World Cup and was having a soccer game right before the UFC card. So it was interesting to to, to know how that would happen. Uh, the you know fans getting out of the soccer stadium while while UFC fans were getting to the arena. Oh my! But everything was was fine. It was. It was okay, and from what I heard, there was more 
people in the UFC event than the, the, the soccer game. I, I didn't get to, to, to the internet yet to, to see how did the, did the soccer game do in terms of attendance, but that's what I heard. I got to check that before. I've been to three events in Brazil, all in Rio, and I got to say, every time I've gone to the actual event on a Saturday, it's been somewhat of a cluster F, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, you can't find the credentials, there's traffic, and to think that they actually pull this off, a soccer match going on at the same time as fans filing into the arena, I got to admit, I don't really believe it. That, that, it, that, that it happened without any problems sounds shocking to me, or maybe that's just a real thing that I experienced. I didn't have any, any issue at all. Wow. This event. All right. Because Brasilia is a lot, lot smaller than, than Rio. You can't compare two cities, but it was easy to get to the arena, everything. Easy. I don't recall... And the next event in Rio... Yeah. going to be at Marcanazinho instead of HSBC Arena. Yeah. It's going to be a lot easier. Oh, really? Why? To get there and to leave the arena. Why is that? Because it's not at Barra da Tijuca, which is uh, far away from the, 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 the most popular area in, the, in, the, in Rio, like Copacabana, Ipanema. You have to take a car to go there. You can't take a, a subway or bus. It's, it's really hard to get there by bus. So Maracanazinho, you can take a bus, you can take a subway, you'll be there in 10 minutes. It's a lot closer to the, to the big hotels and where people actually live, you know. And of course, that is UFC 179, Jose Aldo versus Chad Mendez. But let's uh, continue talking about Saturday. It seemed like everyone thought Bigfoot was going to win, that he was going to probably finish Arlovsky. We still think to a degree that Arlovsky has a questionable chin. Uh, I don't recall you weighing in. You were picking who, Bigfoot or Arlovsky? I was picking Bigfoot, but I wasn't too confident in, in, my, in my pick because uh, both fighters have a, a questionable chin. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I was expecting Bigfoot to, to, to play smart, to do basically what he did to, to Fedor, you know, take him down and smash him, work on, on ground and pound, get to the win in an easier way, if, if he can, can, can call it that way. But... Uh, he wanted to do a show for the fans. He wanted to go there and brawl. He said he wanted to, to, to go for the knockout or get knocked out, you know, do a big, a big fight for the, for the fans. But I didn't understand his, his, his strategy. He was weird. He was uh, too slow, and Arlovsky was uh, uh, landing everything he threw. So he got the win. Of course, the elephant in the room is that the last time he fought against Mark Hunt, he was allowed to use TRT. And, of course, he... Mm-hmm. Uh, he was suspended afterwards for elevated levels of testosterone. This time around, TRT banned. So how much of a factor do you think that played in the result? I don't know, because the, the, the Mark Hunt fight was the first time, the first and only time he, he used TRT. Mm. He didn't use that against Overeem, and he left uh, two rounds of, in a, in a, when, when Overeem was dominating him, and he survived two rounds. And the, the, the third round, he got the win. So I don't know if that is, was a was a huge factor in this fight, or if it was not. But uh, I, I, I intend to, to, to interview him and ask him if that was a big issue in his training. He, he, he said before the fight that he was not. He was training well. So I don't know if he can, can put it on, uh, the, the TRT thing. Although who knows how much TRT helps your chin, so to speak. But I mean, yeah. think about those shots that Mark Hunt threw at him 
and could not finish him. And then think about what happened on Saturday. Of course, there's a button, you get hit, you get hit in certain spots. I mean, there's a whole bunch of other factors at play, but it is pretty amazing, right? Yeah, it's weird. It's so strange that you can, you, you'll see people talking about TRT and stuff. And, uh, and you, you, he's coming from a, a five round war, and then he gets clipped in three minutes and loses. So you got to think about it, Matt. Were you surprised at how he dealt with the loss? I mean, I watched the post-fight press conference, and he didn't seem all that upset. I know people were asking about his birthday, and he seemed to take it very well. I mean, I don't want to see him cry or anything like that, but it didn't feel like... It felt like I was more devastated than him, and I i mean, just because I thought he should be devastated, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, I, I, I was surprised, too. I was, uh, I, I was expecting him to be, to, to be more down about it because it's his birthday, it's his hometown, but yeah. I was surprised, but at least he, he, he asked for a rematch, so maybe he's, he's planning to, to, to get it again. Yeah, you I mean, know, I'm not sure that's, that's going to happen, though. Yeah, that, of course, that was the second time they fought, so maybe he's looking for the trilogy. He won the first time yeah. in Strike Force, his first time fighting in Brazil, as you mentioned, in his hometown around the time of his uh, birthday. So there was a lot at stake there, and, and, and maybe the pressure was too high on Antonio Silva. Who knows? But to me, this really opens things up, as I said, for the UFC, because Arlovsky, uh, of course, hasn't lost to Cain Velasquez, the champion, twice. So he's a, a credible contender in that sense. And he's a big name. Everyone knows who Andre Arlovsky is, and he's quite popular. And now the big question is, what do you do with him next? Of course, there is a main event fight coming up uh, this weekend in Japan, Mark Hunt versus Roy Nelson. Do you think that he should fight the winner of that? I mean, looking at the rankings, it would make sense. Or do you, maybe, I mean, maybe the UFC goes slow with Arlovsky now and tries to really build him back up. I would do the, the, the main event, the next side of this main event. Mm. If Mark Hunt wins, uh, it's a good fight. But if Roy Nelson wins, wins it's a... Uh, it's, it's an interesting rematch. They wanted fighter to, to finish Ryan Nelson. It's an interesting fight. Yes, they fought in uh, Elite XC way back when. Probably, in my opinion, the the biggest win since, you know, like in 2008 when he beat Roy Nelson, it was controversial to say the least because of the stand-up. He hasn't had an important win since Saturday. I mean, that, that mm-hmm. fight really, as far as opponents are concerned and, and then the name and everything, that, that really puts him on the map and it's, it's huge for the UFC. So I'm curious to, to see what they do with him next. Who else stood out for you on Saturday? Like I said, it flew under the radar, but there were some great performances. Yeah, I was impressed by uh, uh, Patey's submissions. Mm. It was amazing, his, his, his submission. And uh, Santiago Pozinibio, his knockout was, was really great too. We had some uh, uh, close fights, not too exciting fights, like uh, T-Ball wins and uh, Santos Scudero fight. But it was a, a, a great fight with great, great, great card with uh, interesting fights, interesting finishes. Pepe with a uh, mounted triangle armbar, and as you mentioned, Ponzinibbio uh, defeated the, I guess, former war machine. What did you make of this story? You were all over this story. The UFC not allowing him to use that nickname. It's somewhat shocking that he would want to keep the nickname. And, and maybe it's, you know, it's, it's a personal thing you want to, uh, to uh, stick with what got you there. But uh, what, what did you make of the UFC's decision to not allow him to use the nickname, of course, because of what's happening with War Machine and his former uh, girlfriend, Christy Mack? Yeah, after the, the, the ratings, when they announced him as The Machine, I, I, I asked the UFC, and they said that Joe Silva, when, when he heard the, the, the story, he was like, okay, he's definitely not using that nickname. And uh, his other nickname, 
is negão, which means something like uh, niga in English. And I heard he, he wasn't allowed to use that too. And uh, so he had to come up with something new and he decided to go with the, the, the machine. I guess it was the, the, the right call from the UFC. You, you can't allow uh, and come on, uh, a month after everything that happened, you, you had another war machine in the UFC. You know, he's not a, he's not a bad guy because of his nickname, but you, you, you bring uh, an annotation to, 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 to this fact. So it's just a nickname, get rid of it, come up with another one, mm. and move on. No Dana White once again in Brazil. You tweeted a great picture of uh, you guys doing a scrum with the Dana White action figure, which we might even have here. I don't know if it's on the desk today. Um, what, what do the uh, the reporters, the media over there think about that? Because it seems like you guys are starting to not feel the love from Dana White. Yeah, they, they're, they're going. They, at first, when, when Dana didn't come, they, they used to bring uh, Marshall Zlaznik. Yeah. But, uh, but now they are going with Grace Torino in every card. But I, I believe Dana is coming to, to the next show in Rio, the, the Aldo Mendes card. Yeah, we, we, we always have uh, things we, we, we want to ask Dana. But, okay, that will, at, at least we have all these questions waiting a year. And we have, uh, we, we'll, we'll probably try to, to have a four-year, uh, four-hour uh, scrum with him in Rio. He better sit and wait and answer all of the questions we have to him. <laughs> What do the, the, the reporters, the media, and even the fans think about Grace? She is the managing director of UFC Brazil, kind of like Tom Wright in Canada or Gary Cook in, uh, you know, in uh, Europe and, and in the Middle East and Africa. What do, they, what do they make of Grace? Because, I mean, let's be honest, this is somewhat of a trailblazer. A, 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 a woman representative in the world of mixed martial arts is not something you see every day. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting. I was, I was talking to other uh, reporters in Brazil about it, about... Uh, what does she have to do? It's, a, it's, a, it's really different from the, the UFC executive in Europe because he has a lot of uh, new markets he has to, to, to come in, has to build the, the, the UFC there, the UFC brand, and everything. In Brazil, it's, it's a different challenge because UFC is already big here. You, 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 you have to go to different arenas, different cities, but UFC is big. You don't have to, to convince the place to hold the UFC. Everybody wants to, to, to hold a, a UFC card. It's not the, the, the same in, in Europe today. You have to go, to, you have to convince them to sh show everything. You have to work the, for, for the UFC there. In Brazil, it's different. So I have no idea uh, how good her job is because it's a different challenge from other places, from Asia and everything, you know. She mentioned in the post-fight press conference that the UFC is planning on coming back around seven times in 2015. So clearly they are still dedicated to the country. Um, and, and you mentioned that you don't have to do a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of convincing to bring the UFC to any arena in Brazil. But is it as popular as it was, you know, when they first came? I remember UFC 134, I'll never forget. It. And then the couple of events afterwards, has it remained the same or is it more or maybe even less? No, it's less. That's less. less. Why is it less? I don't know. It, at first, the, the, the UFC really exploded here with the Anderson Silva Vitor Belfort fight because Vitor was the, the, the superstar. It wasn't Anderson. And that, that fight made Anderson a superstar. And then they, had, uh, they, they came to Brazil. They did that, that show that was stacked. That was an amazing card. Uh, everything went, went perfect for, for, for Brazil. Big knock winning, Shogun and Anderson. And then they come up again 
uh, four months later to Rio to another car, and then they 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 started working. I guess it was too fast. You know, they they couldn't do a huge card like the real the, the the first real card. Every time he come, they 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 come here. So the first time they they went to to different cities, everybody in these cities were expecting a huge card like the UFC Rio, and they were they they weren't getting that. So, and now you're you're, you're getting cards with uh, Maldonado and Miocic. That wasn't, of course, it wasn't the the, the first option. But right. São Paulo is a huge market, and if you go into to a huge market with a main car, with a main event like Maldonado and Miocic, fans are, are getting disappointed. So, uh, and from 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 time to time, losing titles, uh, only one UFC champion now, that really uh, is 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 really bad for the UFC. They they're doing great with Canal Combate. The number of, of subscribers subscribers is only uh, going high. And business is good for 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 the UFC, but people is not are, are not talking about it very much since uh, like uh, in 2011. You actually uh, mentioned something that I was going to ask you about. Jose Aldo is the last Brazilian champion left, at least for now. Uh, Bigfoot loses. Dos Santos has been out. Of course, he's no longer the champion. Barrao, uh, somewhat of an embarrassing situation just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Anderson Silva, not the champion, trying to come back, of course. I mean, they, it used to be almost all of them were Brazilian. Now there's only one left. And if he loses next month, which some people think he might, there'll be none left. Um, do you hear that from fans or from journalists that if there were more champions, they'd be more into it? Like, are they that much front runners over there? Yeah, they would be more, more interesting if, if we had more champions in the UFC. Course, because uh, fans today, I get that from from my friends that uh, three or four years ago, when there was a uh, a UFC card, everybody was calling me uh, go to to come to my place and watch the UFC card. But now we have a UFC card every weekend, mm. and then they're not that interested in watching fighters that are not uh, so popular or are not uh, champions in the UFC. So if you have uh, three. Uh, for Brazilian champions, they would watch because they are champions. Brazilian fans, Brazilian fans like to have Brazilian uh, athletes uh, successful. They want to have, but if the, uh, if the, the, the Brazilian fighter is a champion, they will cheer for him. They will have him as an idol. It changes a lot if you if you if a guy loses, and it brings an, an interest into the sport. When Brazil had uh, Gustavo Cuta, a tennis player, and he won. Holanda three times. Everybody in Brazil was a tennis fan. Everybody started to play tennis, wanted to, to, to know about more about it. When he started losing, having injuries, he went down. Mm. In, in with uh, and, uh, several other sports, it, it happens every time in Brazil. So if you have Jose Aldo uh, losing against Chad Mendes, and uh, next year no no one wins a try, brings a UFC title to Brazil. That's going to be bad for them. Hennem Burrell used to be the bantamweight champion. Of course, he couldn't fight at UFC 177. And once again, his team, Novo Nial, criticized for their weight-cutting methods. You posted a video of Leonardo Santos, who won on Saturday, but said afterwards that he had some trouble cutting weight, cramping, etc. How much criticism is Novo Nial facing now because of what happened to Burrell? And of course, they had the tragedy last year with one of their fighters passing away. Well, the the biggest criticism is coming from the the maybe the media or the hardcore fans. The the regular fans don't 
don't don't pay much attention to that. But Novanion, everybody at Novanion is saying it's normal, nothing happened. But I'm saying was one thing in 20 years. Uh, Honey Marcus missing weight in the UFC and was fighting at middleweight and light heavyweight. It was one thing uh, that they they're they're basically saying that's not an issue. Something that happened, okay, it was an accident, and it's not happening again. So, but I guess they have to 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 bring uh, some alternative. They have to to to, to change things because it's, it's not it's not working. Okay, Leonardo Santos won, but well, he was terrible at the weigh-ins, and he gasped in the in the middle <coughs> in the middle of the fight. So he definitely wasn't okay. He they 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 have to to to, to change a few things on that. Do you think Barrow takes the rest of the year off? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that would be smart. By the way... Uh, he, he wanted uh, to, to, to take uh, a few time off after the, the, the first Dillashaw fight. Hmm. But, but then they said he wouldn't fight for six months. And then they set a rematch for three months. I don't know. It was weird. Yeah. In hindsight, maybe not the best decision. One more thing before I let you go. This kind of flew into the radar, but you wrote a great article about Patricio Pitbull, who's now the uh, new Bellator featherweight champion. He defeated Pat Kern. He was uh, pretty banged up going into that fight two weekends ago. And in fact, he claims that he injured his knee while doing a Bellator photo shoot, right? Yeah. What happened? Throwing some flying knees. He, he, the, the photographer asked him to, to throw some flying knees to, to, to take pictures. And uh, he had to do this uh, 20, 30 times, and he was landing on, on concrete. So he injured his knee. He thinks it was an, an old injury, but he was okay. And when he started to, to throw in some knees, uh, he heard that again, and he had to go to, to, go to the doctor. And he, uh, the doctor said he couldn't fight. Bellator sent him to another doctor who said he couldn't fight, but Bellator insisted. What? And he ended up getting the fight, fighting. Not only that, he won the fight. Five-round yeah. fight. That's crazy. Bellator insisted that he fight after he tried yeah, to pull that's out? What that's yeah. what he says? Yeah. Does he need surgery? No, but not for the knee. He also had a shoulder injury. He said he couldn't even open the door uh, a couple of weeks before the fight. Wow. And he has a nose. Uh, he, ha- he has to do uh, nose surgery now. But the knee and the shoulder is okay. Wow. Just rehab. Just makes the win all that more impressive. Uh, last thing, I'll put you on the spot. Around this time next month, maybe a little later because the fight is October 25th, will Jose Aldo still be the featherweight champion? I have no idea. Well, I put you on the spot. You got, you got to make a prediction. <laughs> okay. Uh, no. No? Wow. Yeah. That's big. Never call this man unbiased. Interesting stuff. <laughs> oh, oh, one last thing. How does the... The acai in Brasilia compared to Rio. I didn't have. Oh acai come on! In what? Really? But I but I but I heard acai in Brazilian is better because they have the the original. Oh. Acai wow. For the for, for the north area of Brazil, that's pretty different when from the the acai used to eat in Rio. Well, I can't wait. I'm gonna have yeah, a lot. And you have a and a lot of acai places a mile away from 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 the arena. So oh get yes. Ready. Oh, yes, I'm ready. I'm going to uh, UFC 179 for the sole reason. Forget about Aldo Mendez, Glover versus Phil Davis. I need my acai fix. Uh, great stuff, as always, Guilherme. Thank you so much. Follow this man on Twitter. You see his uh, Twitter handle right there on the screen. Uh, appreciate the time and keep up the great work. Thank you, man. All right, there he is, the one and only Brazilian beast himself, 
Guilherme Cruz. All right, we're talking about Bellator. I mentioned him at the top, a great weekend for England's own Liam McGeary. He won the light heavyweight tournament final. He now faces Emmanuel Newton, who was also successful on Friday night for the 205-pound strap. He is a rising star in Bellator, doing great things, and now calls New York home, which is pretty exciting. Joins us right now on the phone. Liam, how are you? Hello, mate. I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Congratulations on the win. Um, you've looked great as of late. You, in my opinion, are one of the rising stars in Bellator. Did you expect this kind of success this early on in your Bellator career? Um, no, I was, I was just going with the flow. Uh, and I was just trying to win the fights that they give me, you know? A uh, inverted triangle choke, which is somewhat of a... Uh, uh, I don't know, it's it, it's customary in, in a Bellator tournament these days. They pulled off a couple of them over the past couple of years, including in one of their early shows. Is that something that you've actually worked on, or did it just present itself? Um, no, it just, it just presented itself. Uh, I was fishing around for either the inverted triangle, or I was trying to hook his arm, or I was trying for an Americana, um, or, or a sweep. So I was just playing around with a few things. I didn't realize how much time was actually left on the clock. Mm. But then when my left leg poked in front of his face, I just, I just sunk it in, man. And at that point, did you know it was done? Yeah, man. I knew, I knew once my legs went wrapped around his neck, I knew it was going to choke out. Is that something that you even play around with in, 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 in training? Yeah, I, I, I catch a few people in that. <laughs> How tall are you? I'm six foot six. Do you feel like that helps you a lot in this? I mean, the, the, the height difference in that fight was amazing. And when you squared off with Emmanuel, it seems like you'll have it there. Do you feel like that helps you a lot, especially your long limbs? Yeah, having the long limbs definitely helps. You know, people, uh, people don't realize how much dangerous, how, how dangerous they actually are, you know. And I mean, my legs, they're, they're only skinny little things, but they, they, they cause some problems. Now, are you certain that you're going to get a title shot right away? Because as you know, no more tournaments in, in Bellator, and they have some big names at 205 with you know Rampage and Tito and King Mo, of course, Stefan Bonner now. Uh, are you 100% certain that your next fight will be for the belt? Yes, yeah, I'm 100% certain. Do you know, when that, well. Do you know when that will take place? Do you know when that will happen? Um, no, I, I don't really know yet. I'm just gonna, I've only just uh, got back to uh, New Jersey at the moment, so... I was going to take a few days. I talked to my manager, I talked to my team, my coaches, and just figure stuff out from there, really. Where do you live now, New Jersey or New York? I, I live in New York, but I've got friends who, uh, who I stay with in New Jersey, so I just come back in and kick back for a little while. Now, why did you leave England to come to the, the northeast of the United States? Become a world champion. That's why? You felt like you couldn't accomplish that by living in England? I, I probably could have accomplished it, but it would have took a lot longer. You know, I mean... Uh, I, I missed out all the all the fights and the shows in in England. Um, I came from a little island in, uh, called Jersey. Uh, I came over there after three professional fights, and I, I just wanted to fight one of the big shows. I got I was getting a little bit impatient with, with fighting on the smaller shows. I was just like, look, I'm, I'm not getting any younger. You know, just throw me in there with the, with all the big boys in the top show, and I'll just I'll see how I do. Why'd you come to the New York, New Jersey area? Why'd you pick that? I mean, California, Vegas, those are hotbeds. Why'd you come here? Um. I had a friend who had a friend over here who brought me over to to train. Um, I was training at Kurt Pellegrino's gym first, and then uh, they were all little guys there. And um, as soon as Henzo and, and Hollis saw me, they was like, invited me to come train with, the, with uh, Henzo's MMA team. So, and that was straight after my debut with Bellator. And, uh, and then you, go you ahead. Can't, you can't turn that down. <laughs> yeah, of course, the legend. Um, are you done exactly. with England now? I mean, of course, you're, you're, you'll always be English. You have the accent and everything, but you have no plans of going back. 
Oh, no, I mean, I, I will go back. I've got all my friends, my family's at home, and, uh, I mean, I haven't seen them for, for a while now. But, I mean, this year's been pretty nuts. I've been, it's just been one long training camp. So, uh, it'd, be, it'd be nice to just have a few weeks where I don't have to worry about I have to be at the gym at 9 o'clock in the morning or 8 o'clock in the morning, do this class, do that class, and, and, and have the schedule I've, I've had. Because it's just been hectic. Yeah, in the last 365 days, you fought five times, including, you know, since May, you've had those three tournament fights. And as I mentioned, the, the, the tournament is no more in Bellator. You are a product of the tournament. Do you think that was the right call to get rid of it? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's nice to, everything's nice to have a bit of change. You know, Bellator's, uh, they had a good run with the, the tournament process. I mean, I'm, I'm now fighting for the title, which I'm happy for, you know. But uh, it's always good to change things around and, and just change up the schedule a little bit, you know? What do you make of the new Bellator regime, this, this new era for Bellator? I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You know, it's, uh, from what I've, I've spoken to a lot of the, the top dogs in Bellator, and uh, yeah, everything that they've told me, I'm, I'm excited for, for next year. You know, it's going to be a very good year. Do you notice a difference between this regime and the old regime? Uh, as a fighter, I don't really know. Um, it's, it's all business for us, really. It's, it's more the backstage with all the, all the people, the members of staff there. They're, they're, they notice there's just changes. But for me, this, it's going to be bigger shows, hmm. um, bigger venues and, and things like that, you know. So, but for, for me, like I say, as a fighter, I just, I just go in there and, and do my job. So you had no problems with Bjorn? No, no, none at all. Man, he, he started me off here, you know. Sure. Um, Emmanuel Newton, as I mentioned, won in the main event another spinning backfist KO win. What did you make of his performance? Um, his, his performance was okay. You know, I mean, he he's, he's been out for a while. You know, and uh, uh, Joe Beltran, he pushed, he pushed him and pushed him and pushed him. You know, and, and some made sure he was he was winning the fight. You know, and uh, he this is MMA. Anything can happen in MMA. You can't really look away for for a second because something like that might might happen. You know. He's a he's an interesting guy because he has such a funky, unorthodox style. Yet sometimes his fights. They, they, they're they a bit slow, and then something like that happens. Would you agree that, yeah. that he's, uh, he's not your typical fighter, especially in that weight class? His style is, is very different. Yes, it is very different indeed. I mean, I, I, I spoke to Manuel. He's, he's a good dude, you know, and uh, he's just a very interesting guy. <laughs> his, his, his fighting is definitely you know, a product of that, you know, and uh, he, he, everything's unorthodox. You know, you don't know whether he's going to throw us a, a kick or a punch or if he's going to spin around even try for a takedown, you know, and which is which adds to all the excitement of the, of the fight. You know, it makes a, a fight a good fight when you, you don't really know what's going to happen. I noticed when you two were squaring off that you were talking to each other. What did you say? I was just saying we're looking forward to the fight. It's going to be a great fight, you know. Both of us, both of us are stand-up guys, you know. We we, we, we can fight on the ground as well, so it's it's going to be a very exciting fight. So no trash, no bad blood or anything there, right? It's, I couldn't tell if it was like the, the smiley kind of bad blood or just you guys pipe, pumping each other up. No, I think we were just pumping each other up. You know, he just finished the fight. I, just, I was buzzing for my fight. Yeah. So yeah, we was just, we was just having a good... Everything, like I say, me and, me and a man, we're, we're cool. You know, it's, uh, this is a job at the end of the day and we'll, we'll go out there and put on a very good show. You know, I mean, like I said, uh, I, I want that belt and uh, I'm not, I'm, I know he's not going to just give it over to me. I'm, it's going to be a fight. So uh, I have to go train hard. And uh, I'm going to have to take off of it. Do you want to take the rest of the year off because it's been such a busy last 365 days for you? Um, I'll, I can never take off. Like, I'll always be training. 
I mean, I'll have a couple of weeks where I'll, I'll just kick back and, and, and not worry about training, but um, I'll always go back into the gym. I'll be bored otherwise, you know. <laughs> um, are you still training with Pellegrino? Because I know he was there. Is he still part of your team? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm Henzo Gracie. I'm an MMA part for Henzo Gracie now. Okay. Uh, I actually got confused. Kurt was in Brazil, so that... that, that yeah, definitely... Kurt, Kurt had a godfather in Brazil, yeah. Um, what's the biggest difference between living in the northeast of the U.S. and England? Um... Well, I lived on the island, so, I mean, the island was like seven miles by, I think it's nine miles by five, yeah, nine miles by one way, five miles the other. That's so it? It's a very, very small, yeah, it's tiny. In between England and France, you've got four little islands, and Jersey's one of them. And uh, so, from, to stay on there, in, there's not a lot of people there, and everybody who, I, I know most of the people on the island, you know, but I come over here, there's just, I mean, Tom's River is probably bigger than Jersey itself. Wow. Now, it's called Jersey, though. That's that's somewhat ironic, right? No, that's the original Jersey. <laughs> New Jersey got their name from, from Jersey. Did they really? Is that true? Is that, is that a fact? Yeah. yeah. What, what's the connection? Um, I don't know. I think I think there's a family name over in, in New Jersey that they came over from Jersey, and then maybe that's that's one of the reasons that they're high up in the, uh, I don't know, just, just high up and they managed to, to get it New Jersey, I think. Are you are you I'm the not, most famous? I'm not a historian, so I'm not no. very good at this. <laughs> well, and it's just fascinating. Well, I never knew that. Uh, are you one of the uh, the most famous athletes to now come out of that small island? Yeah, I believe so. You know, I mean, uh, Jersey for being so small has is very good with. Uh, they've, they've got a lot of sports stars. There's, there's a lot of people high up on the sports, but um, we've got some kickboxers. We've got a few fighters over there. The, the coaches are great, you know, and uh, and, and the the place to train is is awesome for such a small island. Wow. Uh, either training or drinking. <laughs> is it is it covered by the news over there? I mean, is it a big deal what you're doing? Um, I believe I've got a friend who's over here now. He came to watch the fight. He's um he's reporting back and he's trying his best to to like uh, bring up the the knowledge of MMA on the island because I mean UK and and Jersey Jersey's probably around about ten years behind and uh, on everyone on the on the MMA scene, so they don't really understand. <laughs> They just think it's two brutes going into a cage and, and beating each other up. Sure. You know, rugby, they're, they're big on rugby and table tennis, I think. <laughs> Ta- did you play table tennis as a youngster? No, 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 no I didn't, know. You're too long no. for that. It might be a little awkward, right? Exactly. Well, no, no, I've seen some tall table tennis players. Um, so the Japanese, they're good at table tennis. They're the, yeah, they're fantastic. A lot of, uh, yeah. countries. Um, so how do you, you started your MMA career in 2010. So four years ago, um, in that small Island, as you mentioned, and a couple of your first, your early fights were there. Uh, who introduced right, you yeah. to it? Um, a friend of mine, uh, a few years ago got me introduced to it and I went to a club and I trained in like my hometown Andover and I trained there, but, uh, the, I mean, I, I wanted more. And the, the the knowledge I was getting was good, but it wasn't as good as what I knew I could get elsewhere. So then I went to Jersey. Um, I'd already been to, the, I'd already poked my nose into the place when I was like 21. Um, I went back there and they recognised me, and then I started training. It's under top Rob Staples and Andrew Andrew Toporis, and um, they uh, they kind of brought me in and 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 showed me everything I needed to know. I mean, I was training there seven days a week. I was the first one in and the last one out to leave and. I just love the sport. I just wanted to soak in every single bit of knowledge I possibly could. Did you have a history in combat sports before that? I mean, as a youngster, did you do anything? Um, no, I just like to fight. <laughs> Meaning, I'd always, like... I'd always be getting yeah, I'd always be getting in trouble for fighting somewhere or 
in the town or something or other. <laughs> Were you notorious for that? Um, I wouldn't say I was notorious, but I, I, I was one of those ones who couldn't really say no to a fight, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, like on the street and things of that nature. So you kind of uh, channel that, 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 that energy into the real deal. Get paid for it, right? Exactly. There's, there's, there's no point in getting in trouble for it now. And, and plus the fact you can really hurt somebody, you know, fighting and doing that stuff in the streets. So you kind of uh, go into a more um, controlled area. And then uh, it doesn't really matter. You've got gloves on your hands. You know, there's people around that can make sure that everything's all right. So, so yeah, it's just, it's just more controlled, better controlled aggression. The uh, the light heavyweight division in Bellator, one of their more talked about ones, especially with Tito and Rampage there, and now adding Stefan Bonner. Uh, they had a little uh, melee, if you will, in the middle of the cage, not this past show, two shows ago. What did you make of that with the 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 masks and all that that oh, the stuff? Mask, man. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I thought it was very interesting. And when the guy came on with the mask on, and, uh, and I was like, right, who, who's this dude they got in the middle of the ring? And when they pulled the mask off, it was like, uh, well, who is he? <laughs> I didn't know if we were supposed to know who he was or anything, but they didn't actually introduce him, you know? Yes. But um, I, didn't, I didn't actually realize there was any beef between Stefan Bonner and T. Ortiz. You know, so that, was, that was news to me. But, I mean... The guy insulted Tito's family, his friends, and, uh, and he, he went on, he went personal with some of that shit he was saying. So, man, I, I think Tito had every right to go fly for him. Personally, I would have stuck my foot in his face. Really? So you think he crossed the line? Yeah, yeah I, I believe so. There's, there's pushing it for, for, for things, but then you, when you start insulting people's families and stuff, uh, that's, that's, a, that's a line you don't really cross, you know? So do you like the way this is going with that, that kind of stuff? Uh, as, as some put it, that, that, that WWE kind of antics, do you like that? Um, it's different. You know, it's, it's very different. And, and you know what? It's got everybody talking about it. Everybody, everybody said about it and everyone's mentioning it, so everybody's watching it. So it's, it's, it's got to be good for the sport, you know? Well, not it necessarily. Breaks the us- it breaks up the usual MMA fight after fight after fight after sure. fight. If you get some little bit of entertainment in the, in the middle, it's, it's not going to do the show any harm. But for the record, just because a lot of people are talking about it doesn't mean it's necessarily good. I'm not saying it's good or bad in this discussion, but you know what I'm saying, right? Sometimes the most talked about stuff isn't necessarily the good stuff. Yeah, I, I understand that, yeah. Yeah, but as, as a guy in that division, it doesn't bother you that that might get more attention? I mean, they, they have a long resume. They've done a lot in this sport to warrant attention. But are you not afraid that that stuff might get more noticed than what you're doing inside the cage? No, I mean, my, my fighting will speak for itself. You know, I, I'll be pulling off moves, uh, inverted triangles or knockouts. You know, that's, that's all I'm interested in people seeing and, and, and watching. You know, if people can talk about me because of my finishes, then that's 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 great in itself. You know. All right. Well, uh, I look forward to uh, you getting that title shot. I think this is one of the the beauties of the uh, the Bellator tournament system. Uh, guys who may not be known getting a shot, rising through the ranks, and finally getting that title shot. I think that's a fun fight, and you've done great, and a lot of people have noticed. So, uh, congratulations on all your success up until now, and good luck in that title shot or in that title fight, I should say, whenever it may come. Thank you very much, Errol. Thank you. All right, there he is, Liam McGeary stopping by, a finalist in the final Bellator light heavyweight tournament, I guess you could say. Well, he was a finalist already, won that, and now he's getting the, the title shot. Um, I need to do some, some reading up on my geography because, as I'm being told, Jersey, not in England. It's, I guess, an island it's very confusing. What, what, what is this? Let me read up on this for a second. 
Here it is. Jersey. Jersey, in case you didn't know, because I feel like a lot of us don't know. We're so uneducated here. Is a possession of the crown in right of Jersey off the coast of Normandy, France. The Balwick consists of the island of Jersey along with surrounding uninhibited islands and rocks collectively named Les Dirouilles, Les Ecrochoux, Les Minquer, Les Pierres de Luc, and other reefs. Jersey is a part of the ancient Duchy of Normandy and is ruled by the Duke of Normandy, a title held by the reigning monarch of the United Kingdom. Though unrelated to those duties as the uh, king or queen of the UK, Jersey is a self-governing parliamentary democracy under a constitutional monarchy with its own financial, legal, and judicial systems and the power of self-determination. How about that? It's fascinating. Never even heard of Jersey before. Uh, The island of Jersey is the largest of the Channel Islands, although the Balwicks of Jersey and Guernsey are often referred to collectively as the Channel Islands. The quote-unquote Channel Islands are not a constitutional or political unit. Jersey has a separate relationship to the British crown from the other crown dependencies of Guernsey and the Isle of Man. All right, that is according to Wikipedia. Who knew? Did you guys know back there? Will, did you know? You had no idea. Jersey. Capital, St. Helier. It is a part of Europe. They use the Jersey Pound, official languages, French and English. So McGeary started out his career there um, and then moved over to the United States. Fascinating. See, you learn something new every day. Um, mm-hmm. All right, let's move along now and speak to a man who has been making headlines as of late. One of the very best in the UFC's lightweight division. In fact, this man is undefeated. He is 22-0, undefeated in the UFC, out of the UFC. He is nursing a knee injury right now, but he's in the United States in Las Vegas, as a matter of fact. Uh, doing his rehab and is on the comeback trail, looking for a title shot. Very much looking forward to talking to Khabib Nurmagomedov right now on the MMA Hour. Khabib, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Ariel? I'm doing great. It's great to talk to you. Um, so first, th- first things first, how is the knee feeling after you injured it? I'm every day uh, go my rehab and uh, working my knee. Uh, massage, physiotherapy, you know, every day I work with my knee, I want uh, back stronger. And uh, my first problem now is my knee. After, I go uh, get my belt. Okay, we'll get to that in a second. How exactly did you injure your knee? Uh, after the last fight, after Rafael Dos Anjos fight, my knee is no good, little pain. And uh, I'm beginning training. In home in Dagestan, wrestling practice is hurt again, and uh, I go Moscow. Uh, I'm living in Dagestan. I fly Moscow. MRI my knee. Uh, he say you you very big problem your knee. He say ACL. Oh. And uh, and uh, one day ago I I have surgery. Surgery. UFC don't know my uh, UFC don't know I have ACL. Uh, surgery and 
my brothers, Rizwan and Ali, uh, my new management team, <coughs> my brother, he helped me. He called USC, we called uh, Lorenzo Fertitta, and uh, he support me, pay my surgery, pay my rehab, uh, apartment, everything help. Uh, thank you so much, USC, Lorenzo, and Dana White. You know, I remember when this news came out that you were going to fight Donald Cerrone. It was, uh, it was around the time of UFC in Dublin. And then we spoke to Dana White and he said, just 20 minutes or so after the fight was signed, you injured your knee. Is that exactly what happened? Like you found out you were fighting Donald Cerrone in September and then right away you injured your knee? You know, UFC called me and said, you have fight versus Donald Cerrone. And uh, I say I'm very happy. I go training, and after uh, 20 minutes, may, maybe uh, one and a half, I have surgery. No, no surgery. I have uh, injured. Right. Injured. And I, and after I I call my manager. I say my my knee my knee is very bad. Um, and uh, you know this fight this fight I I really won't fight this fight versus. Uh, Cowboy Saloni, but I have injured. Maybe next time I I, I won't. Next time I won't fight. Uh, but now I think uh, I am number one contender uh, after Gilbert Melendez. UFC give Gilbert. I know Gilbert Melendez is very good guy. He's strike force champion. He UFC give him chance, but he lose. He beat after he beat one Diego Sanchez. Diego Sanchez no 15, and he's old. He, he beat him, UFC give again him chance. It's, I think it's no good. I think I am number one contender. I am undefeated, 6-0, 22-0, 22-0. I think I am number one contender. I won't after my rehab. Next fight, I won't touch that. You know, it's interesting because your last fight against Dos Anjos was an important fight for you and the division, yet it wasn't even on the main card. And now you're mentioning about Gilbert getting the title shot after you know losing and then just beating Diego Sanchez. Do you feel like you still don't get respect by the UFC? It's not my job, you know. UFC say me, you have fight, I go fight. It's not my job. It's job UFC. Uh, I, I I think I'm I win 100 uh, percent. Rafael Dos Anjos. Dos Anjos beat Saronia. Dos Anjos beat. Uh, Dosanes beat Benson Henderson, and uh, after Gilbert, Gilbert Melendez, I think, no, I think I am number one contender, 100%. Everybody wants my fight versus Pettis. Everybody, I know. It's a very big fight. Do you think Pettis doesn't want the fight? I think he no wants this fight, uh, but I am no good for his style. I'm pressure, my wrestling, my top control, it's no good for him. I think uh, he no one. To, uh, he say I won't fight uh, versus Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz lose any time in UFC. And uh, I am undefeated. I am next uh, next contender. But he no say Habib is good, Habib is undefeated, Habib is 6-0. He no, no, no say. But he, he know he fly, he fly, he know he fly. And uh, mm, I think he no one to fight. Uh, based on your Twitter, it seems like uh, you have felt disrespected by him because he has been mispronouncing your name. Is that accurate? Well, what's that, please? Well, you said please. you said soon you will know how to pronounce my name correctly. 
Next time, uh, this time next year, you will pronounce my name correctly. Has he been mispronouncing your name, in your opinion? Uh, I think he know my name, but uh, I think he's no respect uh, for me. And the next year, next year, he know my name, one hundred percent. Let's go back to uh, the injury for a second. Uh, last week, you told me a story, and and I, and I just want to um, to clarify with you that when you had the injury and the surgery and the rehab. Did you not even tell the UFC about all these expenses? Were you paying it on your own until you got in touch with, as you mentioned, your new manager, Ali Abdelaziz, who then got in touch with the UFC and told them about it? Were you, were you doing all this on your own? I am living in, in uh, together my new manager, my new brother, uh, Ali. And uh, I know I no one talk, my old manager. It's, um, now I have my new team. Dream team, I and uh, together this one and Ali Abdulaziz. I think uh, I go title shot and we are together win this fight. But uh, I no one talk with my old manager. But just to be clear, you're no longer a part of the Red Fury fight team. Okay. I just want to be clear. You're no longer a part of the Red Fury fight team. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, st- I'm stopped. Now Dominic MMA. Okay. Um, I know you want a title shot, but you said you very much want the Cerrone fight as well. Why do you want that fight? <laughs> he said three times I no go fight for him. Uh, one time UFC say me you fight Ramadan. I know I no fight in Ramadan, and the next time I have injured. And he said he said you have uh, Habib no no fight three times. It's it's not true. I know no no fight two times. One time Ramadan, next time injured. But um, you know, may, may, maybe Donald Cerrone is a good guy, but he's my opponent. I won't smash him. Hmm. Uh, he's fighting Eddie Alvarez next week. Who do you think wins that fight? <laughs> Eddie Alvarez, uh, Cowboy Cerrone. I think uh, Cowboy win this fight. I don't know why, but uh, last year no 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 have fight. And uh, you know, Cal- 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 every every day fight. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. Every day fight, I think is a uh, good shape, is a uh, good mental now. I think Cowboy win. Are you concerned that if he does win, and as you mentioned, he's been very active, and this is a high-profile fight, that he might leapfrog you, even though, as you said, you beat uh, Dos Anjos and. Um, Dos Anjos beat you know Cerrone and Henderson, and you're undefeated. But are you worried that he might get a title shot before you, even though your record is better than his? I know, but uh, he was Pettis one hundred percent. Pettis is not come out, uh, cowboy, and uh, everybody know. Mm, I don't know. I think. Habib versus Habib Nurmagomed versus Anthony Pettis is good, uh-huh. very good fight I think, and everybody wants in uh, Europe, in USA, in Brazil, everyone wants to see this fight. In in Lara, I I I have Lara message in the world, um, everybody wants. When when your next fight versus Pettis? When when when? I am I am tired with this message, you mm. know, uh, and um, I want this fight, very want. And UFC maybe maybe give me this fight. Twenty two and zero, six and zero in UFC. Why not give? Right. You want this fight, Ariel? 
Uh, I, I would like to see it. I think it's interesting. I'm just worried about, you know, sometimes when a guy is active and if you get a high profile win against Eddie Alvarez, you know, the, the lightweight division is very interesting. But if you're asking me, do I think you have done enough to deserve a title shot? Yes, I do believe so. I think, you know, Gilbert Melendez in UFC one and one. Mm-hmm. And uh, Eddie Alvarez zero zero. You want you want to go title shot win one two three five yeah and uh, Eddie Alvarez uh, champion in uh, light lightweight champion in the water UFC is another level you know you you go you come UFC please go fight and two three fight and after go belt but no one fight win you go belt it's no good I think it's no good you want title shot please beat two three guys and after go go belt I am beat six guys. Six guys I'm beat, and I'm I'm beaten in my career. I think I am number one contender, lightweight division. You know, some of your fights as of late have gone the distance. They've been very dominant, very one-sided, but they went to a decision. And you know how fans can be sometimes. They don't get excited about these things. Do you think that has hurt you? Like, if you would have finished these guys, all of these guys, do you think you would be talked about more as the number one contender? Yeah, you know, my, my, my opponent is best guys in the world, you know, Rafael Dos Santos. Yeah. Very good guy. Finish him is very hard. Everybody knows. Grace Santibao is a piece. Um, I, I finish um, Thiago Tavares. Thiago Tavares is good too. Mm. Able to hero is a beast. Before 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 um, fight with me, he he killed one guy. After after fight with me, he killed three guys. He's very good guy, uh, Arbo Trujillo. You know, everybody no finish uh, Pat Healy in UFC. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think uh, my opponent is very good and strong guy. I know I'm no finish, but I'm smash everybody. In uh, striking, grounded pound, wrestling, I am everywhere is best. So is it safe to say that you are hoping that Anthony Pettis wins on December 6th so you can fight him? You like that fight better than a fight against Gilbert if he's the champion? For me, it's no problem. If if uh, Pettis win, uh, I think for for me is very good. I want um, I want to fight with him. But um, Gilbert Melendez is very good guy, very uh, good fighter, and uh, may, maybe he went through. I think fifty fifty. But I won't fight versus Anthony Pettis. How did you learn how to speak English so so well so quickly? Uh, I feel like the last time I spoke to you, you couldn't speak in English. <laughs> now I have very good teachers. We have no, <laughs> we have a new teacher here. Ah, there he is. <laughs> so I have be, before I have teachers. It's very expensive for me. Daniel Cormier is five hundred one hour. <laughs> now I I have free teachers. Oh, <laughs> your new manager Ali. You know that's interesting because I I mentioned that to Daniel on UFC tonight last week. I said, come on, he's looking for a hundred an hour, and he said, absolutely not. It's 500. He's giving you a great service, so he's not he's not going to lower his price. So does that mean you're done with <laughs> Daniel Cormier? It's <laughs> very expensive for me, Daniel Cormier. Hey, Ariel, Khabib wants to tell you about the New Island. He bought a New Island. He just bought a New I, Island. You I have about? New Island, you know. What? I have very good business now. I I have New Island in in the uh, USA. You know. What's the island? <laughs> uh, Eagle Airlines. <laughs> so you are a rich everybody man. Fly, you, uh, everybody fly, fly free. 
Uh, who wants fly free? Let's go fight. <laughs> Eagle Island. Where is this island? He tried to say Eagle Island, like a tick down fast. It's an Eagle Island. Like everybody who fights him is going to fly. Oh, I understand. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> By the way, uh, Khabib, for, for someone whose English isn't their first language, you're very good at trash talking, especially on your Twitter. You're always writing things. Where did you learn this? Who's your inspiration? No, no. No, no, no. It's um, I am no Chelsea style, but <laughs> I have my my new trash talk, you know. And uh, uh, you know why Muhammad Ali is the greatest? He say and do, and you say say, but no do, no win fight is you know greatest. But you say and you do, you greatest fighter. Mm. It's my new style. So you're saying that's the difference between you and Chael because he didn't win, it, it didn't work as well? I think he beat, uh, he said, say, say, but he beat Chael, uh, Anderson Silva and uh, John Jones is greatest. But he talk, talk, so much talk, but he's no do. You know, he lose Rashad Evans, he lose John Jones, Anderson Silva is everybody lose, but he's trash talker. But I am no trash talker. I say and after I do. The UFC has been looking for, uh, you know, a big star from Russia. You know, they, they, they tried to sign Fyodor Milinenko. It didn't work out. Uh, many moons ago, Andrei Arlovsky was the champion. Now look at him now doing great things. Uh, do, you, do you think that you could be the man to, to, to bring the UFC to Russia and sell out major arenas, stadiums, and things like that? Could you be that guy? Uh, you know, I don't know. Andrei Arlovsky is not Russian. He's Belarus. Belarus. Yes, I'm saying, but yes, from, from that and, corner of the world. And, and uh, Fedor Milanenko is the greatest fighter of all time, and he finished. And uh, if you see, want to go UFC Russia, and I think I'm number one. And um, I, I already help for UFC uh, go Russia. And uh, I think uh, if UFC go Russia, 100% uh, in my in my ho- in my house in Dagestan. 30,000 new arena. I think 100% is closed. Mm. Did you look up to Fyodor when you grew up? Was he your favorite fighter? Fyodor is my favorite fighter. He's all time is number one fighter. I think he's greatest. He's a very good person. And um, he's number one. He's, for me, he's number one Fedor. Did you ever meet him? What's that? Did you ever meet Fedor? Two times. Two times I made, the last time he said me, you, now you're number one fighter in Russia. Wow. Please, please, training, training hard. And uh, I am every time see your fight. And uh, for me, it's very, you know, <laughs> Fedor is number one. It's all time. Um, you tweeted a picture very recently of uh, your brother and your father. Um, and your father looks like a very important man, like a politician, like serious and very almost, uh, uh, you know, like he, he, he's, he's somewhat intimidating with that. All of you are really intimidating with that look that you're giving uh, in the picture. What does your father do wearing that beautiful suit? My, my father head coach, Dagestan Combat Sambo. And uh, he working, uh, you know, I don't know what say, American, he working in Dagestan Minister of Sports, you know. No number one, no honor. He working, and he uh, population population. What's it? No, no, no. My father is no politics, no politics. Okay. He working 
is uh, he working he very like combat sambo and MMA and um, and he's my coach he's my head coach all time and um, I love my father yeah he was actually the one that got you into MMA right well, what, what, what's that? wasn't he the one that kind of pushed you to go into MMA to become an MMA fighter yes 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 he is very good uh, freestyle wrestling judo and sambo you know and uh, his, his mix is it's MMA he's training in Pakistan a lot of guys MMA before Rustam Habibov, you know, Rustam mm. Habibov, seven years training. Mm. He beginning training uh, with my father. I am, and a lot of guys, a lot of uh, stars, Russian stars, training with my father. And uh, a lot of time, my father, best co best MMA coach in Russia. Wow. What about your brother? My brother is freestyle wrestler, uh, seven years, and now he's finished. He have chilled, and uh, he's finished. There's no no competition. He's training, but there's no competition. He helped me before my fight uh, and my prepare my fight. He helped me wrestling time. So he doesn't want to be a fighter. He's no fighter. He's no like fight. He, before he's wrestler, but now he's finished. Okay, and uh, now that you're, ch you know, you, you mentioned you changed management team and uh, you're in Las Vegas, at least for now. Uh, does this mean that you are no longer a part of American Kickboxing Academy or are you still going to train there for your fights? Uh, American Kickboxing Academy is my team. You know, I think next year, lightweight and middleweight, light heavyweight and heavyweight, four champs in AKA, I think. If Luko called knockout, Bisping, He's number one contender. And uh, I think next year, AKA have four champs. Wow. So you, Rockhold, DC, and Kane? 100%, I think. Maybe no lucky punch, four champs in AKA. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what do you think of Las Vegas? You're there for the next few months. Uh, how different is it from where you're from, Dagestan? No, I, I like Dagestan living. I it, it's okay in, in Las Vegas. It's okay. I for me, it's need here uh, living now in Las Vegas. My rehab um, and my needs uh, in Las Vegas very good. And uh, I think um, I love Dagestan. I love living in Dagestan. My family, my father, my my mother, my wife, and my friends, my team, all in Dagestan, and I love in Dagestan. So are you going to... USA is okay. Go ahead. USA is okay, but Dagestan is number one for me. So are you going to stay in Las Vegas until you're 100% for the next few months? No, I, I stay one month uh, in, La, in uh, Vegas, and after I go home, 10 days, and come back and rehab my knee. And before, before my fight, six weeks, I go AK and training with my brothers. Okay. With uh, Javier, Javier, Javier Mendes and all guys. Okay, guys. Any good uh, Russian saunas in uh, in Las Vegas? I know you like to go to those. Russian sauna? No, no, no. Uh, I go one time. Go Russian. Uh, in USA, no good sauna. In Russia, it's very good. Oh, in USA, yeah. no hot. In USA, sauna is very cold. <laughs> it's not good enough. It's not uh, up to your standards. 
No, no. no. <laughs> uh, any okay. Last thing before I let you go, Habib. This has been great. Thank you for the time. Any final message to either Pettis or the lightweight division, the UFC? Anything you want to say to them in this rare English interview by Habib Nurmagomedov, top contender in the lightweight division? Thank you so much. I won't say. Uh, please, Pettis, uh, prepare your wrestling, and uh, I go. Uh, I want to uh, get my belt, and your wrestling is no good. Please defend your wrestling, okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Khabib. I appreciate it. Oh, by the way, are you going to be at UFC 178 since you're in Vegas? Yes, yes, I go, I go. Okay. And, uh, I, I go and see this all right. So I will see you there. And thank you very much to your new manager, Ali Abdelaziz, for helping us get this interview. We appreciate it. Best of luck to you with the training, the rehab, and looking forward to the return. Uh, hopefully, for your sake, you get the title shot. Okay. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah, thank you. All right. Assalamu alaikum to uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov. Great stuff out of him. Great to hear that he speaks English so well. All right, let's move along. Very excited, of course, about our next guest. He is, uh, you know him, if, if, if anyone is watching this show, I'm sure you know him, former play-by-play man for World Wrestling Entertainment, and now the play-by-play voice for the October 3rd pay-per-view, Battlegrounds MMA, Jim Ross and Chael Sonnen will be calling that show, that one-night lightweight tournament show that's coming up in just a couple of weeks. Looking forward to talking to him about that and a whole lot more. We've got Jim Ross on the phone right now. Jim, how are you? I'm great, Ariel. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So this is exciting. You know, when this news came out, um, a lot of people, including myself, I was like, you know, I may not know anyone fighting on the card. Of course, I know everyone who is because this is what I do. But I just want to hear, finally... Jim Ross call MMA, especially now alongside Chael Sonnen. So how did this whole situation come about for you? Well, uh, the, uh, the folks at, uh, 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 battleground, uh, some are based Oklahoma based guys. And, uh, they uh, contacted me and asked if I had an interest. I think they follow me on Twitter and know that I have an interest in a lot of things. Uh, and uh, being able to, do the play-by-play on an MMA event was kind of a bucket list thing for me. Uh, a new challenge, uh, a new gig, new new opportunity. So uh, we uh, were able to work it out, and and I had suggested that uh, I thought Shale would be a great partner. Uh, I worked with a lot of uh, explosive, uh, quote-unquote controversial uh, uh, broadcasters in my day, and including the former governor of Minnesota, Jesse Ventura, and Jerry Lawler and Paul Heyman and, and many others. So I thought Chael just, it felt right. It felt like a really, we would have good chemistry. And, and I don't know that. It may be a train wreck. <laughs> I'll assure you, it will not be boring. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, that in itself is, is worth the price of the pay-per-view. Now, you mentioned this is a bucket list thing. Um, is this a one and done for you? Or, you know, are, are, you, are you leaving your options open? Have you signed a long-term deal with them? Where do you stand? No, I, I have a, uh, this is a one, uh, one off right now uh, because, you know, I don't want to do it, Ariel, if I can't be uh, good at it. And I respect the genre, uh, immensely. If I, uh, I'm, I will always be my own worst critic. If I don't feel like that I can do a great job or can evolve into doing a great job, I'd rather let somebody else have the chair that, uh, could. So, Right now, it's a one-time hit. We'll see where we take it after that uh, based on uh, how well uh, we do. But I, I think that 
I do think that we have, uh, Shale and I have the potential to have a lot of fun and, and add a little color to the uh, broadcast, uh, and, 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 but we'll see. I, I, wanna, I don't want to say that oh, I'm going to do this forever, but I, I, I get the one done, and I'm happy about that, and then we'll see where we go from there. Other than your typical research before a broadcast, how will you prepare for this? You've never called MMA before, so will you do some practice calls? I mean, you, you don't need any, you know, any reps in front of the camera or just doing play-by-play in general, but this is a new sport. Well, I have a lot of friends that are involved in MMA, and uh, I'm going to pick the brain of a lot of guys. I'm going to watch, uh, uh, you know, I, I will consume myself by watching a lot of uh, videos. You know, that's the nice thing about YouTube and things of that nature. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'll, I'll prepare in, in that regard. Uh, I am not aware that Shale and I will go into a facility and, and, and do a practice run or two. Maybe we should. I don't think that's a bad idea, but with me in Oklahoma and him in Oregon, uh, that might not be as feasible as one would assume. So, uh, but I think we'll be fine. I think there'll be a lot of spontaneity there. Uh, we'll be in, in uh, Tulsa early so we can sit and talk and, and kind of walk through what we're going to do. So I don't really expect any uh, problems there at all. I'm a storyteller. I want to step the scene. I want to. I want to. I want to have fun. And Chael's the expert. And I'm the point guard. I'm going to get him the ball and let him explain. And I'll be asking questions. And I'll be calling the action. I just don't feel like it's going to be. Uh, gosh, I'm not taking it for granted by any stretch. But I, I just feel like I'm ready to do it. And uh, I'm mentally ready. And I'm excited about it. And as you know, I'm a big fan. So I watch hours and hours and hours of of uh, MMA, and when you come from my background of being a broadcaster, the, the sad or the good, depending on your perspective, I listen very, very intently to everybody. I've, you know, the USC guys, I was a big fan of Marlon Ranello when he worked for Strike Force, uh, and I listen to everybody that I can hear, and, uh, so, maybe, and so maybe as a, at the end of the day it's worked out pretty well. That's going to be good for me. The main draw in this pay-per-view is the one-night tournament, single elimination, lightweight tournament, some familiar names, Cody McKenzie, Brock Larson, Luigi Fioravante, David Mitchell, Juan Carnero, uh, Trey Houston, just to name a few. I think they're going to announce a couple more in the next couple of weeks. How do you feel about the one-night tournament? It used to be a staple of the UFC back in the day. They've moved away from it, and very few organizations do it. Guys have to fight multiple times, and especially in this day and age with everything you hear about concussions and whatnot. What's your take on it? Well, it's a very uh, dangerous and unpredictable environment. There's no doubt about that. And I know that the, uh, the Oklahoma State Athletic Commission has looked at the rules and the, and the structure very, very closely, and it's fully sanctioned. Uh, it's very, I, I think it's, the unpredictability is, is uh, superb. Uh, You've got to be an Iron Man and have a little luck to survive it. Winner's going to win 50 grand. That's going to be cool. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so I... I I, I don't have any reservations with it. I think it's a, it's a supreme gut check. I, I think it's, uh, it's going to take some luck. Uh, some, you know, and you hope that some of those guys get some quick finishes so they, they got something left in their tank if they get to the, uh, to the end of the road or they're one win away from winning $50,000. So it's, uh, I think any time you can get into a fight where it's unpredictable uh, and you know, it's certainly not going to be boring, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited about it. I, 
when I first started watching MMA years and years ago, uh, you know, back in the early days before the uh, Fertitas and uh, Dana White got involved, that's what you had. You had those one-night tournaments. And they were, they were all sizes, no weight categories, and very, bar, I don't want to say barbaric, but they were certainly very uh, uh, animalistic. Mm. And because uh, and the matchups were, you know, weights and size were irrelevant. Uh, so, I mean, I don't think there's going to be any, any Emmanuel Yarborough's in this fight. <laughs> everybody's, uh, a welter, everybody's a welterweight, which is good. So I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm anxious to see who survives it because it's a, it is a rugged journey. Uh, so I think it's, uh, I love the unpredictability of that. And I would imagine, you mentioned, you know, you consider yourself a storyteller. This just gives you another story to tell throughout the night, right? A guy coming back. Uh, fighting multiple times as a broadcaster, that's kind of fun, right? Absolutely. It's, it's, uh, any t- a tournament is episodic by nature. Right. Uh, you, you know, you've got a match, you've got a fight, winners advance, losers are done, easy concept to follow, you bring the stories forward. It's no different than uh, the, the millions of dollars that are made on March Madness, the basketball tournament. Easy to follow. You lose, you're done. You win, you continue. Uh, so uh, that's to me is uh, very episodic in nature. It, it, it lends itself to storytelling, uh, giving them some background, bringing the story forward on uh, you know the condition of the fighter or what you know. It's just there's so many things that you can talk about that you want to be careful not to get bogged down in backstory and not address what we're seeing uh, mm. on your monitor or on, on, on TV, on pay-per-view. Uh, so it's a, it's a really neat opportunity for me. I rarely take uh, gigs on football weekends. I really wanted to do this, uh, uh, the MMA thing, one time in my life. And I hope that we'll be, we'll be solid at it and people will want to hear us again. Uh, but I know that as soon as the fight's over, I'm driving to Fort Worth, Texas, to attend the Oklahoma at uh, Texas Christian football game the next day. So that Friday, October 3rd is going to be a long day and night, but uh, it, it'll ought to be a, one of those bucket list weekends where I can combine my love of MMA and then following my Oklahoma Sooners down in, uh, in a Big 12 uh, conference football game. And as you know, your partner, Chael Sonnen, a, a polarizing figure in our sport, has had some rough times as of late, suspended for two years, uh, everyone knows the story. What's your take on what's happened to him in the last few months? Well, you know, he cheated and got caught. Mm. Uh, no excuses. So I, that's how I, and that's, and he and I have talked several times. You know, I, he's, I'm not the greatest shoulder to cry on, nor did he want it. Uh, he knows what he did. He knows what he did was wrong. But he also knows it's not the, uh, my story to him was, uh, you know, you, you, you're, that wasn't the end of your journey. You just got to start another one. And uh, even though he's never done color, to my knowledge, uh, at uh, cage side, and they use a cage instead of an octagon, right? Uh, uh, that uh, I said, we'll have a blast. I'll get you the ball, and uh, you'll you'll get asked plenty of questions. If you can hear me in your headset, we're going to be fine. Uh, and, we, and I was somewhat facetious in that, and don't want to sound egocentric, but uh, I want him to be the star of the show as on the broadcast team. I know what my role is. So if I tell, tell great stories, and I am nation, naturally passionate, my, uh, my passion for the game isn't uh, manufactured or artificial. Uh, I, I, I'm going to call it like uh, I feel 
uh, and, I, and I know I want to feel it because it's so new, and you're right there uh, in the in the line of fire. I, I think it's going to be cool. But he hasn't made any excuses to me about his uh, his uh, faux pas, and that may be a mild way of putting it. But it's a mistake that he made. But again, he's a young guy. He's a, he's a, he's got he's glib. He's intelligent. He knows the game. He's he's entertaining. Uh, I I just think that this is a great role for him and. You know, whether it's me or somebody else, I think I hope that this is something that people can look back at that tape and say, "Hey, that, that Chael's—he's great in this role." So, and maybe it opens some doors for him uh, down the road with uh, this organization or others. I don't know, but I want to help him facilitate a great opening broadcast, and uh, we work—we'll work together. And, and uh, as I said earlier, Eric, it, it will—it won't be—it won't be boring. And, and it's not that we're going to make it about us. Right. But I think our two styles, uh, we, we both are very passionate, uh, you know, uh, guys that uh, enjoy engaging in, uh, in dialogue and conversation. So I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. But my focus is to make sure he gets all the space he needs to analyze the fight and I ask the right questions. And I'm sure that somewhere down the road, uh, in, in between now and October 3rd, you're going, to, you're going to get a phone call or two from me to to give me some uh, information. I'm, I'm using everybody that I've met in MMA uh, on the journalistic side uh, to give me uh, uh, as, as much assistance as I can because that's my, my, my Achilles heel is that I am a preparation freak and I'm not going to go half-ass it with the, uh, with the fans that buy this pay-per-view. I want them to know that I came prepared and very sincere about doing it. No hat. Uh, just Jim Ross, the broadcaster, and uh, we'll see where the cards fall. Well, my phone is always open. Anything you need would be happy to help you. Um, that goes without saying. Back to Chill for a second. I appreciate your candor very much in talking about his past. Does that make you lose any respect for him? No, no. Uh, we've all made mistakes. Gosh, if I, if I lost respect for everybody that I've liked or knew or worked with in my lifetime, uh, you know, especially in a, in a business uh, like pro wrestling over the years, you, you, you encounter a lot of guys that make mistakes, uh, stub their toe, make big mistakes, make small mistakes. You just are friends or whatever. Uh, you know, I think, to, uh, I think forgiveness is a, is a really good trait for one to have. And, and I, uh, you know, hey, he didn't, he, 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 messed, he messed me around because I loved hearing him on, on Fox, Fox Sports One, and, and him analyzing fights and, and working in the studio. I thought he was the star of their studio team, uh, and they have some good guys in that team. But I thought he was the star of that team, in my view. Uh, so that's what I did, was disappointed in. Plus the fact that, you know, even though he'll tell you that he, I don't know how many fights left he had, you know, who knows what that expiration date is, but I enjoyed watching him fight because. The build-up to the fight was always a part of the adventure, mm-hmm. and then he always got his best effort. And he'd go down fighting. You gotta say that for him, and uh, it, or he or he wins. You know, he, he should have. He was what thirty seconds away from beating Anderson Silva, and mm. a fight that I thought had everybody on the edge of their seat. Certainly did me. So I, I uh, you know, I, I'm a straight shooter. I've been around guys that made mistakes before. I, I like him. Uh, we we have good chemistry. Uh, we we talk a lot. We talked during his uh, issues the last time there with the Nevada State Athletic Commission. He knew he had an ear he could bend and, and a guy that would 
that they cared. Uh, but uh, we, any, if any of us make mistakes, they didn't consider it the end of the world. I mean, there are some mistakes that, you know, can be pretty, pretty uh, devastating. Hmm. But uh, Ray Rice comes to mind. Right. You know, but this is, this is just, uh, he, he made a bonehead move. And uh, he got caught. And he thought he would, he thought he would get caught, obviously. So, uh, I, uh, no, it didn't, didn't affect me whatsoever. Uh, I just, it created an opportunity. When one door closes in one entity, you gotta, you got to be willing to have brave enough to step through another door. That's what we're going to do. We're both going to be walking through a new, into a new arena, so to speak, and uh, taking our place at Cage Side and having a, a great broadcast. That's our goal. And uh, the, the fans will be the judge of that when it's all said and done. But uh, I, I think... Uh, I think Friday. I got Friday night, October third, circled. It's prominent. I'm excited about it, and I'm anxious to see how many fans will will try us on for size. Just try to out of the curiosity of it. And plus, as you know, these eight man tournaments, man, you, you just never know what's going to happen. It's hard to plot one out. It's okay. This guy's probably going to beat this guy, and I think these two guys are meeting the semifinals. There's no damn way you can figure that out because there's just too many variables that. Uh, that can't be counted for. You know, Viacom MMA's, uh, Viacom's MMA promotion, uh, Bellator used to do tournaments all the time, not one night tournaments, but that was, that was their thing. That was their, 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 their gimmick, if you will. And Uh they're getting rid of those, but they're trying to do, you know, bigger events, bigger fights led by Scott Coker, of course. And they have been known to blur the lines between MMA and pro wrestling. And that was very evident a couple of weekends ago when they had Stefan Bonner and Tito Ortiz in the middle of the cage and Bonner brings out a masked man and, uh, you know, a, a former friend of Tito's and all this stuff. And a lot of MMA fans rolled their eyes and said, this is too WWE for me. What's your take on them doing that? And that particular angle, break it down for us. Was that, was that the right call for, for this promotion trying to differentiate itself from, from the UFC? Well, I admire them for trying something new. And I admire them for trying to create a new identity and a buzz. Obviously, you and I are talking about it, and we may not have talked about Bellator if that had not occurred. So that's one point. Uh, in hindsight, I can give you a, a you know, chapter and verse on the zillion things I've done or been a part of that, in hindsight, I, I roll my eyes at uh, with my own work or my own uh, career. But uh, I, I, I do appreciate what they're trying to do to create some identity and create some awareness for their brand. And, you know, I've heard all kinds of things out of Bellator, Viacom. They're going to rebrand their, their, uh, their, their MMA brand, their, 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 their product that they bought. And I, I don't know what's yay or nay. You know infinitely more about that than I. But uh, it wouldn't probably, in hindsight, as it's, it would have been something that I would have done, but, uh, you know, hey, if it would have worked and it would have gotten a great response universally, uh, then we'd all say, oh, that's a hell of an idea. So you never know sometimes on some of those, those your walk the line, as Johnny Cash would say, uh, 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 situations until you do them, and then you kind of go with the consequences. In hindsight, probably would have been something I would have done. Uh, but, but, but in a production meeting, they say, hey, we're going to try this. What the hell? Let's try it. See if it'll work. But I, I, I think sometimes I don't understand the, uh, the angst. Uh, there'll be angst right now in me doing uh, this pay-per-view on October 3rd. 
I, obviously, because hell, man, you know, I even saw it online today where people were questioning your judgment <laughs> for having me on your show. You got all these fighters on, and uh, and you got me. What's going on, Ariel? We, you know, what's, what's what, why you got that guy on? I saw that this morning. I was lifting. <laughs> uh, but you know, it is what it is. I I, I can't help my forty-year background. Uh, but uh, I've known for, I've been known for not calling things in and, and bringing some passion to the broadcast. That's exactly what I plan on doing. But I think you got the 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 MMA world's got to be very careful that line they walk because it's a natural line to walk anyway. Between getting compared to some of the aspects of pro wrestling, not really all of it in the ring, not the predetermined endings in pro wrestling, but the fight buildup and the dialogue and the banter and the pay-per-view uh, promotion, and there's a lot of things that uh, are that these two genres have in common that have nothing to do with what happens when the when the door closes to the to the uh, the the, 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 the uh, cage or the octagon or whatever, and it's always going to have that. And some uh, MMA enthusiasts who are just diehards and hate pro wrestling for whatever reason uh, are just going to have to live with it. You've been very busy in your quote-unquote retirement. Uh, you have a podcast which is uh, very entertaining. It's called The Ross Report. You can get it on iTunes. It does very well. It's very popular. Um, and, and I've seen you call boxing for Fox Sports 1. What else is going on in the life of Jim Ross? I mean, what other projects do you have coming up other than this Battlegrounds MMA pay-per-view on October 3rd? Any, any other news to break? Well, I'm, uh, we're talking to Fox about doing more boxing. Okay. Uh, so... Uh, I really had fun with that uh, boxing event. That, back, that was back in Memorial Day uh, in Fort Bliss, Texas, a special day. When you can meet soldiers that just got home in the last 24, 48 hours from Afghanistan after being gone a year, and you can just be a small part of that presentation and entertaining them, uh, that meant a lot to me. That was a real cool day. Uh, but I also got exposed to the uh, a boxing promotion and the Golden Boy group with Oscar De La Hoya's guys, and uh, I had fun. I enjoyed the prep for it, uh, and I and I found out that uh, I, I think I can do boxing. I really, truly do. I, I've been a fan all my life. Same deal. I've, I've made an emotional investment in everything that I've done, and I think that's what's helped me uh, have a long career. I care. I prepare. Uh, so I've done that with wrestling. I did it with football. I've done it with uh, the boxing, which I hope to do more of probably in 2015, unless we get everything worked out prior to that. I'm open for doing more of that. I'm writing my autobiography after all these years, which we've, we hope to have finished by uh, the spring of 2015. Uh, it's going to be the first of two books. It's just too much to try to squeeze it all in and just kind of hit the high spots in one book without it sound, looking like Gone with the Wind or War and Peace or something. <laughs> so uh, uh, I'm working on that. The podcast, she said, is, is doing really well. So I'm, I'm, uh, it was, it's exceeded my expectations. So last night, I don't know what it is today, last night it was number seven in the iTunes, the top 300 uh, sports and recreation uh, podcast. So it's doing well. Um uh, I'm going to be on the uh, uh, Fox Sports 1 pregame college football show this Saturday. I'll be in Morgantown, West Virginia, where Oklahoma travels to play uh, West Virginia in a Big 12 game. 
So I'm going to do a little piece on the uh, interview uh, on the uh, pregame show. Wow. That's on Fox Sports 1. That'll be this Saturday night. So I'm kind of moving toward that little football niche that I love and, you know, to be determined where that may go. Uh, so I just, uh, that retirement thing uh, sounded good, but uh, hmm. I, I, was, I got busy and, and uh and then 2015, I'll, I'll be doing more of my one-man shows, which uh, has been a real great creative release, and it's really neat to reconnect with the fans and tell stories and do the Q&As and, and all those things. Uh, that's been a real neat deal. So I'm staying plenty busy, uh, but this uh, MMA project uh, of Battlegrounds, is uh, I'm really glad I've got the opportunity and that they trust me enough to give me a shot at doing it. And uh, I wish I could look into a crystal ball and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to be do plenty of this. I don't I may, hey, I may suck. I may be the biggest train wreck on pay-per-view television history. Uh, but uh, I hope not. I'm planning on not being. I think it will be a pleasant surprise for, for folks. And, again, I'm the point guard. It's my job to get the ball to the guy that can score, and that's Chael Sonnen. Because you know him better than I. He's not going to hold anything back. He's going to say what's on his mind, uh, good, bad, or indifferent. And I think that's part of the charm of this broadcast is that you got two broadcasters that, you know, uh, we don't have an agenda. I don't know any of these fighters personally. I don't have to. I'm not trying to protect anybody. Uh, I, I want the brand to do well no matter because they're paying me. But uh, I'm, I don't work for the brand. I, I, I work in this one fight for the brand. I'm going to go out and call it straight, fun, exciting. And uh, let the cards fall where they may. Well, if you ask me in combat sports, there are a few draws when it comes to broadcasting. And when I found out that they were doing this, you alone would have been a big enough draw. And then pairing you up with Chell Sonnen, I think it's brilliant. And that alone, I mean, it could have been a bunch of no names on the card. And I was buying it because I want to see how this turns out. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's very interesting. It's October 3rd. It takes place in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Actually, the same arena that the UFC was just at a couple of weeks right. ago. And uh, so it's this one night. Uh, lightweight tournament, eight fighters, $50,000 goes to the winner. Chael Sonnen and Jim Ross on the call. Fascinating stuff. Looking forward to it on Friday, October 3rd. Uh, Jim, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Best of luck with the podcast, the Ross Report. You can get it on iTunes, as I mentioned, and all your other endeavors. You're, you're a very busy man, and I hope that when I'm your age, I could be as busy. This is a, some kind of retirement that you have. I appreciate the time. You bet, buddy. And I'll be calling you because i got to take that brain of yours. Anytime. Anytime. Thank okay. you. Thank you, Ariel. See you. There he is, Jim Ross stopping by. Looking forward to his call on October 3rd. All right, let's move along. Let's go to uh, the Skype machine over here and welcome in UFC welterweight Court McGee. There he is, one of the most famous beards in mixed martial arts. Appreciate the time, and, and sorry for the delay, Court. How are you? Hey, I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, let's get into it because you have a, uh, a sign right in back of you over there. It says Hope361. And I know you just uh, launched this website, Hope361.com, a new venture that you're working on. What, what exactly is this? I'm very curious about this project. Tell us about it. Well, I had a documentary done on me, a short documentary that ESPN did. And I got so much of a response and so many people contacted me. So many people struggle with drug addiction, and those those afflicted by it, family members, friends, bosses, coworkers, uh, teammates, uh, other athletes. Um, so 
we kind of pulled together, me and a few guys here. You got Max, Andy, and David here in our little office. Hello. And this is where we do. But what we do is we create hope, inspiration, and give direction to those afflicted. Um, you can go on our website, hope361.com, and subscribe for free. Uh, and what it is is it's short documentaries uh, and, and, and long documentaries, but short documentaries to create hope, inspiration, and give direction to those afflicted. Um, a lot of people know about my story, but I didn't, I didn't do mixed martial arts. Uh, this whole came, uh, my whole career came after my initial established sobriety date. Um, I'm a person of long-term recovery. Um, I've been through three surgeries this year. Uh, that's why such the long layoff, um, in my right hand and wrist, you can still see there's no hair grown back yet, um, from the surgeries. But it's it's back. But I made it through all three of those surgeries non-narcotic, and I do that because you know I, I suffer the disease of alcoholism, and I, and, I, and I'm I'm a person of long-term recovery, so I can't do narcotics. I can't drink, you know. And for uh, three thousand and seventy-five days, um, I haven't drank or used a drug, um, and that's how I have to live life. And I know a lot of people are afflicted with it, and I know you know, that you see the demise of a lot of people from all different backgrounds. So we capture that at Hope 361. We capture those inspirational stories and we share them and we ask you to join us in sharing those to create hope, inspiration, and give direction to people who are afflicted. Um, You know, we want to live in the solution. I want to live in the solution. And since the day I got sober, my needs have been met and I've been able to carry the message. And the night that I won the finale, I dedicated my fight to all those people who are struggling. And I meant that um, sincerely. Um, and so I'm doing that today. I had some time off and, um, I used that time to, um, I was approached by, uh, cutting out on us to do an autobiography. And we have the recording done, um, um, my autobiography, um, and we're going to release that hopefully early next year. And, you know, life's pretty good right now. I'm back to training. Um, and, and this Hope 361 uh, cause that we have is is we're doing it to, to create hope, inspiration, and give direction to those who are struggling. What does the 361 stand for? So 360 degrees is... Uh, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. So if you change that one degree, you know, you're that one degree, you're, you can help us share. Um, you, you can log on and share your story, um, but you change it one degree and anything is possible. See, I did the same thing over and over, expecting different results. You know, I drank and I used, and then I figured out life, but life never happened. I stayed in the same place. And, and I just, I went to a depth that I didn't think I could get out of until uh, I found a, a life of recovery. And through that, I was suggested to share my story to help inspire others um, who are also struggling. And so that's what Hope 361 is. Uh, the 361 is catchy. You know, you change it one degree. 360 degrees is a perfect circle. You change it one degree, and it's different, you know, and that's what I did. September 9th, 2005 at 10.56 p.m., my heart stopped because of 
you know, a number of different drugs that I was taking and not taking to get loaded, taking to maintain. And that's the thing is I was miserable and I changed that one degree um, and I found a life of recovery and I'm, I'm able to live that. And so through my competition and my competitive career, I use my highlights and, and, and the things that I've done to create hope. And, you know, the first time I spoke was a little over a year ago and I spoke at an narcotics assembly. And from there it went to junior highs, high schools. And I just got up and I shared my story and I started sharing my story and I, and I saw the response I got of people, you know, Hey, this is pretty inspirational. This guy's a normal guy. Uh, he fell victim to, to addiction and couldn't find his way out, ended up dying. Uh, you know, I mean, it was the EMS workers that ESPN contacted, you know, said I didn't have a response. You know, there was no response for eight minutes, you know, and so I shouldn't be here, but, but, um, I, because of a few unusual circumstances, I was, I was given a new direction in life and I was inspired by being of service to a wrestling team to start competing. And then it went from one thing to another to pretty soon I'm fighting on the biggest stage in the world. And I want to use this to create hope and inspiration and give direction to those who are afflicted. And in doing that, it's given me a life beyond my wildest dreams. And so that's what we're doing at Hope361.com. We're doing that. Um, I go out. I speak at youth correctional facilities. I speak from a prison in San Luis Obispo County to a junior high school in Emory County in Utah. Um, And I just share my story and help create inspiration and give some of these kids some, some hope who are struggling. And, you know, anybody. I mean, drug addiction is non-biased. It doesn't matter where you came from, who you are, you know, religion. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much money or how little money you have. Drug addiction is non-biased and it tears everybody apart. So we want to be able to provide a tool for people to use for those who are afflicted around them. Hey, listen, they can get help here, here, through this, through this. And then the stories that we have, um, create that hope. Hey, listen, if this guy can make it through that, you know, maybe my son can, or maybe my daughter can, or maybe my friend can, you know, listen, this guy made it through it. This is what he does to maintain his recovery. And, and, you know, I mean, what better of a cause you get on there and you subscribe for free. Um, all you're doing is getting updated on the newer videos. We have about 50 right now and, um, we're putting more up on the site and we're building it, you know, progress, not perfection. We're, we're, we're looking to be of service and be in the solution. And I've used my, you know, uh, what success I've had to help carry the message. And it's given me a life. It's given me the ability to compete in the UFD, you know, and I didn't think, you know, sitting in a trailer overdosed on heroin, you know, I never thought I'd be sitting here speaking to you on your show. You know, people like me don't get that opportunity, but um, because of a few circumstances that were given to me, I want to, I want to give that back, you know, and that's what we're doing. That's what Hope 361 is. I have my autobiography coming out. Um, Spencer Kite's helping me write that. Uh, We have our, we have, we have everything recorded and we're, and we're transcribing right now. Uh, we don't have like an official release date, but I'm doing, I'm putting my story out there. Um, and you know, it's just 
being part of the solution and staying active when I can't be active in the cage. I should have a release date in December, um, and I'll be back uh, competing in the UFC in springtime, you know, in uh, February, March of next year. I should be released and back in action. I'm training now, but I have an hour worth of therapy a day on my wrist to get it back to 100% so I can come back and compete with the best guys in the world. Not compete, but beat right. the best guys in the world. You know, you mentioned, uh, obviously, the day that you were pronounced dead. You know everything from the from the time and how many days you've been sober. You know, that all sounds great when you're listening to the story. It's very inspirational. It's very emotional. But how does someone turn around? How, how, do you, how did you turn around your life? Like, what was the key to doing so? Because, you know, that, that is obviously rock bottom. I mean, eight minutes, you say that they told you you were, you were dead for, and then you're addicted to this stuff. It's part of your life. You need it just to function. How did you get rid of it all and, and, and now become a successful human being, a successful athlete of all things? Well, what happened was my parents were in the emergency room. And there was a licensed clinical social worker who was at the hospital that I overdosed on um, or at the hospital that I, I was there. And, and he's, he saw my parents, you know, sobbing and said, you know, what happened? And they said, well, he overdosed. It's a drug overdose. We don't know how to help him. We don't know what to do. And, and that guy said, have you ever tried an intensive inpatient treatment facility? And they said, no, we don't know what those are. They had no idea. They didn't know how to help me. And so he said, okay, well, here's a name and a number of somebody you can call. And luckily enough, they were able to get me into that inpatient drug treatment facility. And in there, um, I was introduced to people who were living a life of long-term recovery. And so through those first initial 30 days of sobriety, after a hard couple years of use, um, I saw these guys, they were happy and, and I, I met a guy that said, Hey, if I stay sober for, for one more day, I'll have six months of continuous sobriety. And I went, Holy cow, that guy's really sober. And so I went up to him and I said, what do you do? And so I want to be that licensed clinical social worker that's in the hospital See, that was by chance. Had they had not come across him, I never would have been given the opportunity or put in that place. You know, I mean, I had felony drug charges. I had, I was looking to do time and those are my options. It was either uh, being incarcerated or dying, you know, or being incarcerated, coming out. And, like I knew no other way to live. I was so deep in my addiction. I had no idea. But because of that guy that knew where to get help, suggested that I go to that treatment facility. So in a sense, we're being that guy. We're going to, you know, through these, hey, listen, this guy got sober. This guy, this, this, this is what they do. This is how they maintain their, their recovery. This is what they do. And this is where they got help. This is what they do now, and that's what our website does. Hmm. So we're acting as that person. So you, as a viewer, you go on, you subscribe, you get the inspirational documentary, and you say, hey, I have a friend that's 29 years old that wants to be an MMA fighter. Website, you'll go down to treatment, and you'll find an inpatient drug treatment facility close to you. Hey, this is where we got help. Bam. They go locate that, and then they're able to give direction to the person who's struggling. Wow. See, I was in an intensive outpatient for a year, and I was so strung out that I had no idea. I didn't 
even know oh, I was a once a week an outpatient treatment facility. I didn't know that. My dad had to tell me that for my next drug. And because of that guy giving us some direction, you know, I'm where I'm at today. Hmm. He just, just, just gave me the step in the right direction. And, and, and so we want to act as that. Right. And you don't want any money or anything like that. This is not a charity in that sense? No. And eventually it can grow into something. Right. Um, but subscribers, we want, to, we want to create hope and inspiration through those documentaries. If they have an inspirational story, somebody who's struggling, you know, and the person who's struggling may not get anything from the video, but I promise you, the loved ones around them who are afflicted the most will see that. My family didn't know what to do, and we're giving them that. Hey, listen, this is what these guys are doing. You know, this guy, wow, you know, this really changed his life. What did he do? And through that story and how we edit that and, and how Max does that, our film guy, you know, it'll, it, it creates a direction for these people, for their family members or bosses or whoever, employers, or it doesn't matter. Wh- whoever has somebody or knows somebody can get on this website, can get the inspiration from the videos mm. and get direction to where they can get help. And okay. if you get a chance, get on there and subscribe. Yeah. I absolutely will. It's called hope361.com. When you go to the front page, a video of you, it's a great video, and uh, it's a very nice and informative and a very easy-to-use website. I commend you on doing this, and I wish you the best of luck, you and your team over there, the best of luck, and I uh, hope you get well very soon, get back to the UFC very soon, and good luck with the autobiography. I mean, you got a lot going on, Cord, and it, it's all great things, so very happy for you. All the best, and keep us posted on the website and, and how it continues to grow. Okay. Yeah, you can follow us on any of our social media platforms. Just look up hope361.com and then follow me for up-to-date stuff on that, the court underscore McGee or my fan page. I'll also be getting rid of my my personal page. It's the first one that pops up and and doing a fan page um, because it's full and um, keep up to date on what's going on. You know, I do these speaking engagements and I do these appearances and, and I'm back in training and I'll be back. I'll be back. Looking forward to it. All the best to you, Court. There he is, Court McGee, UFC welterweight, uh, launching a great project, hope361.com. I I do recommend checking it out. Some great stuff, even if you have nothing, uh, no connection to, you know, anyone who has been suffering from this or has suffered from uh, these kinds of addiction or mental illness. I mean, this is uh, this is great work here, and it's it's a very nice website, very nicely done, and uh, for. A very good cause, cause that sometimes sometimes isn't discussed uh, as much as others. And this is a guy who was pronounced dead for eight minutes. If you recall, when he won the Ultimate Fighter, that was discussed. And now look what he's doing. Way to give back, Court McGee. Great stuff out of him. Check it out, hope361.com. All right, let's go back to the Skype machine now and welcome in a good friend of the show, the one and only... Oh, it's phone. Okay. Sorry. I read, I, I read the, uh, 
information wrong. He's joining us via the phone. Can't wait. Alistair Overeem, are you there? Joining you through the phone. Do you hear me? I do. I wanted to see your lovely face. What happened? Yeah, I'm actually driving right now. Oh, okay. Uh, you're in Holland, right? Far away. I'm in, I'm in uh, Holland and Netherlands, and uh, I'm actually driving to Amsterdam. So it just so happened to be that the call was during this time, and I was in the car. So no Skype access, unfortunately. Oh, well, that's... Unf- how have you been, uh, Ariel? I have been great. How have you been? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. The, la- the fight was not good. <laughs> that was terrible. Yes. Terrible result. And um, I can tell you, it's, a, it's such a shame because I was in a damn good shape. You know, and it, that just proves um, to me that, uh, you know, you can, you know it, can, it can all be over in headway. With just one, one mistake, one blow, one, one thing. You know, I got to say... Unfortunately... Absolutely, and, and, and we've seen this before, but I got to say, I am so impressed with how you are dealing with this loss. I mean, from what you wrote on social media just a few hours later, even the way you were in the cage, I mean, when we saw this happen, especially, once again, you started off very well, and then bad things happen uh, rather quickly afterwards, but even what you're saying here now, I mean, this seems like a different Alistair Overeem. How are you handling this so well? You're so positive. You're, 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 you're dealing with it. I mean, you've, you've taken such a great approach to it all. And when we were watching it, I was like, wow, this is devastating for Alistair. How is he going to respond? Will he be cut? All this stuff. And yet, you don't seem to be sweating it. How is this possible? No, no, no. I, I, I'm, 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 a little, I'm disappointed in the result of the fight. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I was in a great place. I'm still in a great place. I think I really found myself with Greg Jackson. I like the people. The prep was great. And I know, I just know that all those months of work that I put in is going to come out. It might not, it didn't come out in this fight. Well, the result wasn't, wasn't there, but I know it's going to come out later because I know what I'm doing in the gym. I know what I'm doing with my sparring partners. That, that might come out a little bit bad, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I just know that I'm, uh, that it was the right direction. So again, a very unfortunate result. So what's your take on the fight? What went wrong there? Why did you lose? Um, well, I, we, we all knew that Ben has hard hands. That's how he wins fights. Now, I was kicking on his arm, and I thought I disabled his arm. I heard a crack. I could see uh, he was hurt on the arm. So I didn't expect him to punch with it, and especially not like that fast counterpunch. I, I would maybe expect him to punch a little bit later, but not that fast. And... Um, I just didn't expect it to come from that angle. And so that was it. Do you think that you put so, too much stock in, in his potentially injured arm? Like if you didn't think that his arm was broken, which it comes out later that it wasn't broken, would you have been more defensive, more guarded? Yeah, I should have. I should have been more careful. Hmm. Should have been more careful. So we all knew that Ben can take, uh, take a punch, can take a, well, maybe a couple punches. And, uh, you know, he's a tough guy, got hard hands. And uh, I just made a mistake. What did you make of his dance afterwards? Excuse me? What did you make of his dancing in the cage afterwards? Yeah, I saw it, um, uh, I saw it uh, on the video. You know what the thing is? The thing is, if you, if you win your fight, you can make some noise. And if you lose, then you just <laughs> shut, shut up. Right. So that's a little bit what happened. He, he won. Congratulations to Ben. He can make some noise. 
was this was this one of the harder losses of your career? Because as you mentioned, you were in a good place, a new camp. You were excited to show off your skills. I mean, I, I'm assuming every loss is tough. But considering all those factors and, and what you had done in your last fight against Frank Mir and you were so dominant, it felt like you were finally starting to pick up some momentum in the UFC. I'm wondering if this was one of the tougher losses of your career. Mm, you know, every loss is tough. Yeah. Um, this definitely was a tough one, too, because it seemed that the stars had aligned, right? It all, it all looked good. And I was in a great shape. Uh, so in that sense, it's a, it's a bitter pill. But, um, you know, the whole thing also is if you're not prepared to lose, you shouldn't even compete in the first place. Mm. And, uh, you know, I've always known that I've had a long career. This is my 20th year training. I've always known that, you know, you can lose. That this is one of those things. But, again, I'm, I'm, I'm still very happy with, with the work I put in. So I'm pleased with the people that I have uh, around me right now. Everything is very positive. So I know it'll, it'll come out uh, the next time. Are and you the thing s- is, I'm 34. I'm, I'm, I still have a couple of good years in me, yeah. I would hope. Are you staying with Jacksons? Yes, 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 yes. You enjoyed Albuquerque. You enjoyed uh, the team and, and the atmosphere there. Everything was great. Everything was great. Even the drama. Everything was very positive. Yeah, there was not really any drama. That was just uh, <laughs> you guys, the media, acting a little silly. Can I say something, though? It, it, it bothered me when it was made public that you were the one that John Jones was training with because guys get you know, injured all the time. And I feel like there's certain, you know, there's certain facts that are left in the gym because you don't want someone to get unnecessary criticism. I mean, I could think of many cases where a guy got injured, someone bumped into him, something like that. These things happen in a gym while you're training for big fights. And I was surprised that it came out and, and people were talking so openly about the fact that you were training with John Jones. Did you think that that was unfair, especially considering the fact that you were a new member of the team and just trying to, you know, you, it looked like from, from, from everyone we spoke to, trying really hard to, you know, adapt to the team and be a good teammate and, and be as accommodating as possible. I, I felt for you when that came out. Do you agree that it was unfair? Well, um, it was the truth. So what are you going to do? Mm. I mean, anybody can say the truth. And, uh, yeah, it is what it is. You cannot make, make it any more nice, right? Right. If somebody asked um, anybody in the GMA what happened with John. Yeah, he was, he was warming up with Alistair. I mean, should they lie about it or something? It was just the truth. That's what happened, and it was no foul play. It was not intentionally. It was just a very unfortunate uh, yeah, accident. You, are, you and John are cool now, though, right? Yes. Yes. No, no, no hard feelings because of that or anything like that. Never has been. Right. Never has been. And I felt terrible, man, because uh, I was looking forward to that fight. Of course, obviously, uh, you know, he's got a great career. He's a great, great athlete. But I also like him as a friend. So, um, you know, you never want to, you don't want to do that to, to your buddies or to your teammates. Yeah, it was interesting. You, just, you feel terrible. The day after the brawl, you were in L.A. with him, almost like his, uh, his enforcer. If, if D.C. stepped out of line, you were going to come in there and rough him up, right? Per- personal security. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, Alistair's the personal... I mean, you guys are very yeah. close, right? He, 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 he brought you out there, right? No, I actually was in... What was I doing there? I was in town for something, mm. and uh, he happened to have his, um, his uh, press moment. So we, uh, I, after I finished my thing, I went over, 
and um, yeah, just joined. We played a UC game in front of some audience. Yeah, it's all good. I like the story better that he brought you out as a personal security guard, but I guess your story is fine. <laughs> you know, after. But you know, I like I like I like Daniel too. I think Daniel's also a great fighter. So yeah, that was not an enforcer. After the fight uh, last Friday, the talk was, you know, will Alistair Overeem have a future in the UFC? Uh, Dana White has come out recently and said that you are going to stick around and they're still going to, you know, give you another fight um, despite the loss. And, you know, the, the fact that you, I believe you've lost three of your last four. Uh, were you worried that they were going to cut you after this fight? Um, no. Nah. Worried, worried is a big word. You know, it, it, it's something that can happen. You, you can do that after you lose a fight. So it's definitely something that you uh, keep into account. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it is something that goes through your mind because they can do it. They do have the power to do it. Did you find out like the rest of us, you know, when Dana said that last week that you were going to stick around or did you inquire beforehand? Well, I would assume that uh, that uh, I'm in touch with my manager, and uh, if something happens or something changes, then I'll hear from my manager. So, unless I hear something from my manager, yeah, then you're still uh, right. You're still uh, in service. I would uh, I would think. I'm just taking a turn. Do you feel like it's do or die for you in your next fight? Um, you know, I, I'm not going to put it like that. I just think every fight is important. Every win is important. You know, a, a loss really puts you down the ladder a couple, a uh, couple steps. Um, you know, and again, I, I, I really take it to myself and I look at what I could have done more. I could not have done more, uh, in the preparation and it all, it all went great. I was in a great shape and, uh, yeah, we're going to do it again for the next one and recharge again. And, um, going to go at it again. Do you have any kind That's of th- simple. Do you have any kind of theory as to why the UFC run hasn't gone as as you would have liked? I mean, thus far it it hasn't been as dominant as, you know, uh when you were in Strike Force and of course Dream and things like that. Do you have any kind of theory as to why? Well, it's also a little bit when you're in the flow of winning, it's it's you're in the flow of winning. Now there's definitely been some hardships here. Um, I also have to say that UFC, I mean, there's no easy fights in UFC. Everybody is tough and everybody's coming in the game. This is something I, I also said uh, before the fight. Don't underestimate Ben. This guy's 280 pounds. He can take a punch and he hits like a truck. Um, you know, it is the UFC. Everybody is there to win. And there is a lot of stake for everybody. So everybody's, you know, 150% motivated. Or they're not going to last. If you come in there with 50% motivation, you're not going to last long. Are you considering going down to 205? Well, I went in at 248, and I was really dieting and shredding and getting my, my body in the best shape ever. So, because um, I, I pretty much confused about it. But how do you suggest I cut 43 pounds? Well, I don't know, because it seemed like... I was, at the, I, I was at the lightest I was possible. I know. How am I going to do more? Well, you know, you have fought in the past at 205, and also... Uh, you were telling us that you were weighing 210. I know you were joking with the, the people and whatnot, but it seemed like you, you said were... That. I, never, I never said that to you. No, not to me personally, but I think uh, on social media... I you... never said that to anybody. No? The 210 part? No. You never wrote that on social Somebody media? Somebody asked me, hey, what is... 
somebody asked me what what is Tim Kennedy's rate? I think I think like two ten or so. Gotcha. Wait a second. Wait a second. I'm looking it up. Um, oh, someone. It's wow. People screwed up, huh? Look at that. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, the 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 MMA that's, media. That that's what I mean with you media guys. Yeah. You're just copy pasting, making headlines out of it. <laughs> Unbelievable, right? Totally no fact check. Real journalism, uh, what is that? Question mark. <laughs> wow. You put me in that group as well? After everything we've been through. I, well, you're a little bit more sophisticated. Sophisticated? But, yeah, you're a little bit more sophisticated. Not too long ago, you called me a salmon. <laughs> yeah, that's why you're sophisticated. <laughs> By the way, you know the number. You know what the number one question we got when we otherwise I would call you a shrimp. A shrimp? Come on, that's a low blow. Um, you know, you know how many people ask me. <laughs> you have to ask Alistair this one question when he's on the show today. Do you know what that question was? Um, no. But if it's that question, I'm not answering. Which one? Not answering yet. You don't know what it is. Come on. <laughs> the entrance song. The entrance song. Yes. Were people paying attention? Were you paying attention? On 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 Friday of a couple weeks ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I wasn't. I don't listen to that stuff. It doesn't mean anything to me. You don't listen to EDM. I don't even know what EDM is. It sounds like a drug. <laughs> oh my god. What's the song? So you're going to ask me that question and you're totally not even interested? You I am interested. I want to no, be educated. You're, you're, you're very mysterious about your song and I don't understand why. No, listen, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll tell you, but not right now. Hmm. Not right now. And I'm going to be at my uh, appointment in four minutes. Four minutes? That's it? That's it. Yeah, I could actually... Yeah, and I, yeah, yeah we're a little bit late. Where are you going? Yeah, Amsterdam to visit a friend. Okay. It's an appointment, though. Yes. A date, if you will. Well, not a date, but um, when you're supposed to be somewhere at a certain time and it's already eight minutes past and I still have like four minutes driving there, you don't want to come in there like 20, 30 minutes late. Right? Sure. No, I understand. Uh, let me ask you this before we let you go. Let's, uh, let's wrap it up. Um, where do you stand right now with Dana White? Because, you know, he was critical of you training with John Jones, and it seems like there's always some kind of drama going on. Uh, do, do, you, do, you, you know, do you feel like you're in a good position? Have you had a chance to talk to him? Did you see him in Connecticut? Where do you stand? Yeah, no, in Connecticut, we uh, briefly shook, shook hands, asked how I was going. Uh, but uh, to my knowledge, uh, there's nothing, uh, nothing wrong, nothing going on. Okay. Um, so you feel like it's okay, right? Your relationship? Well, um, I would, yeah, I think so. I don't know. You have information I don't have? No, no. I, I got nothing. But I just wanted to know from your perspective. Some, some, some juicy headlines. <laughs> <laughs> um, when do you want to return? Um, as soon as possible. Because, uh, you know, I'm, I was not out. I was not sleeping. It was just a date. Then capitalized. Um... So, yeah, I guess if it's up to me, not, not, not too far away. So this year? Yeah, I can fight this year. Who do you want to fight? You know, um, after a loss, you just need to 
excuse me to not uh, talk too much. So it's, it's, it's going to be up to the UFC. I'm, uh, I'm open. No preference. No preference. What do you make of uh, Matt Mitrione saying he wants to fight you? Are you interested in that one? I don't have any preference. No. I'm open uh, to, to whatever. It seems like everyone's interested in fighting you these days. Does that bother you when they mention your yeah, name? Yeah. Um, no. No. No, it's good. It's good. Listen, I know when I have my thing together, I'm, uh, I'm a tough So that's, that's where my focus is. And, uh, and um, then anybody's welcome to, uh, to come. How about your good friend? But I'm uh, not going to. Go ahead. I'm not going to have any preference. You know, uh, I'm just coming out of a loss. It's something that the UFC has to, uh, has to decide. How about your good friend Andre Arlovsky? What an upset. Great fight, yeah? Did you wow. expect that? Um, but that is the thing. Expected, it's heavyweights. Heavyweights can change with one blow. Right. I've been the victim of it last Saturday. Andre and um, Bigfoot were the victim of it. Um, you know, because Bigfoot is also a very talented fighter, tough guy. Um, you know, we've seen what he, what happened with him and Mark Hunt. That was like a slugfest. So it can all change, and that that is what brings the unpredictiveness uh, of the fight. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a good thing. It's also sometimes a shitty thing in my case. But uh, no, great performance. I'm very happy for Andre. By the way, what did you make of the smaller cage? You were fighting in a smaller cage on. Uh... On September 5th. What did you make of that? Yeah, I didn't like it that much. It was a little bit strange to me. Um, yeah, it was strange. It actually reminded me a little of the K1 mm. ring because it's also smaller. It's different. It's different. Do you think it affected the outcome of the fight? Yeah, maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. Next time. But let that not, let that not be a, uh, an excuse because sure. you need to, you know, a fighter to fight, you need to be able to fight Everywhere, even if there's no cage, small cage, big cage. But next time, would you prefer to not fight in a smaller cage? You know, next time I'll be a, a little bit more prepared to, uh, on it. Right. Because it, it is a little bit different. You're, um, you're, um, there's, no, there's no movement, basically. Uh, finally, how long are you in Holland for? Uh, just a couple more days. Just to see my little girl. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, yeah, of course, training camp, I, I was missing her all in Albuquerque. And, of course, she, um, yeah, she lives in Holland. Right. So, yeah, and, of course, the rest of the family, mother, my uncle and auntie, and uh, my grandmother was 99. Wow. So we got to keep that all alive. So, um, yeah, went back, seen everybody. All right. Well, I'll let you go, Alistair. I'm uh, I'm happy to to hear that you're in such good spirits. It's inspiring, to be yeah, quite your honest. Timing is great because I'm just arriving and parking the car. Oh wow! No, no. Listen, I'm I'm all positive, and um, I've been able to place it as uh, you know, it's one of those things that can happen. Um, and I'm just gonna keep doing what I'm doing. I wasn't, and again, I was in a great shape. Trust me, I know what I'm doing in the gym. I know what I'm doing with my sparring partners. Um, I was I was good. I was good. Yeah, you look to be in great shape. I mean, 210 pounds, unbelievable. I can't believe you weighed that little. Really impressive. 
248. I'm, ki- I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's a joke. It's a joke. Uh, Alistair, thank you so much for your time, as always. It was great to see you, although it was brief in, uh, in Connecticut. I'm looking forward to your return. All the best to you, and I appreciate you stopping by while you're you know, back home in Holland. It, it, it means a lot to us. Thank you. Ariel, thanks for having me, and uh, yeah, I'll talk to you soon. All right. There he is. The Reem. Alistair Overeem. Still won't tell us the name of that entrance song, but I assure you, one day we will find out. One day. Impressive, though, how he's taking the, the loss. Very impressive. Uh, a true pro at this point in his career. All right, let's move along. One more guest to go. And this man has been in the news over the last 10 or so days. Of course, we were talking to Jim Ross about it just a few minutes ago. He is the former UFC light heavyweight champion, current UFC Hall of Famer, now a current member of the Bellator MMA roster on November 15th. He faces his bitter rival, Stefan Bonner, in San Diego, California on Spike TV. He, of course, is the one and only Tito Ortiz. Tito, how are you? Doing great, Eli. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. So let's get right into it. This, uh, we, we continue to talk about it, and it, it happened now two weekends ago. Um, and I'll ask you the same question that I asked Stefan. Did you have any idea that this was going to go down? I mean, did you, did you have any idea that he was going to come into the cage with a masked man and they would talk about the past and perhaps s- some low blows in there? I mean, how much did you know about that whole scene that was going to uh, transpire on Spike TV last Friday? Well, no. Well, the only thing I knew was uh, we're going to hit in the cage and we're going to do a face-off for the fight and do a pre-fight thing, and that was it. Um, I seen some guy with a mask that was with them, and I was like, I, I don't know. I just kind of caught me off guard. I was like, who, who's this guy? Um, you know, yeah, I was like, oh, okay, he must think I'm going I'm to slap him or something. He must have security with him. Stepped in the cage, and he started talking, and he said something about my ex. He said something about my family, and started talking about the fans, and I was just like, all of a sudden, just blinked, and I seen red he's goes and uh, i'm gonna bring someone he used to shoot around and unmask the gimp i was just like are you serious right now <laughs> I, go, how, how, I mean in my mind i was just like how's that gonna help you and it just i was already seeing furious for him talking about my family and I, I just i don't know i was i think as pissed as i've ever been in any pre-fight Really? Interview at all. I mean, I, I was really, really, really pissed. And just the fact of him coming with the WWE side of it, of, you know, trying to sell a fight, but then talking about my family, talking about my fans, and then he unveils or reveals uh, the camp, um, Justin. I was just like going, what is this guy doing? Does he even know what he's getting into? And I grabbed the mic and I said a couple things and I just couldn't even get the words out of my mouth. I was so mad and I just had to put my hands on one way or another and I shoved him, and you know I was able to spit on his face, and I, I disliked this guy really, really bad. I, I mean, through my whole career, 15 years, I never met anybody as disrespectful as this guy. Um, I, I, I really, really disliked him. Really, really, really disliked him. Do you wish that that whole thing didn't happen? In other words, do you think it was a bad look for Bellator? Um. Well, like I guess uh, it's. Double-edged sword, you know, it helped and then didn't help. And they helped sell a fight, which 10 days after, we're still talking about it. Um, you know, and a lot of fans, maybe they didn't like it because of the pro wrestling side of it. I mean, I didn't like it. Um, the fact that they didn't talk about my family, I did not like it. Um, I know it could have helped. It could have not helped. I mean, like I said, it's a double-edged sword. It could be either way. 
Stefan told us last week that he has more in store for you. Are you concerned that this is going to go down that path even more? I mean, we're, we're two months away. There's a lot of time between now and then, and, you know, he says he has more in store. I hope he does have more in store. He needs to as much ammo as possible because that's the only way he's going to win. Um, the argument side of it. He can say as many lies as he possibly can, keep talking his talk, because when it comes on November 15th, he has to get the cage to me. There's nobody else. There ain't no getting behind them. There ain't no training partners behind them. There's nobody besides himself. He's the one that's going to stand in front of me when it comes to getting punched and kneeing and kicked in the face. Um, and that's what it's going to come down to. And that's what I can't wait for. And I'm going to sit back and I'll, I'll let him talk his talk and get as much hype and as much notoriety as just talking. You know, you got to back up the fight when it comes to the fight time, as I've done for so many years. Are you surprised he's coming out of retirement? I don't know. Am I surprised? No, I guess Dana let him go of his contract and wanted him to fight me, and the fight's going to happen. You know, I think he's biting off a little more than he can chew, and his ass is uh, writing checks that his ass can't cash. I can't, really can't wait to get his face, and I just, I don't know, man. I, uh, like I said, a long career. I never hate anybody as much as this. I mean, even Ken Shamrock, you know, I was able to get at him, and, you know, we talked to our smack back and forth, but when, Chain session was done, the days were done, I'd go to bed, and I wouldn't think about it at all. Mm. Bono wanted to get under my skin. He wanted to push the buttons. He wanted to make me mad. He wanted to kick me off. Well, he did it, and it's great. I'm motivated. I'm doing things that I've always wanted to do. Um, injuries are behind me now. Uh, my mind's in a great place. You know, um, I went through a lot of challenging things to my life, a lot of four years. Of course, the last two years, more than I've ever had my whole life. Um, and it's behind me now. And now it's just all about fighting and training and, and uh, getting that world title always. You know, I turned down a world title to fight Bonner. And um, I guess that shows how much I really want to punch him in his face. Now, why did you do that? Because I recall when you were at the, uh, the Fan Expo in July, uh, you had told a few people that you were going to get a title shot. Um, and I know this is a, a personal issue that you have between you and Stefan, but a title is a title. And that would have been, you know, a nice coup for your career. So why turn it down now? Why not take the title shot now and fight him later? Because I'd rather beat him down now as just a stepping stone than have him an opportunity to fight for a world title. Because mm. I don't think he deserves it. I think he's a phony. I think he's a fake. And I don't even think he deserves it to just step in the cage with the world champion. Did they offer you? Did they say, like, it's this or this? You can take the title shot if you want, or you could take the Bonner fight? Was it... Was it presented to you yeah. that way? Yes. Wow. Um, you know, you're coming off a win over the middleweight champion, uh, Alexander Shlomenko, which was, you know, very important in your career. What would have happened if you lost that fight? Do you think you would have stopped fighting? Um, I really don't think about that. I never think about that. It's just, it just goes back to what I thought. Um, Ryan Bader, you know, people say, where you, what? so what are you going to do after this fight, after you lose? I'm like, um, I don't think about that situation. Right. And I really don't. I think when something's set in my mind and, you know, branded in stone, I really just, that's all I eat, sleep, and dream. I mean, that's all I think. That's all I make reality. And my mind is winning. I don't think about a loss. I don't think what I'm going to do if I lose. Because when you start thinking like that, it just really gets overwhelming and you start just procrastinating bad thoughts and you don't need to do that. You just keep the positive ideas of winning and know what it feels like to win. Know what it feels like to get your hand raised. Know what it feels like after the wind is already secured and you're just laying in bed and you feel that happiness in your body going, everything's turned out the way I wanted to. And I think when you dream, fulfill it. 
that's what makes it so successful. And when you get it done, you really don't think about what if this would happen, what if that would happen. I, I don't think like that. I just always stick in my mind of win, 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 win. In hindsight, though, do you think it was a mistake to make that fight because you were bigger than him, of course, and uh, he's their champion. Now he's coming off a loss. I mean, it, it, you know, it's, it's never good when the champion loses, especially when it's a non-title fight and he has to move up in weight. So while it turned out well for you, do you think in hindsight it, it didn't make sense for the organization? I didn't think it made sense at all. All of a sudden, he called me out on Twitter, and I was just like, what? <laughs> so this guy's a 185-pound fighter. Right. You're going to call me out? I mean, yeah, he was 50 and 7. I mean, he thought he was indestructible. I mean, all champions think that they're indestructible. Um, you know, I look at my career, I look at the guys I've lost too, and people talk a lot of smack and saying, yeah, he only won one fight in the last five years. Look at the guys I compete against. I competed against the top five guys in the world every one of my fights. And guys went on to become world champions that I lost to. Um, and only, I'll take well, only one that did not, and that was uh, Matt Hamill. I mean, everybody else, yes. I fought always against top guys in the UFC. Now when I went over to Bellator, you know, their champion thought he just could call me out. And you got to understand I'm very dangerous. And at, at the mind that I have now, my body's in the right place. I'm even more dangerous, you know, no more injuries, no more drama at home. Um, everything is just eat, sleep, train. My kids is my life, and that's what I live for. Were you disappointed when Viacom replaced Bjorn Rebney with Scott Coker, considering the fact that Bjorn was the one who brought you in? Not even. I was so happy. I was just like, why? Calling, uh, because Bjorn Rebney just had open, I mean, empty promises. He would just promise so much and he'd never fall through at all. And Scott Croker, I've known him for such a long term. He's always been a straight, a straight shooter. You know, he's always been very, very respectful towards me. And he understands the business. He understands the marketing. He understands how to push the fighters to make them superstars uh, in a household uh, environment. What kind of things did he promise you that he didn't deliver? Um, a few things. I mean, I'm not getting into detail, but I mean, there's a few things that it just didn't fall through. Things that I had a battle for that were in my contract. And he says, no, we're not going to do that. I'm like, uh, it's in my contract. You have to. Oh, wow. And, and I mean, it came down to the last two weeks before the fight, and then he finally gave through. Had no choice. Had he not done that, would you have not fought? Yep. Really? I fought. Wow. So on, you, you know me, man. I don't get taken advantage of. I don't let people take advantage of me. There's a contract and everything's in place, and that's the way it is. That's the way it is. This is business. You know, I'm not 22 years old anymore. I'm not you know, a young kid scoffing to get to the top. You know, I've been to the top, and i got to look out for my best interests as a businessman um, in this fight game. Because at the end of the day, it is a business because i got the children to take care of. i got bills to pay, and um, this is my job right now is fighting. You can't tell us what it was? I mean, he's no longer there, so what does it matter? Um, it's just... Uh, I don't like to talk about my contract, you know. I've learned from my uh, past history, you know. I can leave it at, I'm just happy that Scott's there now. Do you notice a difference? I mean, you were at that event. You weren't fighting, but you, I'm sure you got to meet some of the people and see the environment. Do you notice a difference already? Well, I really think the um, interlaced people are, are still there, and they're still, I mean, they've always been really cool. Um, they're just a person that's the really director of making things happen the right way, and Scott's that person. I mean, I look at the venue and, uh, the Mohegan Sun, and it almost felt like I was in a UFC venue. I mean, everything was nice, um, clean, 
You know, you look at the matte color, the matte color is brighter, so the spiders stand out better, the spots stand out better. Hmm. It's just a, a new show completely all around. Uh, it, it certainly feels that way. I, I would agree. Um, so at this point, uh, do you feel like like when when Bjorn was still around, you you know you won that fight. Did you think, all right, Bellator, I'll be there, and then you know I'll fight a couple times, and that'll be it? At this point, do you feel with the new direction that they have a legitimate chance to be a threat to the UFC? I really don't think it's about being a threat to anybody. I think it's about getting the best fights forward and making sure the fans are get excited for each and every fight, and then. Fans are really, excuse me, fires don't really run through um, conveyor belts. You know, I think this is about building stars and, and making fans appreciate the fighters uh, each and every time they compete. They could follow them through their careers. They could watch their fights uh, live, free on Spike, and really get involved into the fighters in general. I think that's what this uh, sport was built upon on Spike when UFC got on Spike. I mean, Spike's the one who made it um, eligible for fans to experience what fighters went through you know they had the ultimate fighter and then they're able to watch them um on ufc fights in general and it was able to build through their careers well bellator is doing the same thing on spike now is we're able to show the um champions the former excuse me the people who are coming up the fighters who are coming up to become champions and let the um people at home fall in love with champions and with fighters in general what do you make of the decision to put your fight on the same night as ufc 180 um, I don't know. I, I, I thought, you know, it's, it was kind of cool, actually, to tell you the truth. Um, <laughs> Why is it cool? Let, let, let's, see, let, uh, let's see how much weight my, my name can hold. You know, um, I think the big difference between all of it is all the fans get to watch free fights, you know, instead of have to pay for a fight. Um, they get to watch free on Spike. And I think the fans who are diehard Spike fans uh, will be there watching it no matter what. And Tito Ortiz fans will be there no matter what. And, you know, Stephanie Bonner fans will be there no matter what. Stephanie Bonner, that's your new name for him? Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say any more bad words about the guy. The guy's making himself look a fool already. Um, so the UFC going, or Bellator going head-to-head with the UFC because that date was already there, uh, you wouldn't prefer just having your own night so that the, the fans aren't splintered or they don't have to choose between one or the other? Um, you know, if fans are going to watch me fight, they're going to watch me fight. Um, I think that's what really is meaningful. You know, the fans are going to go where they, where they want to see the guy compete, you know. And uh, that's, I, I really didn't, I don't care. I, I just want to fight. I, I just want to fight. Right. Beat Stephanie up and, um, and uh, I just dislike the man. I really, really dislike the man. They're giving me no handshakes after the fight, nothing. I, I'm just going to try to hurt him. I heard that Bellator was interested in booking this fight in Orange County, which would make a lot of sense. You're from there, but it's taking place in San Diego. Do you have any idea why they ended up choosing San Diego? Yeah, because uh, UFC said no. What do you uh, mean? They, they tried to get at the pond, and UFC didn't let it happen. They wanted to do it at the pond? Yeah, they wanted to do it at the pond, and UFC said no way. UFC has a relationship they've held. You fought there for them, right? So... Uh, the pawn. Correct. The pawn went to the UFC. You're saying? Um. Yes. Did that piss you off? No, not at all. Well, um, you know, we're in San Diego. I have uh, thousands of fans down there, so they just get to watch me live uh, in their own backyard. Um, I always go to San Diego to have a little fun, go fish now and everything, and uh, people are great down there. So they experience something that's going to be some um, historic, um, historic fight. Uh, are you the main event? Yes, I am. 
Now, there's a title fight on that show, and historically, the title always goes last. What do you make of that decision? Um, not since I remember. I think uh, before me, uh, there's a couple fights I could look at it that uh, I was a main event over the title fight. Um, I believe when me and Vito Belfort fought each other. Well, I'm um, talking about more event. recent MMA, I guess I should oh, say. more recent, yeah. yeah. Um, they want to sell tickets, you know. They want to get uh, people to watch. You know, um, I think as the champions start building themselves, of course, uh, then they become main events. But the ones who carry the most weight are the main events. I mean, you, I can't look past it. I guess they can't look past it. Um, that's the way it is. Uh, USC did it at the very beginning because they knew the star power is what controls uh, the viewerships. And that's what they're doing here, too. You mentioned that he crossed the line and everything, and I totally get that when it comes to family. Uh, I, I do agree that it is crossing the line. But prior to that, what, what was your issue with Stefan Bonner? Because uh, he mentioned a lot of stuff on our show last week about you you know, hitting up people for money at clubs and things like that. I mean, all kind of just minor stuff, and it seems like he said, she said stuff. But in your opinion, what did he do that, that really pissed you off? Um, you know, I, him start talking smack and saying that I need money to pay for my family because my chick took all my money or my ex-chick took all my money. Well, you don't say shit like that, dude. Seriously. All, all, all of a sudden, I mean, none of it was true for one. I mean, you have to see lies of a person you don't even know about. And it kicked me off. And then him saying that Dana's going to release him to kick my ass. And I was just like, excuse me? Who are you, dude? What fights have you won? You're, you're no worldwide for getting your ass kicked. And for him to say the things he has said about me, I was just like, okay, I, I see what it is. This day, trying to get under my skin before I sign to fight with Bellator. Try to get me back with UFC. Okay, I understand what they're doing. And I just left it alone. I didn't say nothing about it at all. And then when I heard he's coming to Bellator, then I was like, okay, cool. How do I sign up for this fight? How, what do we to do to get this together? And it got done. And he continued on. And... Saying things that I, I charged, uh, actually, it wasn't even him. It was the gimp that was saying things like that. That was complete BS about charging people at tables. What? I come out of my own pocket. I mean, you know how expensive bottles are at tables? It's $1,500 to, to, to buy bottles at tables. I come out of my own pocket, my own credit card. And you never see the gimp coming out of money um, pocket or money out of his own pocket. Ever, never. None of my friends ever did. I always took care of them. I took care of everybody. Charging people at my table? I never charge people at my table. Hell no. I came out of my own pocket. I get, was free in, in every very way. I mean, you look at uh, Justin McCauley. I took him to the Kentucky Derby and Learjet for free as a partner. I gave him every opportunity. We went to uh, Necker Island, Charles Manson's place, um, for free. I took him. I gave him every opportunity to do what he could as a fighter as a training partner. I remember back in the day when me and Tank Abbott, I hear Tank Abbott speaking up, making me cry. Come on, guy, you've never made me cry. Are you kidding me? I was a kid. I was 21, 22 years old. I never even did jiu-jitsu, did boxing. All I did was wrestle, and I take him down at will. And the fact for him to bring up his name is, okay, if people want to get recognition, people want to get notoriety by talking about me right now because they're an opportunity to do it, and more are going to come out of the woodworks, and I sit back and I just laugh about it. Take advantage of the situation in front of you. Tank gave me the situation to become a fighter. I became a fighter. I didn't, I didn't cry about when he didn't pay me any money when I was his training partner. I didn't care. I was learning. I was getting experiences. I was being 
noticed by everybody that I was one of Ting's guys. I was cool. I was down for that. I had no problem with that. I was, I'm thankful. I'm thankful what Ting did for me. I'm very thankful. I ain't looking back going, oh, I wish he would have paid me money for being the training partner. No. He gave me an opportunity as a fighter to be noticed worldwide. And I took advantage of that. And I took advantage of his experience by going out on my own and becoming a world champion, defending my world title over and over again. And continuing on, I look back 17 years later and I'm still doing it because I took advantage of the opportunity that was left in front of me. I never let it fall wayside. Justin, you let it fall wayside every single time. I gave every opportunity in the world and now he's crying about it saying I owe him money. I don't owe him a cent. You know, you know what? I, I think about it. He owes me now for everything that he, that I've done for him, but I, I don't care about it. You know, when I beat Ford, excuse me, when I beat uh, Stephen down, I'm going to look and I'm just going to smile. Because the best way to retaliate is with a smile. And that's what I'll do. When's the last time you worked with Justin McCulley? Um, I think it was 2008. Wow, so it's been a while. Um, and and, and he, he's been for five of my fights. He helped me train for five of my fights. And two of those fights, he was smoking weed every single day. I mean, he was never there. I mean, it was just Saul Solis was like, I'm not glad you got rid of that guy. Like I said, I give that guy every opportunity in life, man. I, I try to help him. He, you can't lead a, lead a horse to water and make him drink. And I tried. I helped him. I gave him everything I possibly could, and he never took advantage of the situation. And, and now he's talking smack on me because... I didn't pay him, and I didn't help him, and this and that. I mean, come on, dude. Seriously? You don't need to say that about Tank. And I'm thankful. I mean, me and Tank, we're, we're not at, at good words with each other, and I still say thank you to him. I mean, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be where I am, I'd say. To a little, to a little part, at least. And, and you had no idea he was going to be there, right, Justin? No, I didn't have a clue. Did not have a clue. And internally, it seemed it was hard to gauge your reaction. I mean, do you, do you just find this comical that they're using him as this, you know, this uh, the secret weapon that's gonna, you know, uh, unveil all your secrets and all that stuff? I mean, what do you make of all of that? The secret weapon unveil. I mean, go ahead. I mean, how much of a secret weapon can you be if uh, I have 17 years of fight on videotape? You can go back and you watch all my fights. There's mm-hmm. no secrets. He knows what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna punch him in the face. I'm gonna take him down. I'm gonna put my elbow through his face. Um, he's gonna have to get off the mat. You know, he's gonna have to send a take that. He's gonna have to send punches in the face. Um, there's no secret. You know, if, if you think Justice is gonna help him, all these rad secrets. Good luck. Cool. That's why I was just I, I. I was just more pissed than anything that a guy who I treated like a brother could stab me in the back and be as two faced as he is and did what he did. That's the only thing that that discouraged me and made me mad. Why haven't you worked together since 2008? Um, so, what was it? Uh, when, I fight, um, when I fought Matt Hamill, he actually was supposed to come to camp. And, I mean, this was prior um, of 2000, or after 2008, of course. Yeah. Um, before then, it just didn't make sense. I mean, the guy's fighting. Um, I was going through injuries. He had things to do with his kids and family or his uh, ex, and he was fighting, and he was doing things that I didn't think that I should have been around at the time. And uh, before the Hamill fight, I called him, if he could come and help me out for Matt Hamill. And he said, yeah, of course. 
So I was up in Big Bear, me, Salsalis, and um, Aaron Rosa were up in Big Bear um, training. He uh, calls him. I call him. It was uh, four weeks before the fight. I call him. I say, can you come up to Big Bear? I mean, even the weekdays, you come up. I mean, I'll take care of you. Just come up. He goes, okay, cool, I will. He didn't show up for that week. So I'm three weeks before the fight. I call him. I'm like, Justin, I need you here. He's like, oh, bro, um, I need to take care of my kids. I'm scared of my family. Man, you think you'd, like, hook me up? I mean, I'm doing, like, like a 1000 bucks a, a week. I was like, yeah, of course. Just get up here, please. I need you up here now. And week go by. Now I got two weeks. I'm like, he's like, bro, I just need three grand for the two weeks. And, uh, I mean, can you take care of me? I'm just it's two weeks out. Dude. Are you kidding right now? So, dude, just uh, hook me up. I'm like, Justin, don't worry about it, dude. And I didn't call him. I finished my cam, finished the fight. I lose the Matt Hamill. The first text I get on my phone is Justin saying, ha ha, I see you again for not bringing me in your camp. Wow. <laughs> and from that point out on, I just wrote the kid off. I just shine. I don't need a guy like that at all. And I just realized how much of a scum Maggie was at that point. And then here's even a better one. That's like they even overlapped that one. They just, I would just, you realize what type of person this guy is. So I'm going through this court case with my ex and there was some things that she said that happened and he was on the, on the phone with my attorney talking to her and he's like, no, none of that stuff happened. Of course, none of that stuff happened. Hell no. And she's like, cool. Can you come into court and testify? He goes, well, if you write me a check for $10,000, I'll do it. Hmm. I just put it beside me, just like, see, I mean, I thought someone that I could trust, someone that I could, you know, treat as a brother would help me out, and to try to charge me for something that he's just telling the truth, and you realize how just scumbag he is. So I'm thankful that Bonner has him. I'm thankful that Bonner could bring that negativity around his, his life and see what type of dirtbag that guy really is. And I could just sit back, you know, get my training camp through, um, train as hard as I possibly can, and just prepare for November 15th for a war. And... That's all I can do, man. And just, you know, sit back and let him make a fool of himself. And I see it, you know, Bonner's on, um, what was it, uh, with Boss Root and, and Kenny uh, talking about the troops don't like me. What, excuse me? I was the first UFC fighter to ever go to Iraq. I've been to Bethesda Walter Reed six times. That's uh, the hospitals. And I've been there for the troops. Every single one of my fights, nonstop. I ain't doing it for recognition. You think I'm going to see the troops in Iraq risking my life when I have children for recognition to, to, to be famous? Is this guy crazy? Well, I guess he is called a psycho, a psycho jackass one the other. I mean, <laughs> this guy's just stupid. I mean, the things he says are just off the wall. He's a nine ball. And it's just, I, I just really, as I say, I, I don't dislike many. I mean, me and Ken Shamrock had our words. And at the end of the days, I would say, you know what? It's a fight. Cool. This is personal. This is just something that is beyond, beyond the mat. It's uh, mm -hmm. beyond something that I can control. And I can sit back right now and just train, be healthy, and um, keep my fight positive and get my hand raised on November 15th. Uh, two last things. Uh, the light heavyweight champion of Bellator fought on Friday, Emmanuel Newton. Another highlight reel knockout spinning back fist. What do you make of him? Do you, do you consider him on your level? Do you think you're better than him? Is this another easy matchup, in your opinion, if you do face him? Um, you know, I think Amanda Newton's a, um, a great champion for Bellator. You know, I think he's a good fighter. He's, people underestimate him. You know, his style is very awkward. Um, those are the guys that get most problems to a lot of guys. The guys that are awkward. The guys that aren't just really 
a normal type of fighters, and he's that guy. I mean, he's a good fighter, I think. I think he's a really good fighter. But, you know, I would love to get a, that title around my waist. And has the means going through um, Emmanuel Un, then that's what it means. What's the state of your management company? Are you still managing fighters? Um, you know, I kind of stepped down to that just because uh, I'm really focusing on my fighting stuff right now. Okay. Um, you know, I think that's, that's my number one right now, just getting a little tight around my waist and really focusing on that. Uh, so you're, you're no longer working with Chris Cyborg? Um, I train with Chris Cyborg, yes. I help with the wrestling, yes. Uh, she's my best friend. You know, she's my sister, my family. And she's your best I'll, friend? We'll always be in each other's eyes, man. We're, we're very, very close. But, she's, but you're not her manager? No, I am not. Uh, and, 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 I did, and I did that so she could get an opportunity to fight uh, Ronda Rousey. And just, I did that so Dana would stop talking about me. Um, and I looked forward to uh, Chris's future and not myself. You think that she can uh, make 135? Uh, she's going to try. We're going to be like hell making it. So it's, uh, she's going to try. She's going to give her best, that's for sure. Okay, and that's her next fight, right? Um, possibility, yes. Wow. I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I think her and her manager got to talk about it. <laughs> sure. Um, well, Tito, I, I appreciate the time very much. Good luck on November 15th. Interesting fight. And uh, I'm curious to see you know, how much more interesting it gets, it gets if it will continue to get personal and, the, you know, the antics and the trash talk and things like that. That, uh, that is definitely something to monitor. So I wish you the best of luck in training and in the fight. And uh, thank you very much, as always, for coming on the show. Yeah, without a doubt. Thank you, Ronnie. I appreciate it. All, All right. fans who are listening, you know, I apologize for what happened uh, a couple weekends ago. I had nothing to do with it. And, you know, this is fighting. This ain't pro wrestling. And, uh, you know, Bono looked like a complete jack-off. And November 15th, watch with Kate's face and so I can finally shut up once and for all. And I also want to thank JT of Team Punishment for hooking us up with Tito. Always a great guy, fellow Canadian, and uh, always appreciate working with him. Thank you, Tito. Oh, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Uh, there he is, the Huntington Beach Bad Boy. That's what I call him. Uh, that is his nickname for me forever. He was once the Huntington Beach Bad Boy, now refers to himself as the People's Champion, which is the, it's fine, you can do that, but he'll always be the HBB, in my opinion. November 15th in San Diego, California, Tito versus Stefan Bonner. All right, uh, a couple things uh, I want to get to. Of course, some of you have noticed these wonderful drawings right here we've got uh, the next part in our josh barnett versus brock lesnar series as you can see over my right shoulder the unbelievably talented kyle haas who is on twitter at hollywood haas made this i mean this is just um, you remember before we had the uh the the picture of bonner excuse me barnett and i coming down the ramp making our pro wrestling debut as a team i was his manager he was the the star russian athlete and now of course we are calling out brock and paul Heyman. by the way i i did issue the challenge to paul Heyman on twitter and he did not respond so that's interesting but you see the legendary mean gene okerland uh, conducting the interview i've got my uh, my bag of coins my bedazzled cane crown as well and uh there you see Paul and Brock in somewhat of a, an old school look with, you know, the, uh, the, the PIP, the picture in picture. I just love it. What a great picture. Maybe the greatest picture anyone's ever made for me. So uh, there you have that. And then also over here, which I believe you can see on the other camera angle, it's uh, the poster for the one-on-one -on -one showdown. Benson Henderson versus 
myself, Ariel Halwani. Uh, and as you can see over there, my nickname, Cardio for Days, which I mentioned on this very show. In the poster, Benson is dunking on me, which, you know, I'll, I'll let him have that victory. But it's just amazing. This guy is great. I would like for him to make... I was talking about this with New York Rick. Maybe the next project will be something like the Mitrion Minute with McCorkle and and Mitrion doing a stand-up routine on kind of like a Johnny Carson-esque set. I mean, we could do we could do so many comics uh from 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 things that have transpired on this show, inside jokes, so to speak. It would be a lot of fun. This guy, I mean, I think I I, I need to start paying him cuz he's so damn talented. But great stuff and I appreciate him doing this out of the kindness of his heart. Again, his Twitter is at Hollywood Haas, H A A S E. Brilliant work. Love it. And the other one, the original one with Barnett is somewhere here, but we wanted to, to showcase the new one. So thank you very much to him. And uh, check him out on Twitter. He is unbelievably talented. Um, all right, let's go inside the vault now. And I like this one very much. And I thought of it because, of course, you heard the news on Friday. It came out that uh, recently the one and only Nick Diaz was uh, arrested for a DUI. And uh, the story's out there. The details are out there. And it also came out that he had uh, a run-in with the law back in December. And of course, he's fighting, or at least still scheduled to fight on January 31st against Anderson Silva. So it reminded me of my old friend, Nick Diaz, who I'd very much love to have on the show, but I doubt that'll happen anytime soon. And uh, perhaps my most uh, infamous interview with Mr. Nick Diaz, uh, a line was uttered in that interview that uh, people still say to me all the time, especially when they see me in person. So the date is April 7th, 2011. In two days, the first major show from the Zufa Strike Force was going to be held in San Diego, by the way, uh, same place that will be hosting Bonner versus Ortiz. And this is forgotten at times, but the very first Zufa Strike Force show after Zufa purchased Strike Force in March of 2011 uh, was actually a show in Stockton, California, but it was a challenger show. The very next week was a big show, Nick Diaz versus Paul Daly in the main event. And I'll never, I'll never forget being there, especially at the open workout, because all of a sudden, you know, back in the day, Strike Force, smaller organization, uh, they would allow a lot more small-time media, people, you know, building their name, their website, uh, less traditional media to cover their events. Well, once Zufa came on board and, and, and purchased the company, uh, they started to weed out a lot of that media. So we went to the open workouts, which were actually held at uh, the Alliance Gym in Chula Vista, California. And there were like three media members there. It was unbelievable. And uh, kind of midway through the, 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 the open workouts, the UFC PR team showed up. In fact, they were holding Rockstar energy drink cans. And this uh, a nod to one of the sponsors at the time, for Strike Force, uh, Zions was, of course, the, the rock star or the energy drink of choice uh, for the UFC. And they showed up and it was like, whoa, this is, this is surreal. All of a sudden, uh, Zufa is in charge and the familiar Zufa PR people were showing up to a Strike Force media event. It was, it was very surreal. And uh, that was on a Wednesday. On a Thursday, and, and by the way, Nick Diaz did not show up to the open workout. On the Thursday, they had the press conference. And this was the big Nick reveal. This was going to be his first appearance on Fight Week. And always interesting when Nick Diaz shows up to a press conference, of course. He's a quote machine, whether he likes to admit it or not. And afterwards, we wanted to do an interview with Nick Diaz. Well, for whatever reason, Nick Diaz did not want to do an interview, interview with me that day and said... 
quite bluntly, no, he was not going to do it. And uh, we asked Caesar Gracie, who was there with him at the time, if we could do it. And Caesar said, mm, no, it's not going to happen. And apparently Nick was upset about some stuff that we said or I said before the fight. Or I think he was mostly upset about some questions I asked Paul Daly before the fight and thinking that I was trying to generate some drama that wasn't there, even though they had said some stuff back and forth to each other. Didn't want to do it. Uh, credit to Dave Schaller, who you now know, of course, as the man who was uh, in between Daniel Cormier and John Jones when they had their melee at the man, uh, MGM Grand in Las Vegas. Was that last month now? Yeah, I guess it was last month. Um, in, in late August, the PR guy for the UFC, he was in between them. Uh, he said, I'm going to get this done. Spoke to Caesar, spoke to Nick Diaz, and all of a sudden, Nick Diaz agreed to do the interview. But it was incredibly tense. Uh, he did not look at me in the eye. He clearly didn't want to do it. But to his credit, he did it and in the middle of the interview said a line that, as I mentioned, people say to me all the time until this day. A very memorable interview with the very uh, unique Nick Diaz. Here it is, April 7th, 2011, me interviewing Nick Diaz in San Diego, California. Ariel Hawani in San Diego getting set for Strikeforce Diaz versus Daly alongside the Strikeforce welterweight champion Nick Diaz. And uh, Nick, good to see you again. A lot of people are very excited for this fight. How are you feeling in the days leading up to it? I'm all right. Uh, you know, I wasn't going to do this interview, but they told me I had to. So, you know, I feel good. I'm ready to fight. And uh, I don't know. That's... I don't have much to say, you know. Something against me? Do you not like me, Nick? I, I feel like you instigate fights quite a bit, but, uh, you know, that's... Fights between the fighters? Yeah, I mean, maybe that's your, that's your job, but where I come from, you know, people like that get slapped. Do you think I'm instigating, or do you think I'm just asking questions? No, you're and just doing your job, bro, you know? It's nothing personal. Respect, know? right? Saying, yeah, I just don't like to fall, in, you know, fall into, into play with the whole, with the whole thing, so... I hope we can have a mutual respect and, uh, you know, always yeah. enjoyed watching you yeah. fight and respect no, the time good. and uh, been uh, covering you for a long time. So I appreciate the time as no. always. No, it's all good. I see how you are. Okay. It's a, that's, that's how you got to be. That's how you, you know. That, that might not be a good thing. Well, it's, it's not, it's, you know, it's not a problem for me. It's your job. So, I mean, I don't know. It's, 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 it might not be a good thing, but like, I don't know. You get paid, right? So we got to do what we got to do out here. All right, well, let's talk about the fight itself. Um, a lot of people think that Paul Daly might give you your toughest test as welterweight champion. Would you agree with that? Um, you never know, you know. Sometimes it's matchup and fighters, you know. Uh, you know, I can always end up taking some bad shots right off, you know, the get-go and having it cost me the fight in the later rounds or in the first round, you know. Like, uh, this is, you know, anything can happen, but, um, um, you know, I'm not afraid to fight. You know, I'm here to represent my team. Um, you know, they asked me to take this fight, um, and, uh, you know, it was, it was real short notice. I just had, you know, all these fights. They fight me too much, you know. Uh, I'm most over, over, overworked, overtrained, underpaid, you know, uh, fighter, you know. That's the, way I, that's the way I feel anyways. You know, I do, get, I, I do get paid well as an MMA fighter, but this, you know, this isn't boxing, and I think we should get paid like this is boxing. I hear about people like, you know, George getting paid way more than me. And then Manny Pacquiao and people, you know, box, professional boxers getting paid that much money. I don't even know why I'm doing this anymore because I feel like I get paid way too much money but not enough. 
and uh, you know, I'm 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 more than happy with that. I can live with that. You know what I mean? I'm 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 I live in Stockton. You know, I don't need much, and uh, and you know, so you know, but I'm here to fight. I'm not afraid to fight, and. Uh, you know, they asked me to come here and fight, and I'm not going to be the one, you know, to not take the fight. And uh, I'm ready to go, so. After, you mentioned boxing, after your fight uh, against Cyborg, you had expressed interest in fighting uh, Fernando Vargas in a boxing match. What became of that? You know, people talk a lot of shit, you know. I don't know who that is. I don't know if, you know, promoters talk, talking that shit, They're going to actually sign me to fight, you know. Um, in a boxing promotion, or or is the the boxers talking about MMA fighters because someone says something about my boxing to them, so then they make a, a comment or a quote, you know, back, you know, about you know whatever. So I don't know, but I don't know how much of that's for real or, or what, you know. I'm, uh, but yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, I'm I'm uh, um, I'm motivated if we're talking big money like that. You know what I mean? So what's whatever, but. Um, uh, regardless, you know, fighting or not fighting, you know, in the future, um, you know, I'm gonna, I'm a serious athlete and I'm gonna be training. And um, see, I've, I've learned, I've got enough from MMA. I got enough, I got enough money. Number one, I got enough uh, experience in uh, how to live, how to live now from this. And that's all I need. I don't need this. Shit, you know what I mean? Uh, so, just one last question for you before I let you go. Um, there seems to be a lot of mutual respect between you and uh, Paul. You know, a lot of people, when this fight was announced, thought there would be some trash talking, but he said very nice things about you, and you seem to have respect for him. Is that the case? Um, well, you're the only one that started any talking about this fight. That's what I'm saying. Like, you're the one saying, oh, he says he's uh, going to, you know, we'll do this to you and that to you. I was given an analogy about how I thought the fight might go if it, in, in my favor if it did, you know, and then... You're saying I made these statements to him, and then he's like, oh, I'll knock Nick Diaz out or something. And all I say now is, like, right, you know, he says he's going to knock me out, but that's the I, all I say is that's, that's the only way he can win. Um, so, you know, there's not, much, there's not much to say. There's no mutual respect. What, you know? He's not talking to I'm not talking to Why would I have anything, you know, to talk bad about him, you know? I hope he don't hit me with the cheap shot, but I understand, you know, what it feels like to be held down for three rounds and you know and you know and it's just don't feel like this guy you know this guy is avoiding the fight now you know what I mean he's avoiding the fight and he wins the fight so the guy who doesn't fight gets to win so on account of this uh, uh, rules and scoring criteria that we've developed and and you know uh, you know the, the, we used to have a whole other organization called pride with different rules and I think it worked out way more, um, you know, for exciting fights. And, and uh, you get to see a, a lot more technical aspect come out in the fight, you know. You don't just, you get to see, uh, you know, a guy get yellow carded if he holds the guy. That, so it forces him, you know, okay, to punch the guy. He can't just elbow the guy because he has to create some space to punch, you know. So he can't just hold the guy and cheat with little bumpy, you know, bumping the guy with little elbows. He has to create an amount of space you know, away from this guy to, to punch down on him. That, that space that he needs to make before he gets yellow carded is the same space I might be trying to make so that I can get my ass back up and fight this guy when he's not trying to fight me. So he should be carded for stalling. And uh, we've got this whole system going on here and everybody's, you know, bought up the other organization and thrown it away, try to hide it. And it's just wrong, you know. I, I feel like the Japanese, they kind of knew how, to, how, how, how the martial arts went and how it should be. And, and uh, you know... Uh, the more the more technical um, you know martial artist or wrestler or boxer 
and the best man's going to win, you know, um, by these by these old rules, you know, is the way I, I feel. I feel like, you know, it favors the more technical um, boxer uh, and, uh, and martial artist, you know. And, um, you know, all this UFC and, uh, and the cage fighting nowadays, you know, it's, 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 it's always been geared towards the wrestler. It's always been geared towards the wrestler. I knew, I knew that, and then as soon as I started fighting the UFC, I knew I needed to really, um, uh, you know, pick it up and start playing that game, you know, and learn how to fight like that. Because I'm winning, you know, I'm, I can go out there and do damage and win on damage and lose a fight, but I got to win on this criteria, you know, so... Um, like I've, I won fights on the past and damage in my own mind, in my eyes, in their eyes, but in the judges' eyes, the other guy won. But when I went home, you know, and they went home, they know who really won the fight. You know what I mean? So, but they knew they knew how to win the fight, you know, and and they were they had a you know they were aiming to go in there, and and win on those on on that scoring card. I I just you know I wasn't up on game and I should have been and I just didn't have anybody to tell me, hey, listen, you will lose the fight if you go on bottom in the, in the first round and they start you know what i mean yeah, yeah. it's just not you don't you don't realize that stuff when you're when you're 18 years old well thank you so much for the time nick i appreciate it as always regardless of what you may think uh, a lot of respect for you and i wish you the best of luck so nick diaz would go on to defeat paul daly via first round tko just two days later in one of the great first rounds in mma history he defeated him with just three seconds left in the first round drop quickly and then finish Paul Daly. It would also be his final strike force fight before moving over to the UFC and fighting BJ Penn at UFC 137. Where I come from, people like you get slapped. He said that, and really in the last answer there, which I think was like four minutes long, when he got really mad at me at the beginning of the answer, I, I actually thought that he might either leave or or push me. I don't know. It, 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 you could tell there for a second he gets really, really pissed off. Um, but I'm happy to say that we have a great relationship now, and that was a classic one, and even gave us an interview after the win, two days later. So I appreciated that very much, and uh, that's that's definitely one that people talk about until this day, and it, it was fun to do because you never quite knew. I mean, there's one that I did with Nick Diaz outside of a hotel in Florida uh, prior to his fight against Mary Soromskis, and that one was like 15, maybe even more minutes long because he just takes you in many different directions and uh, always has to keep you on your toes, and this was definitely an example of, of one of those. So uh, thank you very much to Nick Diaz, as always, and I would love, love, love to have him on the show in the coming weeks, months, especially prior to that fight against Anderson Silva. And if you want to talk about uh, the latest news regarding his personal life, would love to have him on. Clear the air. Let's do it. All right. Hope you enjoyed that one. We'll keep it going until you don't enjoy them anymore. Or maybe we run out of interviews, whichever comes first. Now let us take some questions and comments. Do we have any? We do indeed. What do you got? What do you oh, got? Oh, wow. Look at the hair getting all funky because of the headphones. <laughs> How are you? Um, by the way, my nail. Someone's asked me why my nail is black. It's not black. Uh, that happens all the time. In fact, one time I was pushing a cart, you know, like one of those carts that you get in hotels with luggage and yeah. my big toenail hit it and the entire nail fell off in one shot. You know, like when you hit a nail and it becomes black and, yep. and over time it will fall off. Yeah. The entire nail was ripped off right then and there. The worst Ooh. big toenail. Uh, that does not sound good. Yeah, I was thinking about that a couple of days ago. I'm doing well. How about Derek Brunson weighing in? 
That Diaz versus Daly was nuts. Bring Daly back. Paul Daly, by the way, who was victorious this past weekend. He was indeed. And that fight was incredible. That fight was incredible. Best, best round I've ever seen. By Surreal, far. by the way, Dana White being there uh, wearing a Strikeforce t-shirt because the sale was very, was very fresh. It happened less than a month ago. Oh, okay. In that interview, my nail was black. Yes, something happened. I'm not sure. Happens a lot. But yes, what a round that was, right? I would love to see that fight again. Yeah, that'd be fun. It would be. Uh, I mean, both of those guys, they put on... If you, if you stand with either of them, they, it's going to be a fun fight, regardless. Uh, people ask me, though, till this day, <clears throat> have you ever been afraid that someone would do something? That's the only time, that interview. Just because he really didn't want to do it. And you could tell. You know, you know the part I'm talking about? When he really gets annoyed at the end? Yeah. He was really pissed. I feel like there have been more threatening, like, yeah. body languages. But this. But, but you know, the, the circumstances and, and the seriousness. Yeah, the tone was, was intense. Okay, first question. Okay. What should be nef- next for Orlovsky? He's now coming off a win against a near top five opponent, but many people thought he lost his return fight against Schaub. Who should he fight next? By the way, that's the brilliance of one of those squeaky wins, right? I mean, now no one even pays attention to it. No one even acknowledges that he probably didn't deserve to win that fight against Schaub. Now it's just like, look, he's won two in a row in the UFC. Now it's part of the narrative, part of the promotional push to, you know, move him up the ladder. Um, I, I agree. You know, the, the Hunt-Nelson fight is interesting if either man wins. Part of me kind of wants to move him along slower, but he was fighting Bigfoot Silva, who I think was ranked... Well, now, I don't know if this... There's like an annoying bug here, especially one on my computer. Um, I don't know if the rankings are new on UFC.com, but right now Bigfoot Silva is ranked fourth. I think he was third on Saturday. But anyhow, I mean, how much higher can you go? Travis Brown is three, Dos Santos two, Verdum one. He's fighting for the belt. Dos Santos probably against Miocic, and uh, Brown is fighting Shop. So in my opinion, the fights that make most sense, because I want to see Bigfoot versus Barnett next, because remember, they, they have that, that beef, legit beef, that dates back at least a year. I want to see that fight next. And, and then you have Hunt and Nelson. Now, we could do a rematch of the Rothwell fight, but I don't know. It has been several years. Uh, and, and maybe Rothwell... It's tough, because I did say last week that Rothwell, if Nelson won, I'd like to see that fight again. Um, so I don't know. There are some options. It certainly opens things up. But right now, I'd say either Rothwell again or the winner of Nelson Hunt. Our next question, Marlon Marais. What should WSOF do with Marias? He's crushed everyone and cleared out the division. You gotta bring him up to Dana at the next media scrum. Uh-huh. I don't think you have to do that. Uh, but he but has I to gotta. Be, yeah, yes. and I don't know. Debatable. He has to be the most skilled fighter outside of the UFC right now. What were your thoughts on the fight and his comments after? Well, I mean, there are a lot of good fighters outside of the UFC. There, there aren't as many as there once was. But let's not forget about you know Chandler and uh, Will Brooks and. Uh, the Pitbull brothers and Pat Curran. And there, there are a few. Funky Ben Askren. <sighs> He's number one, of course. Um, you know, he was supposed to fight Josh Hill. Hill pulled out of the fight due to an injury. I still am interested to a degree in seeing that fight. But of course, I want to see him in the UFC. Uh, I, w- I want to see him against the very best. 
he continues to look good. He's a lot of fun to watch. He continues to improve. And, you know, say what you will about WSOF. They have developed some, some solid young talent. Marais comes to mind. Justin Gaethje comes to mind. Um, Rick Len had a nice win over Georgie Karkanian. They've provided an outlet for the likes of Dave Branch and John Fitch and Yushin Okami to get a second chance, prolong their careers. They, they have done some good. And this card on Saturday, this past Saturday, was definitely their least talked about card. I mean, you looked at it on paper and it was like, oh, there, there isn't much here. But at least it's promising to see that they're scaling things back and, and, and not trying to overpay for talent and not trying to put on these big names just for the sake of putting on big names. I mean, there's no rush in, in building slowly, especially if NBCSN is going to be behind you, which at least right now it seems like they are. I know their TV deal isn't the best, but you have an outlet. And if you continue to put out good fights and good finishes, and there were some on Saturday, then I think good things will happen and it's a better way to go than trying to you know, go to these big venues with these big names overpaying them and then eventually going out of business. Back to Marlon, though, there aren't a lot of options for him at 135 in WSOF. And I think it's come to the point, I mean, they've been around for two years now, where you want to see how he does against some of the best in the UFC. Now, I don't think that if the UFC signs him that they're going to put him in a title shot or a title fight right away. I don't think that's going to happen. But I'd love to see him against the Brian Caraways or the Alcantaras of the world, Mizugaki, Michael McDonald. You know, I'd love to see him against those guys. I think he's probably two wins away from a title shot, but I think it's time to see him in those fights. So I hate to, I hate to suggest that a smaller promotion just release a talent for the sake of releasing the talent, but, you know, let's not kid ourselves. Matchmaker over at WSOF is Ali Abdelaziz. He is still a manager, as Khabib Nurmagomedov said. He has a good relationship with the UFC, Maybe there's a deal that could be done. Uh, right now, though, if you ask me what I want to see next for him, 100%, I want to see him in the UFC. It's time. He's ready for it, that's for sure. And it, it should be noted, they gave him an opportunity to to build himself up. You know, he didn't have the best record when he went into WSOF, right? I mean, his record, I think he had like, what, seven losses on his record? His current record is, uh, oh, what the hell am I saying? Seven losses, four. Why do I think he has seven losses? Does it say that on Wikipedia? Okay, I'm an idiot. Four losses and one draw. But but that being said, he's 14-4-1. Uh, and, and not that long ago, in 2011, I mean, he made his debut in WSOF in November of 2012. In 2011, he had lost two in a row. And also back in 2008, he lost two in a row. So right now he's a lot more dominant and he's been on a lot of WSOF cards. One, two, four, six, nine, and 13. Uh, some might say he is the face of the promotion because he's fought for them so many times. And I loved what he said afterwards. I love that he said, I'm the best. This is how you get attention. This is how you try to force the UFC's hand. This is how you get noticed. I'm the best. I should be fighting the best. It was clear what he was trying to say. And I'd love to see him try to prove it. Our next question about Liam McGeary. What an exciting fighter. <laughs> the UFC needs to sign thing. him. Do you agree? I can already see him beating most of the UFC light heavyweight division. I know it's a long way away, but Jones versus McGeary, that would be one interesting fight. If he wins the Bellator belt, do you think he should be given a top five, uh, top 10 or top five UFC light heavyweight fight? This is what I'm talking about. I feel like it's disrespectful to the organization to talk like this. I mean, he's under contract. They're trying to build him up. And, and, and trust me, 
WSOF is one thing. Bellator is not going to be like, hey, UFC, you want this guy? We just put him through a tournament. You want $100,000, he's going to get a title shot, but we'd love to see him in the UFC and see how well he does. No, it's not going to happen, especially not now. Uh, Liam McGeary, in my opinion, is someone that Bellator should hold on to. And they could use some, some young-ish blood at 205. I know he's 31, but you, know, you, you look at that division with Mo, who's been through a lot, and Rampage, of course, and Tito and Stefan Bonner, the biggest names, and Emmanuel Newton has been around as well. They, 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 they could use some talent. And this, you know, I have said that the tournament had run its course. I, I truly believe this was the right call. Get rid of him for now and use them when needed. But this is a tremendous argument in favor of the tournament. Guys like Liam McGeary, who may not have been noticed as quickly, are noticed now because they went through the tournament, they won, and they've had some great finishes. Inverted triangle choke at 205 is, is amazing. And he's charismatic. He's a fun fighter. He's uh, unorthodox. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying watching his rise very much. And I want to see that title fight. I mean, I think that title fight will be very interesting given both of their styles, but I don't think Bellator should get rid of him anytime soon. These are the guys that they need. A little mix of veterans and some homegrown guys. And for all intents and purposes, he's a homegrown talent at this point. So do not get rid of him, obviously. Now, when you said that title fight, you're not talking about Jones versus McGeary, right? No, of course not. Okay. Uh, Newton. And I think they should do it. They should honor the fact, even though there may be some bigger names out there, they should honor the fact that he won the tournament, give him the title fight, and then see how things shake out. Our next question on the Japan card. This card is some real yes. gems. Predictions for fight of the night and performances of the night. Uh, this person picked Chris McGuire picks uh, fight of the night. Obviously, the double manslaughter that is going to happen at heavyweight. But uh, performance of the night could go to Jury and Caceres. By the way, I'll be there. Oh. He's excited. Wow. I love this card. It's this Saturday, Saitama Super Arena. The prelims, by the way begin at 12.30 a.m. Eastern Time. So if you're on the West Coast, this is great. And the, uh, the main card is at 3.30 a.m. Saturday morning, Eastern Time. And it's a fun one. Mark Hunt versus Roy Nelson. Takenori Gomi versus Miles Jury. The return of Yoshihiro Sexyama Akiyama versus Amir Sadala. Both of them haven't fought in two years. The unbelievably interesting Rin Nakai versus Misha Tate. If you don't know who Rin Nakai is, she's making her UFC debut just when you're... And, and I'm not, this, is, this is not like, you know, adult content, but it is somewhat NSFW. She's a little out there. She's eccentric, to say the least. Unique. Check out some of her videos, her training videos, her photos. She's just... She's an interesting one. Also, Horiguchi fighting on the card. Alex Caceres on the undercard, but it's all on Fight Pass anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, the return of Hyungu Lim. So it's a great card. I really like this card a lot. Um, obviously, high expectations for Hunt and Nelson. I mean, that is just, that's one of the most fun fights on paper in UFC history. Both of them, similar physiques. Both of them love to uh, land big shots. Both of them uh, have looked good as of late. I mean, that's just, that's one of those fights. Remember, there was some talk of Roy Nelson. They, no, there was some talk of Mark Hunt versus Brendan Schaub, and then Dana White poo-pooed that and said, no, we got to do Mark Hunt versus Roy Nelson. It's a perfect fight also for Japan, of course, because of Mark Hunt's ties to Japan in the past. And it just seems like a fight that 
what is left of the Japanese MMA audience, and I know they're trying to build it back up, they would appreciate this fight. And then you sprinkle in a Akiyama and a Gomi and, and a Rin Nakai, of course, and it's, 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 an, it's a really nice card for that market. So the question is, well, I mean, the fight I'm most looking forward to, the people's main event. It's very rare that the people's main event is the main event, but on this night, it will be the main event. It is Mark Hunt versus Roy Nelson. I'm looking forward to seeing if Miles Jury can continue his his streak here in the UFC. Gomi looked uh, looked solid in his last fight at 172, and uh, a win over Jury would certainly put him back in there. I'm curious to to see what what has become of Akiyama. He's been inactive for a long time. The Nakai fight. I mean, I don't know. I I can't pick this kind of stuff beforehand. It's tough. It is tough. I also think if you're betting on fight of the night, it might not be the heavyweight main event. Sure. Even though both are durable, could be over quick. I mean, then again, we said the same thing about uh, Hunt and Bigfoot. Supposedly, you know, that one would be over in a round, don't blink, blah, blah, blah. And then it turned into um, possibly fight of the year, let alone fight of the night. So I don't know, but uh, Here's my it's big a good dilemma. card for fight pass. Here's my big dilemma. Like, you know, I really, I, I got to be honest, I really feel like i need to watch everything live right we've talked about this right and this is the first time in a long time because when the ufc has been in japan in the past they've they've adapted to the north american audience this is the first time in a long time that they're doing this even when they're in china the card still starts at 5 36 i wake up at that time anyway okay well this is this is legit 12 30 a.m start main card 3 30 a.m what am i gonna do how do i watch this live you gotta stay up I can't stay up. If anything, I, I, I mean, I can't do it. Are you kidding me? You know how tired I am at the end of the day? Two kids. Somebody prob- once told me that. You got to be. You know, all I know, this responsible is, journalists this is the are problem. watching it live. This is, this is a major dilemma. This is the first time that my approach is being questioned. Well, we'll see how you, how you do. What are you going to do? I'm going to watch it, of course. You're going to stay up. Yeah. Then your whole Saturday is shot. No. Why? Why would it be? Well, let's say it ends at 5.30, 6.30. Yep. Then what do you do? Take a quick nap. Quick, so you won't sleep beforehand? No. There's no way you're going to stay up 6.30 a.m. from the night before. You're not going to sleep? I've done that many times in my life. Hmm. And then you're just going to take a quick nap and you'll be fine. Yep. Of course, you don't have two kids to take care of. Well, certainly not. But, you know. Dedication. Some of us make excuses, and some of us just get it done. Um, I'm very concerned about this. Um, my guess is I'll probably wake up at like 5.30 or so, just watch the main, co-main, and then work backwards. Of course, the rest of the night will be probably It'll be on Fight me. Pass right yeah, after, yeah, yeah. so you can just watch it anytime. It really... Can you join an event? Well, no, no. can you start an event while it's still actually going on? Yes, I believe you can. Hmm. I believe you can... Uh, the, the way it's set up when you're watching it live is each fight is separated on a timeline. So you can, like, go back in the timeline to previous fights. Wow. So I believe you can go all the way back to the start. And I got to say, I love these Fight Pass cards for the simple reason that they fly by. I mean, the last one on Saturday was, like, what, five hours long? And I love the fact that the main card started at 8. It was done by 10.45 or so, maybe even before that. Maybe it started at 9. I don't know. Anyway, it was very quick. No filler, no nonsense. And I like the theme song that they use, too. Every time I hear it, though, I think that I should be hearing John Gooden's voice. My good friend. I wonder if he's taking a bath as we speak while <laughs> listening to this. Anyhow, 
Oh, you ready for the next question? Yes. Okay, I thought we were going to, you know, dive deeper into that. The bath? Mm. Well, let's see. Um, what fight would you rather see for Rumble right now? Overeem or Gustafson? At this point, personally, I'd rather see Gustafson get a shot after John Jones and Daniel Cormier and see Rumble versus Overeem. I think that this fight is promotional gold. They clearly dislike each other and have been talking a lot of crap already. You At know, least from Rumble. Yeah, but you notice um, Overeem was on the show. I didn't even ask him about Rumble. I think it's a useless fight. And, and, and trust me, I am a sucker for this kind of stuff. Different weight classes. Rumble's on his path. Overeem's on his path. They're, they're not even winning at the same time. Rumble Gustafson is a no-brainer. And Gustafson's manager told me they want the fight to happen on January 31st. If I was in charge, I would want the fight to happen on January 3rd. Co-main event, Cormier uh, against John Jones. We've talked on this show last few weeks. Timing is everything. Have them line up with each other schedule-wise. I mean, it's just a no-brainer. And both guys want it at this point. Um, if I were, and, and, and look, Rumble's a smart guy. When he was on the show last week, he got off the Overeem hate train a little bit, right? He doesn't want to add more fuel to that fire. The train that he should be on is the Gustafson train, and he is very smart in sticking to that story right now. So no Overeem, yes to Gustafson. Makes no sense. No sense. Our next question. Well, Khabib Nurmagomedov is not a mainstream way, star. Khabib. Khabib there you go. Nurmagomedov nice. is not a mainstream star in MMA. He has gained quite the following among hardcore fans. Who do you think he can... Oh, I'm sorry. What do you think he can do to translate the things hardcores love about him to the mainstream? He's one of my favorite fighters, and it feels like he's becoming sort of a folk hero in the MMA scene. And by the way, I see your comments about you complaining, or, oh, how are you not going to stay up? You're complaining about the time... I mean, relax, all right? I'm not complaining about... I think this is what the UFC should be doing with these shows, and we've talked about it. It's one time, all right? I know that you stay up late in wherever you're from. I know, I know. But uh, I'm not... I hate when journalists complain about the weather or their travel. I'm just talking as a, as a fan here. I mean, I, I, you know, I, it's not like I'm going to the event or anything like that. I'm just talking as a fan. This is testing my, 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 my dedication to watching everything live. That's it, all right? So I'm not complaining. I'm not asking the UFC to change the time. I'm not doing any of that. I'm just, I'm just being honest with you, okay? Um, so, Habib. How do we take him from hardcores to the mainstream? Well, I mean, he's doing a great job. First things first, you got to learn how to speak English. That's important to this country. And he's done a great job of doing so. He talks trash, which is obviously a good thing as well. Um, he's dominant, he's undefeated, which is a nice thing that you can throw out when promoting him. Uh, I agree with him. I mean, you look at who's out there and what they've done. Here's the thing. If Eddie Alvarez wins, I feel like they're going to match up Eddie and Khabib to fight each other. If Cerrone wins, I think he could get the title shot. Or he might get Cerrone. But he's right. He beat Dos Anjos. This kind of MMA math doesn't always work, but he did beat Dos Anjos, who beat Cerrone. And also Dos Anjos beat Benson Henderson. If if Khabib Nurmagomedov got a title shot upon returning, I don't think anyone would complain. He has done enough to warrant that title shot. Also, ACLs are a serious thing. And he says he's going to be back around February. He suffered the injury in July. That's, that's a quick timeline. That's a very quick timeline. Um, typically, it takes a little longer than that. So let's see what happens. A lot can happen between now and when he's ready to come back. But... And especially if he's out for like a year, even a little less, you'd like to see him get one fight under his belt to get back in the groove. So let's see what happens. But he's close. No more than one win away, in my opinion. 
And I'm very much enjoying everything that he's doing, by the way. I agree. Is, I mean, it's Junior Dos Santos-esque, how fast he learned uh, English. Yeah, and unlike Junior, he talks some good smack. He's very entertaining. I, well, I agree with you, but I think Jun- that's more like a personality thing. I yeah. think Junior's too kind of like happy-go-lucky and to that's really cool. talk that, smack. That works for Junior. Um, but yeah, no, his, to- his smack talk is, is top-notch. There's smack talk, and then there's smack talk in a broken English-Russian accent. <laughs> it's almost even better that way. Oh, it's a hundred times better. I love it. Like that message to Anthony at the end, it's fantastic. Yeah. I will give that it's clip also, to the UFC if they do that fight and they want to put it on their, you know, promotional videos. What's great about it is that it's so, it's so blunt. It's so frank. Um, there's, there's no nuance. There's no uh, sugar coating. Yeah. That's what makes it so great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, look. I will break wrestling. you. Wrestling. Gotta, gotta get it. Next question. With all this back and forth between Bisbing and Rockhold, it seems the more this goes on, the more Rockhold seems to be taking it emotionally mm. and seems to be the most frustrated of the two. Do you think this will backfire on him and make him fight a bit carelessly? Or do you think he's the type of guy that would respond positively to that? I've never seen him this upset before a fight while Bisbing has been in this type of position his whole career. It's a very good question. We'll only know the answer to it, though, on uh, November 7th. And by the way, since we're talking about it, we've been saying on this show November 8th, in fact... The fight is taking place November 8th in Australia, but it's actually airing in prime time November 7th here in the United States, which is interesting because typically those Fight Pass shows, and this fight is on Fight Pass, have, you know, they've, they've catered to the local audience. This time it's going to air on a Saturday morning or take place on a Saturday morning in Australia so that it can air here in the United States on Friday. I asked a UFC official about this, by the way. And they told me they've had a lot of success doing the shows that way in Australia because they are used to watching the, 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 the events in the morning. And I was actually at one of those shows, the second one, UFC 127. And honestly, I mean, that crowd rivaled Dublin. It was incredibly loud and it was a bigger crowd as well. An amazing crowd at the Acer Arena. I don't think it's called that anymore. That was Fitch versus uh, BJ Penn. Really enjoyed that one. Maybe my second favorite event behind the Dublin show. And by the way, last week was one of the most depressing weeks in sports history. I mean, for everything that was happening in the NFL, even stuff happening in MMA. And I kid you not, uh, towards the end of the week, I went to Fight Pass. I went to the Dublin show. I watched a little bit. Patty Houlihan, McGregor. Just to remind myself why I actually like covering sports and how beautiful sports can be. It is, without a doubt, my favorite event that I've ever covered. I've, I've determined that it is the best event I've ever been to, and I miss it, actually. I wish I could go to Dublin, a Dublin card every week because it was just so magical and so positive. Everything was so positive. It was just, it was beautiful. Anyway, bit of a rant. Back to Rockhold. We don't know. We're going to find out. I suspect he wants this bad enough. He knows he's close enough to a title shot. He's a professional enough that he won't let it get to him, but you never know. It happens, and that's the brilliance of Michael Bisping. That is really why you trash talk, to get under your opponent's skin, to get in their head, to rile them up. So we'll see, and I suspect it will happen a lot more leading up to the fight. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's status quo for Bisping, so... He loves this. You know, I feel like he gets up for these fights. I think this is a relatively good point that, you know, this may be something new for Rockhold. I don't think it'll affect him too much, though. But it won't affect Bisbing at all, that's for sure. Next question. Is Jacare correct getting ready for a title shot? I mean, I, I think by correct they mean, is this a right smart move, line yeah. of, of thinking? Uh, getting ready for a title shot, even though he isn't scheduled 
against Chris Weidman. I agree with him because I don't think Belfort is going to fight Weidman, and huh. where is Belfort anyway? Well, you know, you don't know, but I do think it's brilliant for one simple reason. Put it out there in the universe. Let the UFC know, let the public know, hey, I'm getting ready for December 6th. By the way, this was first reported uh, by myself on UFC Tonight last week. Jack Ray's manager said, our plan A is to be the UFC's plan B. We're going to prepare to fight on December 6th because if someone pulls out on a day's notice, a week's notice, a month's notice, we want to be ready. And we think we are ready. We think we are the number one contender. That's what he said, Gilberto Faria. And I love it. Let everyone know I'm the best. I'm the guy who should be there, and I'm going to get ready for that date. So you're already planting that seed. Don't talk about anyone else. Don't call on anyone else. Don't talk about a plan B for yourself. You want that title shot, and you're getting ready for December 6th. That's the next time the title will be defended. I love it. Now, whether or not it actually happens, whether or not this is uh, you know, meshing with the UFC's current plans is a whole other story. But as long as you put it out there in the universe and people start to get behind this idea, and who knows? I mean, we know that a lot of main events fall through. I think it's brilliant. What did Connor say? Stay, Stay ready, ready yes. so you don't have to get ready. There you go. But let's say the UFC offers him a fight that they want him to take. I mean, well, let's look at the, the, the options out there. Who makes sense for him to fight with Rockhold? Now, the only thing that could pop up is come November 8th, a day after Rockhold Bisping, and let's say Rockhold wins in a minute, I could see them doing that fight because, you know, he hasn't fought since April, and, and that's a fight that makes sense. Of course, Rockhold beat uh, Jacques Ray to win the title in Strike Force, and it was somewhat controversial. I get that fight, but other than Rockhold, who makes sense for Jacques Ray? Well, the other thing is, in that scenario, he's not really losing much by starting to prepare. There's not really any kind of... He, no. He's not losing anything um, by starting to prepare for a later date. Um, so I don't think there's much downside to it um, other than setting up, you know, setting yourself up for disappointment because that's a very likely outcome. You know, DC and uh, Brendan Schaub on UFC Tonight last weekend, and by the way, I thought Brendan did a great job on the show. They brought up a good point. Mentally, it's hard to... You know, it, it, it's very good to say that, but mentally it's hard to be as motivated as when you have an actual contract that says you're fighting on this date. I mean, it's all well and good to say that, but for an athlete, it's, it's tougher to push yourself. Maybe Jacques Ray is a different beast. Who knows? Um, but I think it's the right thing to put. It's the right PR move. It's the right thing to say to the UFC, you're a company guy, you want to be there, and you're the guy. We're not waiting for anyone else. We're waiting for that day. We're preparing for that day, and I think that's the right way to go. You may or may not have an answer for this. Any news on Frank Mir's return to the Octagon, or is he unofficially retired? No, I'm told that he is not retired, unofficially or officially, and he's just taking some time off. Last time he fought, of course, in February, lost to Overeem, one-sided fight. But uh, from what I'm told, last time I checked in was maybe a month or so ago. He, he still wants to fight, still planning on returning. There's been some talk, of course, of the big knock fight again, and I have no interest in seeing that. Um, but uh, unless something drastic has happened, I just saw him. He, he tweeted out a, a picture that he was on a radio show, I believe, MMA Fight Corner this morning in Las Vegas. Seems fine, seems healthy. Um, as far as Frank Mir is concerned, last I heard, he still wants to fight. Our next question, thoughts on the Diaz situation. Uh, I think we all know, you know the details of that. Sure. Uh, if he ends up having to pull out of this fight, does he get another chance? I don't believe... This is, this is not, you know, coming from the UFC, but I think there is enough time between um, now and the fight. 
I don't believe that he will have to pull out. I would be surprised. Anything can happen, but thankfully no one got hurt. And uh, crazier things have happened, and what what are we, four or five months away? Just let you know, in case you've been living under a rock. I'll just read it to you. I want to get it right. Uh, Nick Diaz was arrested in California on September 6th on charges of suspicion of DUI, obstructing a police officer, destruction of evidence, and driving with a suspended license. First reported by the Lodi News Sentinel. And then FoxSports.com, Mark Ramundi first reported that... On November 20th of this past year, he was also arrested for driving under the influence with an alcohol or drug level above 0.08 and unsafe speed for prevailing conditions. So there you have it. And he also missed some court dates and whatnot. So, I mean, he he obviously has some stuff to deal with, but... And this came out on Friday... Um, I think that if the fight was pulled, and of course the UFC knew about the first arrest, I'm assuming, I would think that they would put out some kind of statement or or work quickly. I mean, it's a big fight. It's a big deal. There's a lot at stake. Anderson's return and all that. I feel like they would act quickly here. And because they haven't, they put out a statement saying they're aware and they're monitoring and all that. If it doesn't get any worse, then I have a feeling he will fight. I mean, let's look at just history. Um, When John Jones had his issue, right? That was in May of 2012. And he then fought in September of 2012. Very similar timeline. So I don't think that he will be cut or taken out of the fight, my prediction. Our next question regarding the... BJ Penn and Mike Dolce ongoing situation. Ariel, what do you think about BJ Penn's response to Mike Dolce? BJ Penn is refuting the comments that Dolce made on the Joe Rogan experience. Dolce said it was one of the oddest training camps I've ever been a part of, and I was there for less than two weeks physically in Hawaii. I had very little influence, unfortunately. BJ Penn's response, he said he had no influence in my camp, but he brought in sparring partners, did my food and diet, and had me do his treadmill, plyometrics, and core routines, says Penn. I don't know what he's talking about. BJ Penn is also referring to Dolce as the $20,000 man. Your thoughts? Well, let me ask you. You're Mr. BJ Penn. Are you bothered by any of this? I mean, it's just a disagreement between two, two professionals, and it got, it got into the public, and it, and it got messy. But I don't, I mean, it just didn't work out. I think that, you know, BJ Penn has a certain way he wanted to do things. Uh, Mike Dolce has a certain way he came in and wanted to do things. And I think that it was just, it wasn't a good uh, match. It wasn't a good fit. I don't think there's anything we can like infer into this um, about either guy, really. It it just wasn't a right, it wasn't a right fight. It wasn't a right um, training camp in terms of bringing in uh, Dolce for BJ Penn. And it wasn't uh, the ideal client for, for Dolce on BJ Penn side. I just, it was just not a good match. That's how I, I've been viewing all this because I think, you know, it's easy. A lot of people are waiting to, you know, either on one side say, you know, BJ Penn's lazy. He likes to do whatever he wants to do. He doesn't want anybody to, uh, 
to get in his ear or to tell him what to do. And then there's an, a whole other sector of people who want to say, you know, Mike Dolce is some kind of fraud and he doesn't do exactly what he says he can do. Right. And I just think that, you know, it, people, wa people want to jump on either side of that. But really, it was probably just much more uh, benign than that. And it was just two guys who couldn't work together. I don't like it, especially because it feels like it's sour grapes at this point. I mean, BJ Penn has accomplished a lot. We don't want to remember that fight anymore. It was, it was a bizarre showing. It wasn't his best, obviously. And I kind of want to move on from all of it. And this stuff is, is letting it linger in the air. And also, I mean, you know, we talked to Mike before the fight and, of course, BJ as well. And it was all very positive. So if there was an issue, why didn't they bring it up back then? Well, it, it makes me question the state of the relationship back then and question what they were saying, the, 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 the authenticity of what they're saying. Like, were you lying to us back then? Were you sugarcoating it? Why weren't you just honest back then? Well, it wouldn't do BJ Penn or Mike Dolce very good to come out ahead of time. Well, I mean... Because BJ Penn's preparing for a fight. It wouldn't be great if he said, I'm dealing with this issue, I'm having a but disagreement. But all we heard was, you know, 145, best shape, healthy, yeah. all this stuff. And now it comes out. Um, and I do believe BJ started it. But I just think they should both drop it. Be the bigger man. Move on. Uh, it's unfortunate, especially when there's a lot of money involved and it's the end of your career. You don't want to go out that way. But uh, they both have good reputations. Uh, nothing good is going to come out of all of this. Yeah. Get on the phone. Clear the air. Move on. And, uh, and, and stop letting it linger because it's not doing either of them any favors at this point. Like you said, there are people who want to take Mike Dolce. People are just waiting for the day that a Mike Dolce fighter misses weight they, yeah. they cannot wait for that day to come they love it they love every second of this those people and then there are other people who are you know i'm assuming there are more bj fans than dolce fans just because he's a bj pen fan a uh, bj pen you know he's a legend and everything right, right? I, I just I, I don't see the point of any of this silliness silliness uh our next our final question from the website is Bellator champions in the UFC. How do you think the current list of Bellator champions would do in the UFC? Are they contenders, potential champions? I personally wouldn't mind seeing Will Brooks, Emmanuel Newton, and uh, Patricky, oh, Patricio yeah. uh, Pitbull in the UFC competing in their respective divisions. Your thoughts? I love doing this. because So we have, I'll, I'll read these yeah, off. Yeah. We have at heavyweight uh, Vitaly Minikov, uh, light heavyweight Emmanuel Newton, uh, middleweight Alexander Shlomenko, welterweight Douglas Lima, lightweight Will Brooks, featherweight Pitbull, Bantamweight Eduardo Dantas and Joe Warren as the interim champion. Back in the day, I used to do this a lot with Strikeforce, and their roster wasn't very deep. But I always said, look at their champions. You know, they had they had Luke Rockhold, they had Nick Diaz, they had Alistair Overeem, they had some very big names. Who, regardless of who was behind them, I felt that all of their champions could at least compete for a title or be a contender. Now I look at the Bellator list of champions. I don't quite feel the same. Uh, I, okay, let's start with the bottom. Um, Dantas. Solid. Do I think he would be champion? No. I'm not even quite sure he'd be top five. Do you agree? In that 135 mm. division, TJ Dillashaw. He's pretty good. Dominic it's Cruz. It's a tough division. Sun Tzu, Mizugaki, those guys. I don't know about top five right away, but I think he, I think he can hang in, in that yeah, sure, upper he echelon. Can hang. He can hang, but I'm sorry, right now, would I insert him in there? No, I don't think so. Now, Patricio Pitbull, good fighter, 145, stacked. Stacked, yeah. Don't put him in that top five, right? And, and why do I say top five? That's what I consider a contender, right? Now, Will Brooks, I will say something about Will Brooks. 
very talented. He's got to drop the whole me against the world thing. I saw this video that he posted, like 12 minutes long, of him talking on his phone, saying that this was the last time he was talking, and it was just like kind of, it was a little bit rambling, a little bit nonsensical. I mean, you got to stop that. It's not endearing. I like it. No, it's me too against much. the world. I love it's it. It's too much. It's too much. Mm. It's, it comes off as complaining. Okay, so what? Okay, you're not you're not the interim champion. Who cares? You're fighting for the belt. Win the belt. It's not like they're putting you in a non-title fight. Now, I do disagree with the with the idea of um, not making that the main event, especially because Bellator doesn't do five round you know non-title main events. So what's the point? You could still promote, but the, the title should always be last, in my opinion. Um, anyway, that has nothing to do with this, but it just I saw that video and I was like. Ugh. Just drop it, man. It's, it's probably it's, honestly more for himself. Yeah, it's to be honest. To, yeah, it's probably gonna pump you up. Um, Will Brooks again, lightweight, very very stacked in the UFC. Uh, I I would maybe put him top fifteen right now. I mean, of course, a lot of these guys they haven't fought the best, so it's hard to rank them. You know, it's hard to. We talked about this with Eddie Alvarez. But you said you got that same feeling from Strike Force, so I mean, yeah. Well, a lot of so those guys had much deeper histories. You know, Nick Diaz and Overeem and. Um, who else did they have? Uh, who did they have at 205? Dan Henderson, right? I mean, a lot of these guys were veterans. Uh, Douglas Lima. I feel like... Maybe, again, top 15. Right, but I feel 15 like... 15 to 10. When we're looking back at that strife, strike force thing, that was kind of much closer to the end. Were you only saying that, like, right before? Or was well, it, like, like when Jacare was once champ? They, once or they were when Fajal was champ? Once they were number two. You know, once um, they were the clear-cut number two. And Jacare Feja, I mean, I had high hopes for those guys as well. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just answering the question here. Shlomenko as well, you know, again, we, we, saw, we saw Shlomenko lose to Lombard. We saw uh, Lima lose to Ben Askren. So we've seen them falter as of late. And guys improve, guys change. But would I put them in the top five category? No. And I think sometimes, quite honestly, I know it's not a popular thing to say, but I think we overrate non-UFC fighters just because we want to show some balance in our, in our rankings and whatnot. And that's not always the case. This has been going on for many, many years. It happened back in the day with Pride and whatnot as well. Um, and even when Pride was number one and UFC was number two. Um, Newton, you know, light heavyweight is less stacked. So I think that he might be able to make some noise, especially considering how funky he is. But do I think he beats John Jones or Daniel Cormier? No. And uh, Vitaly Minakov, no, I don't think that he, uh, or Minakov, I don't think he beats Kane or any of those top guys as well. So I'm sorry for presenting such a... Hmm. <laughs> but this is, this is my point that I was trying to get at is, you know, maybe you thought that the, the Strike Force guys would do well, but probably not as well as they have done. I don't have, you know, off the top of my head, I can't think of every single guy who came over, but the guys who have come over from Strike Force have looked pretty damn good. Yeah. Gilbert Melendez... Um, Jacare, Rockold, um, like Diaz. Diaz. I mean, they've, they're not even like near the top. They've been the top. Um, it's, pre- it's pretty impressive. Um, Tim Kennedy's looked really good. Like, uh, all, all the, most of the, the fighters who came over in strike force from strike force, um, have been I'm just probably saying- better than we expected, which is why I initially, my gut looking at this is, you know, that, maybe these guys wouldn't be as, as highly ranked as um, some of the guys who, who are already ex- uh, on the top you know, 10 list in the UFC, but I probably wouldn't have said the same thing about a lot of the Strike Force guys. I would have, by the way. Yeah. Um, 
I'm just saying if you match them up, champion versus champion. Oh, well, that's that's not. But I, I'll tell you, like, I would like to see these guys against the WSOF champions. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? We at, we at one time had that fantasy card. Marlon Moraes versus Dantas, right? That's a lot more interesting. Oh, that's a great fight. Um, Rick Land versus Pitbull. Interesting, whatever. Uh, lightweight, Gaethje versus Brooks or Chandler. That's awesome. great. Um, 170. What was our 170 champ? I'm blanking now. Pride myself on knowing this stuff, but it is the third hour. Is it? Oh, it's... um. It's uh, what's his face? Is it uh, who's Mar Palhar? Yeah, Palhar. Um, Palhar versus Lima, awesome. Um, Dave Brantz versus Shlomenko or Okami coming up next. I'm down, and I don't think they have a 205 pound champion or a heavyweight champion. They are crowning one next uh, next month. So anyway, I think that's a more interesting debate. And if Ben Askren was still there, then it changed everything. Sure. Okay, now let's go to Twitter. All right. Our first question. Yeah. Uh, regarding the fights from this weekend. Hold on one second. Trying to zoom in a little bit here. Oh, too much. And By the way, quick thing good. while you do that. Yep. The new Bellator posters. Um, the person that is in charge of designing those is doing an unbelievable job. Beautiful stuff. I don't know if you've seen any of these, but this, I mean, I it's have. almost unfortunate that... You know, you want to see these posters almost unveiled when they have the bigger events, but these posters are just outstanding. I, I suggest checking them out if you have a chance. Really nice and all very different, but all very well done. Our first question. Uh, another former TRT fighter loses. Uh, this would be Bigfoot. Is this further proof TRT gave fighters an unfair advantage? You know, if you look at history, a lot of TRT guys lost while on TRT. It was very weird. The, the, the history of TRT and MMA. But it is weird also that Bigfoot was on TRT for the Mark Hunt fight, took all that damage, was not put away, and then in his next fight without it, he gets knocked out by Andre Arlovsky. Weird. In the first round, to boot. Who knows? We'll never know the answer. We don't know how it affects you. I mean, we know how it affects you in training and things like that, but not, you know, your chin and if it changes your, you know, your ability to take a punch and whatnot. I mean, I, I do agree that Arlovsky looked quicker and uh, he was beating him to the punch. And it was a short fight for the most part. What was it, like three minutes or something like that? But it was shocking. I, I was shocked. Especially after Guilherme tweeted it and I was waiting for it. I was like, this can't hmm. be true. I thought someone hacked this thing. Really? It's about to happen? Then bang, it happened. Crazy. Who knows? I could say whatever I want here. I'll never know the true answer to that. But I won't lie. I thought of it right when it happened. Our next question, do you think a rematch between Overeem and Bigfoot uh, makes sense for both fighters as they're both coming off losses? Again, no, I don't think so. Um, I'd like to see Bigfoot versus Josh Barnett if they can get Barnett to come back at some point. And as, as for Alistair Overeem, that's a great question, what to do with him. That Shab fight seemed like a no-brainer. Yeah, perhaps the loser of Nelson versus Hunt. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I could see that. And, you know, there are a lot of guys. You know, Mitrion was calling him out. I'm fine with that, even though he's coming off a win. Derek Lewis, if they, if they want to go that route. Um, there are a lot of options for Overeem. He still has a big enough name to where, you know, he can, I, I, even if he loses the next fight, I still think they should keep him around. Especially in this day and age, you don't want to give him to Bellator or anyone else. 
and then he goes off and wins like three, four in a row, and everyone's saying he's the best heavyweight in the world again. You know, you, you want to keep him around. You asked Guillerme this. Now I ask you, after a great weekend of fights, yes. which fighters ended up as the biggest winners? Who are the biggest losers? Ooh, well, what a fun weekend it was. It really was a fun weekend. Um, and hey, some, what, What's up? It's me. Oh. Will the Anaconda. Oh, wow. No, it's not, it's not actually Will. Is that Johnny Hendricks in the pick? Looks like it, right? Yeah, but that's um, it's not our Will. That'd be fun. You know, Will is... Is open to asking questions. Yeah. <laughs> so, so who had the uh, the performance of the weekend? Gosh. Liam, Emmanuel, Paul Daly, nice finish. I mean, I got to go with Arlovsky, right? Doing what he did. That's the one that really sticks out. That's yeah. the one that was the most impactful. Um, but a lot of great finishes. I'll go with Arlovsky. And honestly, this, this kind of feels like a cop-out, but the biggest loser is Bigfoot. I mean, that was a fight a lot of people thought he was going to win. He was a huge, what was he, like a plus four, or no, minus 450 or something like that? I mean, that might be low. I think he crept up as high as minus 500-ish yeah. um, at some point. I wasn't ready to pick Arlovsky, but I, I said on the show last week that that line seemed a little off. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a little bit weird. Uh, yeah, I that, that's my pick. You? I mean, I feel like every time we do this, when there's a lot of fights on, on a specific weekend, um, that it always seems to go to the guy who's in the main event of the UFC event. But it was just so big. It was just such a... And I can't, I can't disagree in this case either. I mean, I feel like it's got to be Arlovsky, who's the biggest winner, yeah. That fight was so strangely interesting and fun to watch because of how it flew by, because of the timing. Again, just being selfish here for a second. But it was just fun. Fun performances, fun finishes, fun fights for the most part. Co-main event, if you want to call it that, wasn't exciting at all in my opinion um santos escudero wasn't that great but otherwise there were some fun finishes some really fun fights um so i I liked it i liked it a lot but yeah wsf had a nice a nice night the knockout in the co-main event of the wsof fight was fantastic uh keon caldwell was like a stiff board his eyes rolled to the back of his head tremendous finish that was by i always mess up this guy's name so i've of avoiding saying it but it was uh can you say it ozzy dugulubkov dugulubkov nailed it let's go with that yeah tremendous knockout look it up online frankie prez by the way of the uh, frankie edgar uh hikardo almeida team won his wsf debut uh, a nice prospect our next question should more fighters take a leaf out of tamden mcrory's book a leaf yeah, it's an interesting. Never one. heard of that one. Maybe um, it's a British thing. No, I don't think uh, Jason's British. But let's let's let's, let's revise this to take a page, okay, or take a leaf, whichever, uh, out of Tamden McRory's book and take away time from the sport to develop. I mean, every fighter is different, and he took a long time—four or five years, right? I mean, and he had some personal stuff. Apparently, um, he's a fun character. Chuck Mendenhall wrote a great story on him yesterday on MMAfighting.com. Uh, unique guy, interesting look. I mean. And, of course, you remember him from the UFC if you've been watching the sport for several years. But everyone's got their own story, their own path, their own, you know, their, 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 their own uh, methods to their madness. So who knows? I mean, look, I do agree that this is kind of a stretch here. But, like, someone like Barrow, he came back too quickly. There is, there is something to be said for taking some time off and finding your skills. And especially in a combat sport, you're getting punched in the head. You know, letting your body relax and 
recuperate and all that stuff. There's there's a hundred percent a method to that madness. But to take four years off is is a little. Well, I bit. may be inferring here, but I think that you know the case of Barrow is you're you're talking more about recovery, whereas this question is asking more about refining. Fi- you know, not not refining technique so much as developing as a person, developing other skills, and then also not everyone has that luxury, a better though. fighter. You know what I mean? Certainly. Not take off four years. Certainly not. I mean... And I don't know if he planned it that way, by the way, as well. Right. I mean... So... Chances are probably not. Yeah. You know, if he goes on a winning streak in the UFC and becomes, you know, champion, he's not... He's probably not taking time off. Um, we very rarely see that. Only only George St. Pierre, as far as, you know, huge names that come to mind who, who've just chosen to step away for a while. I believe this is our... No, I think we have two more, but... Who do you think the next uh, Ultimate Fighter coaches should be? Well, I like this question very much from our friend Kyle because I have a very easy answer. No one. No <laughs> more tough coaches. Enough. By the way, did you watch Tough Episode 1 last I week? I haven't watched it yet. What the hell's wrong Got with you? Got a DVR. Haven't watched it yet. Um, I'm already on Episode 2. Don't ruin it. All right. No, Don't ruin it. I, you know I, what happened, I know right? it. I know what happens. Um... I do like the fact that the coaches are playing. Oh, by the way, I'm happy we could talk about it. I love that they uh, did the seating. I love that they have the bracket, that we know who's fighting who. It's great. Again, I maintain that they should not have had any coaches. Let the coaches be there. That's fine. But you can pick and choose who you want to train with, and it's every woman for herself. And I'm concerned that, look, the ratings on, for, the episode, uh, for the premiere episode weren't great. That's... That's my take on it. But I'm concerned with where do they go from here? You know, afterwards, a belt is on the line. Fighters who all have UFC contracts are competing on the show. They all do. Where do you go from here? Are you going to go back to middleweights and light heavyweights fighting for, you know, a contract? You know, they've, they've really set the bar high. And uh, I'm very curious to see what they do with this, this show. And, and, and if they are going to revamp it at this point, which I've seen Dana White allude to, it's time to get rid of the coaches. It's time to raise the stakes. It's time to bring back the comeback season. That's what you got to do. That's what the next tough should be. Trust me, if anything will work, this will work. And much like tough season four, there were no coaches. There were no teams. They had guys like GSP and Randy Couture show up, but there were no teams. And that's the way it should be for the next one. So no cut, tough coaches. No more. I don't want to see them again. I don't want to see guys sitting out like Pettis and Melendez who should be fighting next week, fighting in three months. And Pettis not fighting for over a year. And if you must have coaches, then do guys like Sarah and Hughes. They don't have to fight. We don't need to see that again. We've done that. Bring back legends. Bring back guys who have issues or no issues. We don't need to see a rivalry between the coaches. It should be about the fighters because at the end of the day, that's the payoff, the future stars. That's who you're investing time and 12 or so weeks into. I like and I have always liked that idea. But what do you think about the fact that this is kind of the season that everybody was saying, you know, this has to work. This is the one. And then the the first ratings weren't so great. I don't want to write it off after one episode. Sir, I mean, you can't. You, you yeah. obviously can't. But it's got to be disappointing with all the promotion and everything they put into it and the stakes being so high. But let's see, you know, it hopefully just, it's word conf- of mouth. It's strange and confusing to me because everybody on, in my, like, social media bubble, which is very, like, MMA-centric. But it's a small bubble. I mean, that's, that's the hardest of the hardcore. Yeah. And I guess that's the only 
the people th- who, who tuned in, I, the, I the guess. Other, the other thing that's worth noting is that historically, I think I mentioned this last week, historically, they've always had a live event to lead into the premiere of The Ultimate right. Fighter. And for this season, I don't know why they didn't do it. I think, I think in hindsight, maybe that Friday event should have been on Wednesday with a big card, Overeem, Jacques Ray, all those guys going to the premiere. That would have made a lot of sense. Remember, that show peaked with like, you know, 900 or a million viewers. Obviously, they're not all going to stick around, but you would think that's the best way to go. And again, historically, it has worked. So I'm surprised they didn't do that. Here's our last one. Did you read about Kevin Ioli's new stance on social media? Can you sympathize with him? Well, I did read it. And as you can see over there, I I mentioned it was a good question. You know, it's interesting because Mr. New York, Rick and I have debated this over the last month or so. I very much sympathize with him. Twitter, to me, has been one of the greatest tools um, that I have used in my career. I mean, it has done wonders for my career because it's been a way to get my work out there, to interact with fans, fighters, to meet people. I mean, people like Jim Ross. I mean, I've, I've met these people, Stoke Cold Steve Austin, CM Punk. I've met these people. I don't know why I just mentioned three wrestling people, but I mentioned I, 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 I've met really cool people via the magic of Twitter. And I love it. But I am here to admit that I am addicted to it. And it's not the good kind of addiction. I have used Twitter. I use a lot of lists and I break it down like MMA media um, and other interests that I have. Like I have one for the Knicks that I check rather frequent, frequently, but that's, you know, out of, out of love and other news, just general news and other sports stuff like the bills and whatnot. But the MMA media list, which I have developed into somewhat of a, like an AP newswire, I check that religiously. I can't go 30 minutes because I'm obsessed with being on top of the news and, you know, being a a source and not necessarily being first, but you don't want to take a break for three hours. I don't understand these people who shut off their phone for four or five hours. I mean, I give them a lot of credit, more power to you, but I can't do it. It would drive me nuts. So what happens is I'm checking it every damn second so I don't miss anything. And quite frankly, it's driving me nuts. I'm not complaining. Well, I'm I'm here, but it's more telling you what I'm going through. I've tried to challenge myself to go 30 minutes without checking it. I can't even do it. And I've mentioned to New York Rick that I've stopped. When when I first started, I started to, you know, I I replied to everyone because I wanted to be nice and, and, and I appreciated the interaction and it, you know, blew me away that people wanted to talk and all that stuff. But then the negativity ruined it. And it got to be too much. It's like you're, it's a Sunday afternoon, you're with your family, you're having a great day, and then you turn on your Twitter and you're, you're being told that you're the scum of the earth. I didn't invite you into my life. I don't want to hear it. So what happened was at first I said, I'm not blocking anyone. I don't want to give the losers, the scum, the lowlifes, I don't want to give these people any kind of recognition. I'm just going to let them be. Then I said, screw that. I'm tired of seeing your damn tweets. I'm tired of your negativity. I'm tired of your crap. So I'm blocking everyone. Even people that I have talked to in the past and had a good relationship with, if you say anything remotely negative, I don't even care. It's like a one word that I don't like in your tweet, anything remotely negative, you're getting blocked. End of story. No doubt about it. And I've gone on some blocking sprees. I do not want you in, your, in my life. Read my stuff. Don't read my stuff. I couldn't care less. Get the hell out of here. If you are going to be that big of a loser that you're going to interact with someone that you don't even know in a negative way, in an insulting way, in a harassing way, in a bullying way, I want nothing to do with you. So I just block people. Now, Kevin Ioli, if you missed it, 
said that he is no longer interacting with people. He's going to put out his news and that's it. No more replies, nothing. And I've seen other journalists, celebrities, whatever, do this kind of thing. And I have been blown away by it because how can you not interact? I mean, there are a lot of great people out there. There are a lot of people I want to interact with. I wish there was a way that I could just weed them out. Like if I've tweeted with you in the past or I follow you or there's some way of finding out that you're a good person, I'll keep you there. But all the other people I don't want to hear from. I hate to say it, but there are a lot of losers out there. A lot of bad people, a lot of mean people. And when Ronda Rousey first said that she stopped looking at her mentions when The Ultimate Fighter started, I was like, that is the craziest. That is such a lie. But if you actually look at her Twitter, she hardly ever replies to people. It's unfortunate because, again, there are a lot of great people. But I commend her for being that strong. And I have thought of it myself. I thought of just stop. I'll stop looking at my mentions. I'll just look at the news and that's it. That'll be one way of conquering this addiction. Now, it's way better because back in the day, I used to have Google Reader, and that's how I aggregated all the news and stayed up to date with it all. But it's way quicker, and, 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 and I like the uh, immediacy of Twitter a lot more. So the list and all that, it helps me do my job. I just have to be a little strong and know that, all right, right now I'm eating or whatever. I'm with my family. I just won't check it for a little bit. I've gone a lot better, by the way. I actually have. Maybe not every 30 minutes, but I've gone a lot better. So I'm, uh, I'm proud of that. And I apologize if I don't respond as much, but it just... The negativity just got to be too much. And so Kevin Ioli said, I'm done. And I give him credit. And I actually texted him last night and said, good for you. I'm not necessarily looking to go that route and cutting everyone off because there's a lot of great people that I still want to talk to. And, and, uh, and I recognize the fact that it's been great. But man, it has also introduced me to a lot of losers. I mean, I've said this on the show before. The amount of losers that I've been exposed to via social media, particularly in the MMA community, is just as, as outstanding. It's astounding and outstanding. Outstanding. Losers. I mean, pure losers. Losers. Now, New York Rick disagrees with me. You respond to everyone. I try. I do my best. You don't block anyone? No. What's wrong with you? Well, first of all, it's, t- it's a scale. Um, the, the level of attention and responses and interactions that you get compared to mine is, is not even remotely similar. Um, it's scaled down significantly. So I still am at a level where I can, you know, try to interact with everybody um, that tweets me or, you know, do my best to do that. Um, but in terms of negativity, I kind of just, my attitude is just whatever. Yeah. I read it and that's it. Now I'm, sh- you know, obviously the amount and, and the persistence of it you're still in the honeymoon phase, though. Yeah. Yeah. I don't disagree with you. Get back to me in three, four years. <laughs> um, but I also think... You got to be strong. I wish I had thicker skin. Yeah. I wish. And then sometimes, you know, you go back and forth with other people, and you're just kind of debating things. People are like, oh, Twitter war. Whoa. Oh, grabbing the popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get the hell out of here with your retweets and your witty comments and you're like holier than that. Oh, you know what drives me nuts? The period. The period at sign. Oh, let me now uh, uh, announce this to the world. Let me show them up. Oh, I'm so great. Get out of here, <laughs> you freaking loser. Get a life. Losers. You know what I'm talking about? I do know what you're talking about. When you want people to see what you We're having an interaction. Person, yeah. That's it. If someone's going to peep in, let them peep in. You don't have to go out of your way to, to, to announce it to the world. 
but the one the good, move. The one good thing that come that did yeah. come from that yeah. is the voice you just did to represent yeah. the person who does Losers. that. By the way, their voice is worse. <laughs> Low lifes. Um, scumbags. Yeah, I feel I feel like this is very prevalent. I saw an article about this recently as well, where people are just shutting Twitter down. They just don't want to deal with it. They yeah. they use it as a tool. Um, to disseminate information, but they don't want to. They don't want to deal with the, you know, the negative uh, responses, which I can definitely understand. And I know the way it's going to come across, and I know that it sounds like, oh, poor little journalist guy. I don't want to be that guy, and that's why, even if I did it, I wouldn't announce it the way he did. But more power to him. I respect him. You know that that's a that's a great way of letting people know that you're changing your Twitter habits. But I'm just saying I can sympathize with it. And I'm not changing, you know, for, maybe I'll scale back a little bit, but knowing me, probably not. Um, it just, it gets to be a lot sometimes. The main thing is you're with your family, you're trying to take a break, and then you got these losers entering your life. It's like you're at a party and you invited some people, some cool people, you're hanging out with them, it's a great time. And then these crashers, these low life, and I hate the word trolls, because that reminds me of like the little people at the beginning of Frozen, those little guys. I mean, those guys are lovable. These guys are just low-life scum. Or girls. Who knows? I'll tell you one thing. They've never talked to a girl before. Oh! Right? Dang. Dang. Is, now, before we... Let me yes. just say, yes. ask this or say this before yeah. we close this up. Yeah. Is this a generational thing? Because I feel like... Now, correct me if I'm incorrect about this. Um, I feel like people who grew up in the very, like, tech-savvy, um, you know, born with Twitter in their hand kind of uh, people, the younger generation, even younger than myself, perhaps, um, have grown up with this kind of interaction. It's not It's not really a, a shock to the system so to see this born? kind of negativity. I was, I was born in 87. So I'm not that much older than you. I'm not. I'm, so maybe I'm wrong about this, but I feel like this is a a, a pertinent and a, and a salient point is that people who grew up around this kind of like message board, social yep, media yep, yep. kind of thing yep. are used to this negativity. For me, when I see negativity on Twitter, it feels like you know any other day. It doesn't even register, to be honest. Um, whereas I feel like people who who adopted this kind of uh, interaction with social media where it wasn't part of their life almost entirely um, are much more averse to the kind of negative interactions that happen on Twitter. It seems more, they, they, they focus on it more because it, it seems wrong. It seems out of place. Whereas for somebody who, who grew up in this, in this age of technology, like I did, like I, I don't. I don't really harp on the negativity or see the negativity as as valid. It, it's kind of just a something I ignore completely, almost. Hmm. I mean, I, again, I don't think I'm that much older than you. I just think people are programmed differently. Yeah. The best advice I ever heard was, "Don't get too high with the highs. Don't get too low low with the lows." Right. Said it best. Um, and it's good to be in the middle. You can get a thousand positive comments. And then one really mean, nasty one. And you'll harp on that one. Why are we like that? Why do we do that? I don't get it. But I do that sometimes. Trust me. I love the positivity. It's great. I love the feedback. If you think I'm wrong, that's cool. But it's just, you know the stuff. You know the idiots. You know what I'm talking about. That stuff, I have no interest in it. I really don't. 
And also, I feel like we should rely. I mean, like Paul George did this. I mean, uh, that was that was pretty uh, ill-advised what he did last week. If you know what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. But I feel like sometimes we tweet too quickly, especially on fight night. Like, OMG, this is the greatest fight of all time. Whoa, I can't believe it. Blah, this is a war. This is blah, blah, blah. Like, just take a breath. Relax. There's going to be another fight. It'll probably be even better. There's going to be another great knockout. Just let's stop overstating everything, reacting. We don't always have to say something. We don't always have to tweet. We don't always have to comment. Let's just take it easy for a second. It'll all figure itself out. It'll all be okay. Kudos to Kevin for doing it the way he wants to do it. And uh, I'll do it my way. But if you say anything annoying, you're getting blocked. And guess what? I know some of you create new accounts and you ask for forgiveness. I've only forgiven one person. The rest of yous, join the block party. You're out. Done. Let it be known. I'm telling you right now. Go hang out with the losers. Anything negative. Anything. Single thing. Including the person who stole my watch. I'm on to you. I know who you are. You're getting blocked. Maybe even report it to Twitter. I might even go that far. We'll see. All right. On that note, we're done. Um, Oh, one quick thing. (laughs) Only one. Wow, look at this. Only one line for this Saturday. You ready for it? Mark Hunt, Roy Nelson. Who's the favorite? Uh, Did you look? No, I didn't look at that one. Uh, I'm going to go... Hunt because mm. he looked really has looked really really good lately, and the win the loss to Junior Dos Santos is really nothing. You can't really take any way anything away from him. Junior is the is the best of the best. Wow, you're right. Minus one forty plus one thirty three. Uh, yeah, I mean that makes sense. I could even if those were flip flopped, I'd say that's you know right in the same range it's it's a coin flip fight as far as i'm concerned i haven't really thought about it stylistically too much uh just because i kind of want to enjoy it i'm definitely not betting on it um but stylistically there may be opportunities for roy nelson to get takedowns if he should choose to but can't wait it's a fun one that's that's gonna be a great fight fight pass this saturday good luck to you if you do try to wake up early or stay up for it or if you're in Europe or anywhere else in the world, you're lucky. You get to watch it live. I'll try, but I don't know. I just won't go on Twitter, and then I'll watch it. I'll pretend it's live. Maybe. We'll see. But I have to kind of be there. It's tough. I'm going to figure it out. I have a few days, thankfully. Let's not make this a habit, all right? You can hit my music. Fun show. Long show. Over four hours. How about that? By the way, rapidly approaching UFC 178. I'll have an interesting nugget about that card next week on the show. Remind me, all right? I want to thank Guilherme Cruz for stopping by. Great stuff out of him. A beast. A beast from Brazil. Thank you very much to Liam McGeary. And thank you for dropping some knowledge although after the fact I don't know if it was 100% accurate but still it opened me up to learning about Jersey 
Very interesting. Congratulations on winning the Bellator Light Heavyweight Tournament on Friday. Great stuff out of Khabib Nurmagomedov. If you do not follow him on Twitter, you are missing out. Team Khabib is his name. Great stuff. A lot of it I don't understand because it's written in Russian, but the pictures are fun. And when he drops a trash-talking bomb or two, it's always a good time. Uh, thank you very much to Jim Ross. Good luck to him on October 3rd as he calls Battlegrounds MMA's next event alongside Chael Sonnen. One-night tournament, lightweight, $50,000. Great stuff from Court McGee. And again, good luck to him with Hope361.com. Really great stuff. Check it out. Alistair Overeem, thank you very much. All the best. And Tito Ortiz, best of luck to him on November 15th. We are done. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next week. Until then, I say peace. Shabbat shalom.